This is Comic Shenanigans, episode 400, Tangents. Welcome to Comic Shenanigans. This is episode number 400, Tangents. I'm your host, Adam Chapman, and in just a moment, we'll be jumping into the first of many segments in today's episode. Uh, as always, you can email us at comicshenanigans at gmail.com, like the show on Facebook, rate and review us on iTunes, subscribe to us on iTunes, and you can also listen to us on Stitcher. Uh, as I mentioned, this is the 400th episode, uh, or at least the properly numbered. I think someone pointed out that because of the B, uh, we have a, a B-side somewhere and a, a point one episode that it's kind of like it's episode 402 and to those people I say shut up it's episode 400 um, so today's episode it's actually our longest episode I think it's clocking in at, at least 5 hours or something ridiculous like that uh, I'm actually recording this prior to finishing off the last segment so I'm not actually sure what the final running time is going to be uh, the first segment is where I'm joined by AJ Reese to talk about the Superior Foes of Spider-Man uh, Heroclix set which came out just prior to us uh, recording the episode uh, after that, we have a segment with uh, returning guest Leon Orellana as he uh, joins us to discuss his polls. Actually, we actually open up uh, a case of superior foes of uh, Spider-Man Heroclix on the air. Uh, we then are joined in, by a returning guest from episode 300 and also episode 298, but the last episode was 300. And that's Dan Gavazin of the Superior Spider Talk website as well as the Amazing Spider Talk podcast. Uh, he comes on to talk about uh, the current kind of status quo of Spider-Man spider books and uh the spider-man family etc so that's some good stuff coming up as well uh we also will then have uh, two very long segments uh with with frequent guest paul scores uh the first one we break down the marvel now um uh, catalog basically uh, that recently came out uh, basically going through all the titles what we're looking forward to, what we're curious about what's going on um, that's the first segment with Paul the second segment with Paul we actually talk about uh, DC Rebirth uh, in fact, in this one, it's more of instead of going going through book by book, we just kind of have a chat about the status quo of DC. And you know, Paul used to, has never been a huge DC reader, but was definitely a big fan of certain properties back before for a while ago. And now he's back on uh, thinking about getting onto the DC books, and just wanted me to basically pitch him on it and have a discussion on where DC Rebirth is taking DC. So that's coming up. And then the last segment of the show, we're joined by uh, Tibor Mate as he uh, closes out the show with uh, some of the discussion of some of his elements of fandom. Anyways, that's all coming up in the next couple of hours. Thanks for joining us, and uh, hopefully uh, we'll have uh, 100 more episodes until we have another giant uh, anniversary episode of episode 500 next year. AJ, welcome to episode 400. Oh man, it is exciting to be here, Adam. Now, uh, I, I hate to do this because I do this every time, but do you remember the last time you were on? I, absolutely not. Uh, wait, we talked about Heroclix? Nope. Oh, uh, well, see, no, clearly you I don't. You failed already. We talked about DC Rebirth. That's right, that's right. Yep, not which, that long ago. Well, which was rare because I think that was only the one of the maybe two or three times in the life of this podcast that I've ever actually had a guest on the reviews episode. Um, which is, you know, not a big deal, but also a big deal. I, I counted in my top ten accomplishments, Adam. <laughs> it's actually interesting. This is your, I believe it's your ninth episode. 
Uh, almost made it to the full 10. Oh, well. Wow, you're, you're so close. You're, That's you're... a landmark for me, almost as big as 400 is for you, I bet. <laughs> it's interesting, actually. I, I was looking at the episodes that you've done with me, and so the first episode we ever did was uh, the worst audio I think that we've ever had in this podcast, because we tried to do a review podcast. It was back when I was trying out different technology. I didn't have an iPad yet to make Skype easier, and we had like this weird like talking over each other, but like this weird cross-laid paths. Like, it just did not work. It was horrible, but you were great. I appreciate it, Adam. I do remember the overlay and the jumping, and yeah, it was it was a mess. It but. was a hard one to listen to, but I was like, we recorded it, so I'm doing it. But hey, uh, it only got better with every uh, following episode. This is true. That was uh, so. This is episode 400. So that was 313 episodes ago. Uh, I, I like to imagine I'm going to fit somewhere right after the guest star appearance of Nate and then right before the big grand finale with Kelly. I hope I hope I kind of fit in the podcast right about I have no idea what you're going to do for 400. I don't even know if Nate's going to be on it. Actually, it's interesting. Last year I did an episode. It was uh, Comic Shenanigans on Vacation, and I recorded it by a lake with Paul, and it was like the day that we found out about all new, all new, all different Marvel now. Mm-hmm. And we just recorded it by the lake. And then this year, just the way it worked out is that I'm going to actually be the, at the cottage the week I'm recording the episode 400. Although, spoiler alert for behind the curtain, this is being recorded a week before that. Um, it's not all. Remember, you, you paddled across the lake, and I'm in the cottage on the other side. <laughs> this is this is all the same day, same time. Exactly. I mean, you're, you're not that far away, right? No. No, not, not super far. <laughs> not at all. Uh, so I was looking. So... The the your second and third appearances on the show were something I don't even do anymore, and I forgot I ever did. Which was I used to do solicitations episodes, and a lot of people said that they were the most superfluous episodes they'd ever done. So eventually, they just kind of got phased out. I actually forgot I even did them. I like to think of those as like my rookie appearances. Like you had to start on the solicitations episodes before you got brought into the real like good hardcore of the series. Absolutely. Well, and then we did like a we did a comic talk, and then you got to the big time with two talking Heroclix episodes. Uh, and then actually, even the bigger big time was when uh, you and I and Paul broke down Secret Wars. Mm-hmm. That was a lot of fun. And then, of course, you uh, went back to being on a reviews episode as we took over. And I think we did almost like an hour on DC Rebirth, which is probably more than it needed. <laughs> but we did it anyway. So today, even though I've, I've eaten up a bunch of our, of our time together with Preamble, uh, let's talk a little bit about something we haven't talked about on the podcast in a long time, which is Heroclix. So we have Superior Foes of Spider-Man coming out. Actually, it's coming out the week before this episode is going to go out. Mm-hmm. Um, so by the time you know this airs, it'll already be out. But we already know all the dials anyway. One of the few times I think all the dials have been spoiled before the set comes out. Yeah, uh, it, it's kind of crazy actually. Who who? Well, let's 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 narrow it down. I could say who's your favorite, but wh- which of the of the uh, the commons most jumps out at you? Uh, no pressure. I'm pretty excited about the uh, number five thug. You got just ten points, no power dial. But he's got that special little power where he gets whatever named keywords at least two higher point characters have. Um, just great filler, great mastermind fodder, great potential for resource additions and things like that. Uh, added to theme teams for ID cards and you know extra characters on your force. I think Thug's going to be a lot of fun. And oddly, I think Thug's going to show up a lot um, oh, yeah. on some of the competitive teams. Even though his, his dial is so bland on the you know, onset. I think it's going to be really powerful when built with other things. Well, I was looking at it with Leon one day, and I was like, you know what? I just want to run 30 of these guys because I think they could win. Like, they have solid stats for 10 points. 
I love the side-cocked uh, handgun. <laughs> he as thug as thug gets. Well, it's a, it's a kill shot, right? Oh, absolutely. He's turned it sideways, going for the kill shot. Um, are you surprised that Betty Brant, of all characters, got an actual, like, real-life figure? <sighs> a little, yeah. Yeah, I'm surprised she... Did Mary Jane... Oh, she is a Mary Jane's an uncommon. Yeah... <sighs> Uh, do we know exactly what they're pulling out? Because Superior Foes of Spider-Man, I assume, is... I mean, I know the comic and everything, but it's a more recent book. And has Betty Brant been that prevalent? Mm, not recently. Like, she's kind of kind of faded to the background. She's still around and amazing here and there, but she's not a huge player. I actually, to be honest, am more shocked that they didn't give us a Gwen Stacy. Because we've had a Pog, we've had a Pog clone, but we've, we've never actually seen the real deal. And I just thought this was the perfect opportunity. Well, and here you get a Captain Stacy, and you get a Spider-Gwen, but you don't get a Gwen Stacy No. Figure. Yeah. It's very weird. And, and, and now, I, I forget what the exact sculpt is, but for Captain Stacy, he looks like he's the young Stacy from uh, Spider-Gwen's world and not our classic one. But sure. I think his dial is still that he, he, he's, he's still the classic version. Like, if you look at that dial, the fact that he knows who you really are... That's more or less something he did with Peter. He didn't figure out who Gwen was on his own. So, right. it, But it's just weird. In fact, it looks more like Dennis Leary's version. <laughs> I, I've got to go out on a limb and say probably Betty got included so they had one more reporter. I feel like they really kind of like playing with that reporter mechanic after mm. the, uh, what was it, World's Finest that had all the other reporters? I think so, yeah. And Wonder Woman. One of the two. Well, and it's uh, going back to Captain Stacy for a second because I'm excited that he exists, but I'm also just shocked that you know he he has range combat expert. Like seriously, like I don't know about you, but if you've read any of the original Amazing Spider-Man issues by uh, Stan Lee, Steve Ditko, and then John Romita Jr. Uh, Senior, I should say, um, he was an old man with a cane. Uh, he was not a sharpshooter by any means. He was not range combat expert. You know firing at people so I'm a little surprised I guess he's just supposed to be the younger version I have to deal with it but I'm having a problem with that yeah I will have to say I love a whole lot of things in this set uh, by and large the vast majority of it but if my brick has a Captain Stacy in it I'm, I'm going to throw it out the window of everything in this set, he is absolutely the last thing I want. Okay, well, at least mail it to me, and then I will send you money. Or because we're because apparently we're so close to each other, just throw it out your window and I'll catch it. I'll, I'll row it across the lake and bring <laughs> it to your cottage. Um, of the commons, I am very excited for Tarantula. He's not necessarily the greatest style, although it's actually very good for 45 points. I'm just glad he exists. I think he's a great 45 points. And, um, but seriously, though, what, why didn't he get to have a, an action sculpt where he's jumping? Like, that's what he does, is that he jumps. Like, I've heard that complaint before that a lot of the sculpts in this set are kind of just generic bus stop standing sculpts. Oh, especially the Green Goblin. What the hell? Yeah, well, the Green Goblin's a whole... We, we don't... You don't have time in episode 400 for us to discuss what they did wrong with Green Goblin. Well, uh, first of all, we can both recognize he doesn't fly. He doesn't fly. Everybody and their brother, why do you not give Green Goblin flight? Even if you make one of these a, like, superior foes, superior Spider-Man, Goblin in the sewers, Goblin Nation. Mm-hmm. Okay, fine. But you didn't give the Fast Forces or the regular set flight? Uh, I, I don't seem, know. It just seems point. lazy. Like, oh, we didn't have enough sculpting to to, to give him the actual. Um, they didn't give Hobgoblin flight either. Like, no. none of the goblins got flight. That's their thing. They fly, right? Like, what's next? Are we gonna have a still man who doesn't have legs? <laughs> like, uh, 
That's just ridiculous. That being said, I love the stilt man. He's Absolutely. so much fun and much better than he has any right to be. He is exactly what you said. He is fun. And I'm sure somebody will find a way to exploit him with, you know, 14 pairs of legs or what. Who knows? I, I don't. <laughs> but he is absolutely fun, and I can't wait to pull a couple of them, stick them together, and try and scoot him across the board without him tipping over. Um, I, I didn't want to go through everyone, but there's some I have to mention. Dagger is incredible for 35 points. I, I've looked at Dag, Cloak and Dagger briefly, and I've, I think I'm just not a fan of the characters too much, so it's always hard for me to get behind the clicks. I wasn't a huge fan of their ASM clicks. I'm not a huge fan here either. Really? For a 35-point character with four range, three targets, with ten attack, who's able to just, you know, penetrate people? Like, that's amazing. It's, it's excellent, yeah, as long as she doesn't get hit at all, ever. Yeah. But who cares? It's 35 points. Like, what else were you going to do this, spend that on? Uh, you can spend 35 points on a stacked resource. I, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I, I guess. Or, actually, technically, you could use, uh, you know, three and a half thugs. Three, that's three and a half thugs right there. They, would, they would murder her, like, really badly. <laughs> well, I guess if she uses three clicks, uh, yeah, I mean, you're, you, you'd have, like, your eight on the, her 17 or whatever with your thugs. But still, I would, I would take the thugs, let's see, three, 12, 14 clicks of damage for 35 points versus daggers three. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, no, for sure. I, yeah. And I just don't think I care, personally. That's fair. They don't have to care. It's all right. Um, let's move on to uncommons. Before I say my favorite, I have to say I'm so unimpressed and disappointed with both the Scarlet Spider's sculpt and his, uh, and his low attack values. Yeah, I can't imagine him having that many nines at any point ever, unless he was like a, a Spider-Verse version of Ben Riley. And I but. guess that's what this is, because he has the call and help from the Spider-Verse trait, and even the sculpt has the hoodie on. He never actually had the hoodie down ever. Right, right. Like, it's just, it just makes me so disappointed because I love the Scarlet Spider, and I look at the dial, I'm like, where are these nines coming from? Like, characters who are a lot shittier have a lot less nines. Oh, completely. And I can make it up on the back last two clicks. I get that. That's fine. You get close combat expert, you know, attack goes down a little, pump up what you want. I don't mind the last two nines, but those second and third click nines... What what in the world is that for? Who's that helping? What? Yeah, but I do like his impact webbing because that's very appropriate. Sure. Uh, I like that it's only a hit target, so you don't even necessarily have to deal damage. So you could actually just hit them and just web them. Uh, so I've that's pretty sweet. I've got to think they soaked a lot of his point costs into his improved movement of pretty much all terrain because a lot of them only have improved elevated or possibly improved hindering. But he's also got the improved outdoor blocking, and I I guess that's where his 80 points come in. Yeah, I wonder why he has that. I mean, it's because yeah. doesn't he kind of just get around it? Like, I, I don't know. If well, you look at something like Silk, Silk gets nothing. You look at, uh, you know, even a few of the Spider-Men. Number one Spider-Man only ignores elevated terrain, so your Spider-Man gets stuck in bushes. But Ben Riley apparently just runs, jumps, and moves through everything. So Apparently. What do you think of Silk? Uh, let's see. I think she's great for her points. I mean... Uh, the uh, triple in cap that doesn't actually hurt people uh, is interesting. Or no, sorry, it, it hurts people, but uh, doesn't give an action token to characters with zero action tokens. So that's kind of an interesting way of, of uh, neutering it a little. Yeah, I, I mean, you're you're looking at essentially four useful clicks for seventy points with two regens. I would have almost preferred if they dropped the last click off, just gave her one click a regen, mm. and maybe dump the points, you know, five or ten points. Um, I, I don't know that I'm a huge fan of two back in naked otherwise clicks a regen, but that's fine. Um, 
I do love her damage power. That precognitive spider sense. Oh my god, that's incredible. That's nuts. That's amazing. And 18 defense super senses that you can re-roll is excellent. Because you got to think about that in combination with shape change or impervious or something else you can stack on her. And she all of a sudden just becomes like a three or four roll escaping nightmare. What do you think of uh, of Nightwatch? Are you a fan of the original uh, Maximum Carnage at all? Uh, I have looked through it some, but I'm not going to lie. I don't even remember Nightwatch. I, I remember right. the Carnage parts of Maximum Carnage, and that's about it. To be fair, not many people remember Nightwatch. Um, yeah. This sculpt is very unimpressive. It doesn't even really look like him that much. Especially because the character basically, his cape was kind of supposed to be like Spawn's, like always kind of out of control. Here it's so boring, and his... His dial is actually pretty deep for 85 points these days, but I just find it, 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 it leaves me bored. Like, I'm like, what is this? How am I supposed to use this guy? I'll only be impressed if the detail from the uh, digital sculpt translates to the actual, because they have a lot of little finite detail in that painting on the mask and everything. If it just comes out like a garbled mess, it's, it's going to be even more lackluster. What do you think of the new Venom? Do you think he's worthy? going for him I think personally I always like the LE Venom better um I don't know I'm jury's still out for me I, I don't know I think he's well worth 125 points I don't know that he's a good deal for 125 points but I think he's fun um would, would you prefer anti-venom uh no not really no well what about that awesome trait though he can counter a different power in each opposing character within two squares in line of fire until your next turn. That's kind of badass. That power is badass, but again, I don't like paying 100 points for essentially four functional clicks. I know you got stealth and regen on those last two, but again, I, I'm just not a huge fan of double regen, kind of otherwise useless back clicks. True, but he can at least get away very easily, right? Because, I mean, that the, the symbiote trade is pretty awesome automatically breaking away plasticity and shape change so at least it's not hard to get the hell out of there and then hide i think it is very appropriate for the character you've got those middle dial support clicks he can himself regen he can run away he can dodge i like I, he's got those two top clicks that are his only kind of effective attack clicks but they're very good as with the blades and exploit um i don't think he's a bad representation of the figure of the character i just don't know that i love the dial all in all all right, let's talk about the the other goblin, Hobgoblin. Mm-hmm. Uh, I gotta say, I think this dial is so much more than Jason Philip Mackendale deserves. <laughs> he's <laughs> it's, it's potent, yeah. Well, because he he's not a very good Hobgoblin. He was a, a shitty jack o' lantern. He was the also ran Hobgoblin who then had to make a deal with the the devil to get power because he kind of sucked. Um, so that and then he eventually had weird techno enhancements. So the fact that his dial is this good. I'm very shocked. Although he do, again doesn't fly, which doesn't make any sense. Yeah, we—that's just like we said, stated for all the goblins. Uh, he, he really like, just needs to fly, and then he's perfect, but better. Actually, you know what I mean? Like again, he probably does deserve nines uh, as opposed to Ben Riley. I think he becomes an absolute nightmare in home games because uh, I don't think he's competitively viable. But I think if you paired him with the Fast Forces Kingpin. Now he's got an 11 attack. You Oof. pair him with maybe somebody else. Um, he's got 18 defense through like Venom Defend or something like that. Um, and that shape change power. Oh my gosh. How much fun is that when that hits? Oh, that's so awesome. If he hits a shape change, uh, place a, essentially put a token on 
the, the attacking character's card. When Hobgoblin is the only target of an attack and is hit, you may remove the identity token from an opposing character's card and have that character become the hit target, even if it would be illegal. Oh, what a fun little weird outlying power that is. It's interesting, yeah, he gets that awesome, kind of cool, fun new power to use. Um, I want to ask, do you think we really needed a regular Norman Osborn in the set? I felt like we got one. It was the Green Goblin dial. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I, I, the number 10 Green Goblin to me is Norman Osborn. So I don't really know why we needed this guy, uh, Green Goblin as an uncommon, or the Norman, Norman Osborn as an uncommon also. But, I, I, yeah. It's kind of interesting with having um, the Goblin on your sideline. That's kind of interesting. Like, I, I didn't see that coming, um, so at least they made some sort of mechanic, but yeah, I, I just felt like we didn't need this. Like, we, we kind of got this before. He's not legal anymore, but I didn't need another one. Yeah, and I agree. Again, it's not even like this one. Maybe if there was some weird way, I know they're phasing out alter egos, but if this guy could even become Green Goblin, they basically did that on his last click, trying to give him super strength and, you know, charge and stuff. But I just don't see it being that great unless you just really love Norman Osborn and Dark Avengers and stuff like that hmm. um, it's a fun dial for somebody but yeah I, I think they could have been better used as, for another thing in that slot one of my favorite uncommons in the set is mo- is gotta be Overdrive Overdrive is a number one my favorite uncommon man I hope I pull this guy because he's gonna get played he's just so awesome like he's a ridiculous character and he's still ridiculous but uh, the fact that he, you know, creates that vehicle is so cool. Mm-hmm. Well, and there again, he sidestep and he go, oh, nine attack, two damage. He's got that sinister syndicate though, so all of a sudden he gets an eleven attack. All of a sudden he's got an eighteen defend. All of a sudden he is a massive tie-up piece for thirty-five points. He pulls your whole team in. It on his vehicle. He can pilot his own vehicle. It's oh, it's so much fun. What a great way to represent that character. Um, moving on to uh, another one. Scorpion was one where I first looked at him, I was kind of like, I'm a little disappointed. And I looked at it again, and I went, you know what? For 50 points, maybe it's not the badass Scorpion that I want in the back of my head. Yes, I, I don't know why I want this, but I do. Um, but to be fair, he's probably a very serviceable version of the Scorpion. You get five clicks for 50 points, which is actually a pretty awesome deal. And he actually does a lot of fun stuff. So I've actually come around on it, and now I like him a lot. I look back at 50 points now, even back to War of Light, and I was like, could this have been my Red Lantern dial? Like, it's amazing what 50 points is getting you these days, even a couple, like, a year or two ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, 50 points goes the distance these days. I'll agree, it is kind of lackluster. I could have seen Scorpion being at least a 65-75 point character, but you, you get a good dial for the point value, sure. What do you think of the new Miles Morales, now that we have a, a, a proper one, not that weird one we had before? <laughs> the, the shield... Uh, yeah, like the, the 35 point one that really didn't do anything? I think this is a much better dial. I think it's a much better representation of a full fledged, you know, grown into the role Spider Man. Uh, again, I think this, I know this is supposed to be the Miles from Spider Verse. You know, it's, it's the Ultimate Universe Miles and everything like that. This still doesn't fully feel like Miles to me, but I think it's a fun dial for 70 points. I think you can absolutely get your value out of 70 points here if you play him in Sealed or something like that. Yeah, I thought they would do a little bit more with his camouflage. Like, it's <laughs> not, it's a little bit more potent than just shape change. And again, you've got a Spider-Man who only ignores Elevator. So I'm like, I mean, I, I guess he's got sidestep to get him in and out, but like those last stealth clicks, 
it just feels weird to have a Spider-Man that gets stuck in a bush. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, it is. It is weird. And again, also, the, you know, he doesn't start with super senses either. Like, I get he has a high defense in his combat reflexes, but he's Spider-Man. He has a spider sense. Like, like there's certain things that they should not forget about. Agreed. Um, I'm actually really excited as well about Mr. Hyde. Uh, that's one of those dials that looks very generic, but there's actually a lot going on. It feels like a classic throwback dial. It like, does. It Absolutely. Yeah. And at that very end, like, oh, man, I want to get to that 12 attack, 4 damage flurry click. Let's see. I'm actually reading through his power now. I looked at his dial, but I haven't read his power yet. Um, Anger tokens. He's attacked. Mr. Hyde was attacked by an opposing character since your last turn. Place an anger token on this card. When he clears tokens, remove an anger token for each action token being removed. If there's an anger token on this card, Mr. Hyde can use sidestep and modifies his attack and damage values by plus one for each anger token. So you've got to get attacked... Okay, so if you got attacked one turn and then pushed or something like that and got attacked the next turn and cleared, you'd have two anger tokens. How does that... Well, if you had it on your last click, you'd have, what, 14 attack, 6 damage? I mean, yes, you're probably not going to ever have that, but that's what you want. It seems... I don't know. I'd have to I'd have to read through it now is not the time to sit and ponder it a little bit, but it seems odd that you have to remove every time... Remove unanger token. Okay, okay. For each anger token being for each token being removed. So if you double, if you clear two tokens, you remove two anger tokens. I just don't know if he's going to get attacked that much. Um, well, you don't know. Like, there's a lot of cheap characters in this set, right? Like, 100 points is not a cheap character anymore. I fully, if I saw him and you got 200 other points uh, with, I know it's a charge to attack three damage, but he doesn't have super strength. He doesn't have anything. I just probably leave him alone. I just wouldn't worry about him, honestly. Well, he'll hurt, he'll he'll uh, if you leave him at his top clicks, he will hurt you. Uh, if you get him into his soft, fleshy middle, then he won't. Yeah, yeah. Hit him to that flurry nine two damage, and yeah. But he's got masters of evil, so he's going to be pushing every turn soon. Sure, sure, sure. That's true. I guess if you don't clear, you build up anger tokens. Yeah. Okay, I can see it working better. I forgot about the masters of evil, so I, I can see exactly. A much better use for him than I initially saw. Uh, who who's on your top list of rares? Um, I gotta get a Carnage just just because Symbiote and Carnage and you know he's just fun. I just like Carnage. I don't. I know I didn't read much Maximum Carnage, but I've really enjoyed the the later incarnations of Carnage since he came back from being ripped in half by Sentry. And he's always, I think the animated series just always leaves a soft spot in my heart for Venom and Carnage and, Mm -hmm. you know, the classic ones, Electro, Mysterio. Oh, yeah. Um, Like, they've actually, I'm shocked by how many of these rare dials are really solid. Like, first of all, I love the female beetle in the comic, and she's actually probably too good here, um, considering we haven't really gotten a proper Abner Jenkins beetle since Sinister, and that wasn't very good. Um, but yeah, she's incredible. Uh, the fact that she can use running shot and break away automatically is even better. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, there's, like there's nothing nothing bad about her. She's just solid. Well, and that little trait right there, once per uh, turn for all characters, was this trait: if a character uses a Sinister Syndicate team ability to replace their attack value with Beetles, uh, give hit characters an action token. So runner up with overdrive overdrive you know next turn borrows your attack value granted it's a 9 to a 10 but you can hit with a 10 mm-hmm. and all of a sudden in addition just for 75 points you're adding action tokens to all your attacks I mean it's pretty legit pair her up with I know I've said it but pretty much any good sinister syndicate team is going to have to have that kingpin now that he's out oh. uh, she can be anywhere within 8 and all of a sudden everybody's dealing out action tokens it's, absolutely it, 
it'll stack real quick. She's pretty fun. Um, do you like the new Speed Demon, or do you think he's just a pale, pale uh, shade of the uh, first one we got? Uh, on first glance, I, I think the latter. I think the Speed Demon we got was so much fun and so good. But this, um, this one's a lot cheaper, and he still is able. He has the new Speed Shadow mechanic that Quicksilver had. Sure. Um, I think he's fun. I like you said. I think he fits teams a little bit better than that one than the other one did. But uh, you know, I wouldn't. I wouldn't hesitate to play him in a sealed if I pulled him. Put it that way. Mm-hmm. I do like his. Uh, I got Super Speed Baby is the name of his power. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Electro, I was, I'm so, I'm so happy about Electro for a few reasons. First of all, his sculpt, he has the classic, um, he, they didn't give him the more modern look that he had in those last few appearances. He has his classic weird starfish look to him. He's got that cool, uh, uh, electricity and his dial is actually pretty incredible. I think for 70 points, it's an excellent little representation of Electro who, you know, at times, like all Spider-Man villains, he's coming to his own at various points, but he's never been a marquee villain. He's never been a Green Goblin or Doc Ock. Nope. And this little dial for 70 points, three bolts, good six range for Electro, running shot, full dial ESD. He's doing exactly what Electro does. He's targeting people and trying to light them up. Yep. And uh, the Lizard, I was disappointed just only because the last one seems so perfect with his tail whipping and everything that this one just feels like a pale comparison. Or, you know, just it isn't the same. He's still an amazing dial. Let me, like, it's just I love the other one so much that this one, even though he's fantastic and has no actual problems, uh, it's still not the same. This one, the other one seemed like a full-out attack lizard, a full offense beast. This one seems a little bit more defensive. With his yeah. regeneration, it just seems like this one's kind of made to tie up and annoy and get attacks in, and you maybe try and roll uh, five or six on those blades. But this one is much more of a, a, a long game lizard compared to the other one, I think. Uh, I think I misspoke before. My I, my absolute favorite rare actually is Frogman. Just because um, I've read the comics with him, he's hilarious, he's always kind of silly. I love that his powers are absolutely perfect for that character, Um, and all I want to do is bounce into someone and KO them. Yeah, it's kind of like a, what is it, speedball, Uh, but for a Spider-Man family. Pretty much, yeah, and I'm okay with that. Like, I, I want this. I, this is the rare I must have. This is the rare I want to use as much as possible. Like, I'm ridiculous for Frogman. I think he is a perfect candidate for a rare. You wouldn't want him to be an uncommon because then you just get inundated with this weird kind of niche style. But you don't want to be a super rare because then he's taking up a slot that could be used by somebody, something else really cool. So I think they did a great job by placing him as a rare. Well, that's a perfect segue, AJ. Let's talk about super rares. Oh, Adam, let's talk about super rares. Now, you talk about not what really wanting to go through every dial. We could sit here and go through every one of these super rares because I love almost every one of them. <laughs> well, who's your favorite? Let's 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 try and narrow it down. My one get, my one. We're we're gonna. I mean, my a couple of buddies are coming over uh, on opening day and opening up cases and bricks, and I have already made the statement. I have to have a spider gwen. I absolutely love a Spider Gwen dial, and no matter what I pull, I am trading whatever it is for a Spider Gwen. Okay, she's pretty awesome. It's interesting. Like I thought, I would want her more than I do. I, I guess for me, as much as I love Spider Gwen, she's just not Gwen. Maybe you can make that, but I love this dial. I love the character, and I love this dial. And the dial is incredible. The fact that she can use super senses uh, on Precision Strike is awesome. Yep, she gets her Spider-Verse trade, she gets her Spider-Webs trade, she gets a chance 
to just full regen, which I think is a great ode to the the, the power name itself, Dead Never Universe. But this one, just excellent, excellent, excellent. Absolutely, um, yeah. She does get her ignores elevated and hindering, so my Spider Gwen doesn't get stuck in the bushes. Woohoo! Uh, yeah, which is great. Um, I get a couple super strengths and charges up top. I can move to a running shot end caps with ESD so you can I, I will agree I always kind of like it a little bit better when you get your running shot you get your range on the top and then push into the middle of the dial for your close combat yeah but you know that's okay um and then uh that late dial flurry just looks painful um damage is a little low I get that but it is 95 points so you know under 100 points you're 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 doing pretty good Let's let's ask the uh, the opposite question then. Which of these you know super rares do you think is quote unquote the runt or the one that you want the least? On initial inspection, I gotta say it's Aries. I really? Don't like, I don't like high point beat sticks. Now, if I'm playing in a sealed, I'm excited to get Aries. But my own counterpoint to that is everything in this game or everything in this set seems like it just leans really heavy on dealing tokens and pushing and end capping. And if I've got a 200-point beat stick and you've got three smaller characters that can run an end cap on me every turn, if you hit my 19s, I'm going to be in trouble. I'm going to get locked down. Now, the flip side of that is I think he can deal uh, just truckload of damage. I think he's a very good Ares, but I'm just not I'm just not overwhelmed by him. Okay. I think for me, my bottom would be Chameleon. Okay. He just... Eh, I, I don't know. He doesn't really make me that excited. I, he's got some cool stuff he can do. It's just, I don't know, nothing about him screams, I, you know, you need to have me. In fact, one of the ones I would put high on the list only because they'll never make him again is Spider-Man 2211. Yes. Because, yes, he's got awful ugly and no one actually really wants him. <laughs> but you're never going to see him again. And that makes him kind of special because in this game, we got a lot of remakes, uh, a lot of things done over and over again. Whereas you know you're never going to see this guy again. You're never going to see this version of Devil Dinosaur again either. Absolutely true. Yeah, Spider-Man 2211, uh, or what, 22, yeah, 2211? I don't know what, how, how he calls it, but he seems very much in the same vein as like an Iron Doom or something like that, where he's just, you're exactly right. This is probably the one we're going to get short of some event happening where he comes back and gets his own book or something random. But, uh, but I mean, yeah. Which, which, to be fair, could happen. We're going to get a Prowler ongoing... Yeah. So uh, we could get a Spider-Man 2211 someday. Yeah. I don't. I am curious to read that Dead No More storyline and see what in the world they're going to do with the Prowler. But that's that's a very, very different tangent. Um, but the Spider-Man uh, 2211, the, uh, that damage power might be ballistic in the right, in the right game. He um, can use probability control himself. He can use it to re-roll the attacks of characters. That can use probability control regardless of range and line of fire. Insane. Absolutely nuts. I don't so, even remember him being in Spider Verse. So how does he does th- how does he do this? I have no clue. But look at that, that dial. A hundred points. Super strength up top. Hundred points. You're using your ultra heavies. So now he can he can super strength for six damage using his prob control. He's still got call and help from the Spider Verse. He's still got the spider web power. Mid dial, he goes flurry precision strike four damage. And then late dial, he phases, still has super senses, and still props on click five with four damage still for a hundred points. When was he ever this good? Never. Did he simply defeat Morland? Did I miss that issue? See, I, I think we all missed something. Like, I don't know what this is. Now, I will say, is it. 
if you close your eyes, or don't close your eyes, don't look at the sculpt, just look at the dial, look at okay. what it can do, does it almost feel like they they should have just named this Karn? From, yeah, yeah. Because Karn kind of ends up doing this with being the guardian of the timeline afterwards. Like, he right. ends up being the new spinner or whatever. Like, it just almost feels like that's who this was supposed to be. And I could see him having this dial. So I don't, I don't know what this is. I guess their counterpoint to giving it so much stuff he can do is that he doesn't have Indomitable, which in this day and age is kind of a must at times when you're 100 points, which is a weird thing to say, but it's kind of happening. To double, double question here. Do you think it's interesting that we only got Moreland and we didn't get any of the other inheritors? Follow-up, do you think it's interesting that they gave Moreland all generic keywords and didn't actually give them inheritors? Which leads me to believe they have no plans of ever making the inheritors because uh, I'm okay with I'm a, yeah I'm perfectly okay with that because the inheritors were kind of a boring villain slash concept and I don't think the Spider Verse storyline really ended up succeeding as well because the villains weren't that interesting I mean Morlun yeah. originally worked because he was this fearsome you know you could not stop him he was kind of like the juggernaut like there was no stopping this guy he was just going to keep coming and then every time they brought him back he felt like he was less. Sure. Was, like his first storyline was always going to be the best one and that's kind of the same thing with Doomsday Doomsday's best showing will always be the death of Superman because he killed Superman yeah. and it doesn't matter what he does afterwards it's never going to recapture that I will um, say Moreland's initial appearance merited a super sweet sculpt <laughs> yes. just beating Spider-Man half to death yeah I don't like sculpts like that just because when you're walking around on the board it's a little awkward <laughs> Uh, I mean, you are carrying the corpse of Spider-Man with you, I guess. I guess well, it is pretty scary. It's it's neat. I I can hear what you're saying as far as gameplay goes, but I can't say, oh man, everybody's a bust out, you know, waiting for the bus figure, and then this one does something different, and then complain that this one has extra. I mean, I guess in an ideal world, everything's Namor and Iceman, huh? But <laughs> still, I I like that they went out and made kind of a little scene for this one. Let me ask a question. Do you think... Do you not like Devil Dinosaur? Because I've heard some people don't like it because he basically has these weird first three clicks before he actually becomes Devil Dinosaur. Are you okay with that, or are you, does that have a problem for you? I don't have a problem with that. I think that opening click at TK really, really helps him because if you wanted to get one of his little minion pogs in, in the mix, you can sidestep, pop the pog, TK him out. Um... Well, next turn, TK Max's power actually popped the pogs out. But I don't mind that they did it. I, I get it. I see why they did it. All those stop clicks, I think, you know, doesn't doesn't hurt. It kind of helps the longevity of those early clicks. If they'd done something different, like he has, I don't know, ESD and close combat reflexes or whatever, I don't think I would have liked it nearly as much. But the fact that he can kind of sit back and manipulate, pop his pogs out, do things like that, makes him okay to me. Um, this was always going to be a very special, you know, specially made dial. I don't think he was ever just going to be a, a Beast Boy T-Rex style dial. So I'm glad they did something a little different with a character that is so different. Oh, this is true. I'm actually, I, I'm hoping against hope only because I love the comic so much that at some point in the future we'll get uh, Devil Dinosaur and uh, Moon Girl because uh, I love that comic. And if I can ever have Lunella... Fouette, or I forget exactly how to pronounce her name. If I can ever have Lunella in comics, I'll be a very happy man because she's the most adorable character I've ever read. She's basically Calvin and Hobbes in the Marvel Universe. Uh, with Devil Dinosaur as Hobbes? <laughs> like, it's, it's weird, but it works. 
My um, imaginary giant red dinosaur. Of his pogs, which one's your favorite? Which well, one would you pop out? It's Rockabilly Modoc. I mean, come on. It's got to be Rockabilly Modoc. I do appreciate them getting one of the uh, nomination figures in some form. Granted, we didn't get a Rockabilly Modoc outright, but at least he's technically in the game. Absolutely. Um, I'm glad we got a, a pro- like a, not a proper, but we got another superior Spider-Man, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a little, little different point cost. Well, right in the same vein, but at least he does a little different mechanic. Yeah, and they played him differently, which is nice. Although it's weird that you know when he had the arms is also the time when he had the octo the spider bots, but the spider bots are on the other costume. But at least this one's better because we don't have to deal with the ghost following them around all the time. <laughs> Because that's the only thing I hated about the other one, and I wouldn't break it because it's an SR and you can't do that. But it just bugged me that I'm like, why am I carting around Peter's, you know, weird disembodied ghost? Well, I guess because Doc Ock was. But I, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Um, yes. Zero forty nine Spider Man, the best Spider Man ever. Yeah, he's pretty much it, isn't he? Like, he's pretty awesome in every way. And they, yeah. they finally kind of got a spider sense that works right, and it avoids precision strike just like Spider-Gwen, which, thank God, otherwise they would have had a riot mm-hmm. uh, if Spider-Gwen had a better power than him. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, he's awesome. And the, the hypersonic, just for close, that's fine. That works. Yep. Um, the fact that at the end he has... The end really reminded me of him having... Um, the old school, I think Infinity Challenge Spider-Man where he had like Flurry and and Outwit right at the very end and this is kind of the same thing where he has Precision Strike and he can also be given a free action to make another close attack. Like He's awesome. I don't think there's any bad click on him, on him at all. Well, here's the thing. You don't have to also give him a free action. You can just sidestep up. He's got Super Senses. Um, super Senses willpower. So on those last two clicks... You don't have to give them action tokens. You can just outwit punch. Outwit punch. That's and true. Yeah, and, I, and you're always trying to get away, too, because if it's a range attack, then you also get plus one to your super senses roll. Right. Which is right. awesome. Yeah, he's he's pretty amazing for only 100 points. It's interesting, the, the, though, that he does not have Indomitable, so he does have a little bit of a fleshy inside where he loses willpower. And I don't, I don't hate that, though, because often I find, you know, Peter does get hit, he does get beat down, he does get kind of ground into the ground for a minute, and then he starts out really strong, middle he gets hit a little bit, and then he gets that last, you know, flurry of strength, um, almost, I guess, like professional wrestler style. You know, he gets beat down in the middle of the match, and he just starts looking out, and he comes back, and he just unloads in one last-ditch one last ditch effort, as the last power is called. Um, so I think that's... I, very, very, very accurate to how the character usually is in the comics. Uh, which of the chases is... Uh, do you want any of them? And if so, which one? Um, I like... Let's see, which one do I like? I, I find myself not really necessarily caring that much about them. I feel like Spider-Man Noir is probably the only one I'd actually want to have. And that's ironic, because Spider-Man Noir is probably one of the ones I don't necessarily want to have. Um, I like the character, I just don't know that I'm in love with the dial that much for 75 points. I don't feel like he does a ton compared to the others for 75 or 100. True, um, but for me, he's the only character I actually like, and that's kind of why he's the one I'd want. Whereas, absolutely can make the difference, yeah. You know, if you have, like, the Spider-Man, yeah, he's actually pretty cool, but I don't really care about that character. The cyborg Spider-Man, nope. Spider Knight? Like, Old Man Spider, maybe, but... That's the one I like, Old Man Spider, because just like Banisher, just like um, Gates, he's got that 12 phasing, can carry up to four friendly characters if all have a Spider-Man family. So, he's got phasing, sidestep, stealth, and carry. 
Like, what a beast opening combo. So you can sidestep with your four characters, then you can phasing carry four characters. You're going 12 squares with four characters. I mean, talk about getting right up on them. It is pretty crazy. Now, I also think that Spider-Punk is far too good. I've heard that. Yeah, for 75 points. Plus his dial's really, or his uh, sculpt is pretty fun. <laughs> well, yeah, his sculpt's actually pretty sweet. But yeah, like the fact that he has got charge, flurry, precision strike is nuts. Um, and then at the back end of his dial, then he gets pulse wave. It's just like, pulse come wave. on. <laughs> like, he doesn't deserve any of this. Like, I can only assume the pulse wave is going to be flavor texted something about, like... Oh, it's his music, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be the, the music blasting. Um, but at least they give him pulse wave with two damage. Now, granted, in, in today's game, there's plenty of ways to crank up damage. But, uh, yeah, he's, he's really good for 75 points. I just don't have anything against him. What do you think of the uh, the two special objects for this set? Uh, they take them or leave them. Uh, I think the symbiote's neater than the web shooter, but I think they're both flavorfully fun. I think they'd be fun for home games. I don't know that I'd ever reach for one necessarily. I, maybe more so the symbiote than the web shooter, only because the symbiote gives you powers and you don't technically ever have to roll to lose it if you don't want to mm-hmm. and the odds of hitting that plus one is you know twice as good as hitting the one and losing it um, but much like uh, uh, what's his name the guy for Proteus much like Proteus you kind of run the gambit of do I do I get my bonuses but I run the risk reward of losing it nice. um, or killing me in Proteus's case yeah um, quickly on the fast forces. Now you've already explained many times your love of the new kingpin. That's that's it. This this fast forces is called the kingpin set. That's <laughs> that's the only piece. I might buy a kingpin separate for however much he costs, but I don't really have with no more maps and no little special object. I don't know why they didn't put the web shooter as an object in this or something. Yeah, like how do you get the web shooter? I, I think they're pre-release or opening day OP stuff. I know the symbiote is, and I think the web shooter's also in the OP kit. Okay, interesting. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, no, um, Kingpin's amazing. Uh, he is, uh, like, for 50 points, the fact that he, he utterly changes the game for the Sinister Syndicate in a way that the, it's, since the evolu- the original introduction of the of the team building, there's been no character that's that's changed the entire game for the Sinister Syndicate like this character. I don't know that has there been another character that you can think of off the top of your mind since special powers got introduced that allows you to use ATAs in such a wide range. Not that I can think of. I can't either. Like that's huge. Eight squares and it's just within squares, right? It doesn't even have to be line of fire. Correct. And also for uh, him, uh, his own power. So Kingpin and friendly characters, we'll just read them off right quick. Friendly characters within eight squares are considered adjacent to each other for the purposes of the Cinder Sinister team ability. So not only is it adjacent to him, it's adjacent to each other. It's nuts. Like, you, you, this is an absolute must for Sinister Syndicate. Like, I can't oversell it. He's incredible. Absolutely. And then he gets his own if you want to get him up in the fray, which 11 attack, why not? Yeah. Uh, he can use leadership and outwit, so he's going to be outwitting people. When he uses leadership, he can remove an action token from character with the keyword, regardless of point value. So you got a 50-point piece pulling tokens off anybody else on your team, allowing people, although, frankly, if I'm playing him, I do not get him up in the fray. He just stays in back within eight squares and lets the whole team run amok with 11, 12 attacks. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like He's, he's, he's just going to sit in hindering within eight squares and just be like, hey, hey, you got this, you go. To me, and I know we got a, a really fun zombie kingpin and we got a really strong Deadpool 
you know, kind of hand-to-hand fighting Daredevil-style kingpin fighting Spider-Man. But this is the manipulator. This is the guy up in the tower. This is the the true boss kingpin, moving the pieces and pumping up all his minions. Crazy. Now, I... I question having a J. Jonah Jameson in the set because I'm like, who? Like, it feels like a waste of a slot. However, he's got an insane power. He does. Yeah. Um, I I don't totally hate this, only because they titled it Spider Man and His Greatest Foes. I know. And he's pretty much had a great foe in J. Jonah over the years. So I get it. I get it. Um, I could have also been very happy with a different Scorpion dial or a you know a different Electro in here, maybe a different Vulture. But, okay, I guess Jay Jonah to round it out, sure. And we got another Green Goblin who's actually fine if he could fly. If he could fly, he would be pretty good. Actually, he's kind of everything you need from a goblin except for the flight. Like, that's what's frustrating is that they've got it right. They just forgot to put a symbol. Take out click number five and give him flight and maybe, like, a damage power on the click six. Like, a, like another enhancement or something. And just, there, great, fine, perfect. Just crazy to me, and I, I actually I think this is probably the first Fast Forces I'm going to get in a long time because the more I look at it, the more I'm like, you know what, the characters are actually very good. Like, there's nothing wrong with the Venom that they give us. Uh, he's a very solid, very tidy Venom. Sure. Uh, again, as we've said, Kingpin's amazing, Green Goblin's good, the Doc Ock is actually pretty good as well. Uh, J. Jonah Jameson's kind of the weird, odd one out, and Spider-Man actually works as well. He's not the crazy SR Spider-Man, but the web slingshots are really cool, you know, way to use the power, and he's got a lot going for him. All these feel like they are slightly watered-down versions of the main set to me, with the exception of Kingpin. Um, he's watered little, down, but better. Yeah, he's watered up uh spider-man's <laughs> a little bit worse than the, a little bit softer not worse but different for the points 25 points less same with uh doc ock just a little bit less than the uh op kit and the super rare and green goblin's green goblin where we've covered that and then venom's cheaper but a little bit more compact you know shorter dial so i feel like these are good alternative options if you build the team and you've only got 75 points left you don't have 120 on your 500 point team you've only got you know 60 70 points you have good secondary filler options they wouldn't be the first ones i ever reach for i wouldn't build a team out of this fast forces but they do provide solid secondary options absolutely or as as you called it the the kingpin set the kingpin fast forces yeah 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 spider-man and king or kingpin and his buddies is what they should have called <laughs> uh any final thoughts before we uh, sign off in your segment today I pumped open my brick, or as when this releases, damn it, I ended up getting Captain Stacy. <laughs> well, don't don't jinx that. yourself like that. Come on. <laughs> Just remember, throw it out the window. I'll be there. Well, okay. Fair, fair, fair. When I come back on the show in another 58 episodes, don't worry, fans. I'll let you know what happened. <laughs> you know, there, there will be one person being like, man, I, I, I need to know. Exactly. Well, AJ, thank you so much for joining us as part of the 400th episode. Congrats on 400, buddy. Thank you, and hopefully you'll be back before it's episode 500. Looking forward to it. Kane is in the building.
Welcome to another segment of episode 400 of Comic Shenanigans. This is uh, this is this is actually exciting because I have Leon Orlana back on the show. Hey he guys, has, it's not he's not been here for a while, uh, and also doing something we haven't done on the podcast in forever is uh, you have a, a new case of the Superior Spider-Man Hero Clicks for doing this on release day. Yeah, it's this, release day. This episode doesn't come out till about a week and a half later, and uh, but the excitement is still in the air. So it's palpable. So uh, actually, a friend of the show who's actually on another segment of this episode, AJ, uh, he had said that he was so excited for today, and he sent me um, a gif yesterday, or not, just a picture of the... um the original promo for One More Day. Oh, yeah. Because it just says One More Day, right? Oh, it's yeah. It's Spider-Man trying to grab Mary Jane. And he's just like, One More Day. Because <laughs> he was so excited for this. Did he tell you his uh, polls? He, he did. Ooh. Actually, I, I will tell you what they were before we open. I know you're excited. But because this episode, this part of this, this the, of the episode should be going up after, like, if I work the chronology right, right. we've just listened to AJ talk about this. Amazing. Set. So what did AJ get? For those who are so curious. Um, so his only bummer was that he got anti-venom. Okay. And he's a little sad about As that. As a prime? Yeah. As a prime. Because he really wanted Hydro Man, and his buddy was like, yeah, you could have mine if I get one. I think everybody wants Hydro Man. And he ended up with Sandman's card, so <laughs> getting rid of work. Um, but he got Craven, Spider-Man, Superior Spider-Man, and Chameleon from his, for his SRs. Only and, four? Well, I think he only got a brick, actually. Four and a brick? He said my brick only had, so... Lucky guy. Yeah, four and a brick, and he had the prime, and he had almost a full CUR. That's an incredible brick. Yeah, that's that's the one you want, right? That's my that's my dream that's, brick. Uh, and then he with his rares, he ended up with shocker. Sorry, black and white. He had black and white shocker, block mamba, uh, mamba mamba, uh, <laughs> jackal, Nightwatch, and frogman. Okay, <laughs> the frogman. That makes me sad though because I love frogman. I don't want to see him in black and white. How do you feel about those black and white? And his buddy pulled spider punk. Nice, which is cool. Mm-hmm. How do I feel about black and white? Yeah, I, I don't. I think it'll make the collectors go crazy, but yeah. I haven't been a collector ever, so I don't yeah. really care. I just want the colored versions. I don't really... I, here's the thing. I think it made sense for Ninja Turtles, because they were black and white characters. That's true. But these are characters that are meant to be in color. Yeah. So, unless, unless it's the spot, and those are basically his colors anyway. So, <laughs> anyways, the audio in this episode is going to be a little choppy. Uh, we're recording it a little bit mobily, and we're just kind of going to be ripping through uh, your case all at once. We're, yeah. not, we're not doing, like... Taking everything out, we're just kind of quickly seeing what you got. So we're going to look SRs. for the uh, the SRs, the primes, and the chases, and the black and whites. Okay, black and whites. I'm just black. curious. All right. I mean, we don't really care, but we care a little. A little bit. Yeah. Ready? A lot. Okay, Adam and I are both opening each a brick. Well, you. So you go first because you're faster. Like, you'll be done with all all 12, ten of them, and I'll be getting my first one done. Uh, first pack. Nothing. Nothing of note. So in this ep- So this time they have like styrofoam. Yeah. What's up with that foam? I don't know. I, I see. For me, so. Before today, when I was picking up your case, I decided to get two random packs for myself. Yeah. And when I pulled it open, and I saw my first one was black and white SR Spider-Man, Ooh. and I saw that weird... Uh, the foam. The foam, and I'm like, well, maybe that's because it was a special one, right? <laughs> and then my next one, I also got an SR, and it was more one. And I'm like, all right, well, maybe this is just the way it is, but I guess <laughs> it's not, because your first pack was yielded yeah. nothing. Nothing good. All right. So the first pack that I've opened up for you is uh, black and white Jackal. Okay. Which is all right. Yeah. And uh, I think a, a rare cloak. And you got a shocker, green goblin, and cape killer. Okay, you want me to say what I pulled? Or yeah. No? Okay. Uh, second pack, black and white death adder. Uh, I got a rare beetle, and then the other guys are rattler, cape killer, and common spider. Black and white. Which one? Death adder. No one cares. <laughs> Nobody cares. Like... 
So I'm wondering, I'm interested how many people are getting in, like, like how how frequent are they? Because there's one for every character, right. I guess they have to be pretty prevalent. Yeah. So there's basically going to be, like, shadow sets now, where people are going to want mm-hmm. just black and white sets. But for me, I hope I don't pull any uh, SRs or chases of black and white, because no. I don't really want them. No, that's true. Uh, so this is the second... What the hell? Devil Dinosaur? Hey, look how huge he is! He's, he's so huge. He's the biggest thing I've ever seen. He's very big. <laughs> I can't even see what else you got in the pack. Cause kinda, <laughs> he, uh, you got a regular jackal, I think? No, that's one of the... I can't even tell what you have because... I don't know, he's, too, he's like half the pack. He obscures everything. Yeah. So that's an SR, that's sure, exciting. I'm happy, that's one of my, my wants, not my top one. Well, so who's your top one? It's Spider-Man, right? Spider-Man and then Superior Spider-Man. Okay, that's... As a number two. That's pretty... I mean, that makes sense. So this pack is... Rare Moon Knight, and then Mr. Hyde, Overdrive, NYPD Officer, and Black and White, uh, May Parker. Why? May Day. It's cool. I know. You know what? I, I, can, I, can I be honest with you for a second? When you said May Parker, I forgot that she was in the set of Spider-Man. Oh. I thought you meant the old lady. Oh, you May. thought Aunt May. And I'm like, she, she's not in the set. And I'm like, she's not in the set. <laughs> but for a minute, I wanted to believe that you had a black and white Aunt May, Aunt May for no reason. <laughs> uh, third pack I'm opening for you here. Let's see. We've got a Betty Brandt, a Vermin, a Silk. Uh, who is this? Black and white... Someone throwing something. Oh, that's a uh, boomerang. Oh, boomerang. That's yeah. kind of cool. And a regular jackal. That's all right. A lot of black and white. I haven't pulled an SR in mine yet. No, so you uh, you better have it coming. Okay, I got... In this one, I have Electro, Norman Osborn, Anaconda, Black and White Dagger, and J. Jonah Jameson. No, I actually kind of like the black and white dagger and black and white cloak. Eventually. Oh, because their costumes are white? Yeah, that kind of works for yeah, me. Yeah, that's good. Uh, that one I'll buy. So you really you haven't had any SRs yet? Not yet. So you, you must have all the good stuff just waiting. It's, it's towards the back end of the break. Is it killing you a little? <laughs> a little bit. Because, like, the stuff you're most excited for, and so far you only have Devil Dinosaur? <laughs> hey, he's good, though. I know, but, like, how many packs have you opened? So this is... You're on your fifth, right? You know, you will, yeah. And I'm on the fourth. Yeah. Because right. I'm slow. <laughs> so the fourth, you got Vulture, you got Hobgoblin. I didn't know he was a unique. I guess that makes sense. Uh, you got a Thug, you got Nightwatch, and in the last spot, uh, oh, it's a black and white Thug. <laughs> and you got Green Goblin. How do you feel about the uh, gliderless goblins? I hate it. You hate it? <laughs> well, I mean, I won't pontificate too much about it because uh, I did actually, uh, when I was doing a segment for the show with AJ, we were like, oh, we're going to talk five minutes, or 15 minutes. Right. It was like 45 minutes, almost nice. an hour, to, and we went through almost the entire set, and AJ's like, I thought we weren't going to do that. I'm like, I couldn't help myself. He's like, you kept asking me questions. And I'm like, yeah. So okay, what you got? so I got my prime in this pack. Okay. It's Ooh. the common prime. Which one? Oh, oh <laughs> Captain Stacy. Captain Stacy. Aw. He's nice to have, but it's just value-wise, the common prime's not no. so great. He got a black and white rattler over here. All right. He got a, another hobgoblin. Um, I don't even know who this is. Another death adder or puff adder or whatever he's called. Yeah. Uh, so, so far what? Just one SR and one, one prime? I have one prime and you've pulled one SR. Ooh. So the goodies haven't shown up yet. No, you better <laughs> hope they're coming. I hope so. What what chases do you want? I think my top chase is... uh Maybe Spider-Man Noir. Yeah, Noir. That's the only one I really care about. Just because of the video game. Well, because he's the only one who has more of a personality and has shown up more. It's true. Spider-Punk's actually pretty cool, though. Yeah? I mean, I don't like him, but... <laughs> I mean, he's he's obviously a good, like, piece. Yeah. What you got over there? You got anything well, it's your turn. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh. I thought I'd already... Uh... All right. Oh. <laughs> uh, Kingpin, Dazzler, Vermin, 
Uh, Nightwatch, and ooh, ooh, Baron Zemo. Oh, is That's, it helmet or Heimerich in this? I, I believe it. Oh, it's helmet. It's helmet. It's got it's favorite. favorite. Well, yeah. That's everyone's favorite Zemo. Come yeah. on. No one's like, I like the guy who had the um, the purple sock in his face that was stuck there and it was really loose. You know, like, at least they made him cooler later. So, uh, my pack's pretty uneventful. Uh, Rare, Black Cat, Miles Morales, Rattler, Betty Brandt, and J. Jonah Jameson. Wow. So, where's all your good stuff? I don't know. I got the Prime. How many packs do you have left? I got the crappy Prime. Uh, four left. This has to have the... Three of them have to be an SR. Right? Oh, so I somehow got ahead of you. No. Like, there's four here. Yeah. And I'm already open. Oh, you got ahead of me. How? I don't know. I leapfrogged you. All right, you ready? Yeah. You ready for this? This I'm is ready. gonna be good stuff. We have an NYPD officer. We've got a score. Uh, sorry, a rattler. Looks like scorpion. I uh, got a stilt man. Hey, there he is. That's exciting. And uh, you got a Mary Jane or a Betty Brant. Can't see. I'm pretty sure it's Mary Jane. And uh, you got your SR Spider Man. Oh, nice! Headstand Spider-Man. Yeah, and That's you got good. the non-black and white version. Oh, so you have the proper version compared to my mine that looks like the colors took a day off. Oh, here we go. Here we go. It's wrapping up. Okay. Superior Spider-Man. Hey, there you go. My top two ones. You got your top two ones, and in proper format, right? Yep. I got uh, Venom, Tarantula, Spider Girl, and Betty Brandt. Okay, so you're a happier camper now. Yeah, hey, I got my two top ones. That's pretty amazing because you don't usually end up with both your top ones. No, not anymore. There was a time, but you also used to get two cases. Yeah, that's true. Well, that's the buying in bulk. That's yeah, enough when you buy more, that's what's going to happen, right? So that's exciting. Yeah. All right, so what do you so think? So you're done, right? You have the three SRs. Uh, Zemo. Spider-Man, Zemo, and Devil Dinosaur. So just the Prime or a Chase? Or... So we got Black Mamba. Yeah. Spider-Girl. Yeah. Toxin, Tiger Shark. And who is this? Who is that? Is that, <laughs> is that what I think it is? I don't know. I think you got Ares, man. Four SRs. No, no, that's something else. What is this? Cyborg Superman, sorry, Cyborg Spider-Man. Oh, that's the chase. Sorry about that. Sorry Uh, about that. You know, from the back, he looked like he could have been an Ares. Yeah, I guess. I mean, a little small. Cyborg Spider-Man. Yeah, I don't really care about the chases in this one. I'm not really jonesing for... No, not like Slingers or something like that. Oh, yeah, you went nuts for those. I needed every single one of them. Uh, My pack is Lizard, Cottonmouth, Black and White Silk, Tarantula, and Cape Killer. So nothing. Nothing. I really? pulled, have I pulled one SR? One SR, one Prime, right? Yeah. yeah. How many packs do you have left? Two. Okay, so they, you should have an SR in both, right? I hope so. And I should be done. You should be You should be tapped out. I should, should be, be. I should have nothing but garbage left. Oh, no! What did you get? My uh, second SR is Black and White Spider-Man 2021. <laughs> oh, you know what? I still think that he doesn't get enough credit. He's stupid looking. Man. Of course he's stupid looking, <laughs> but that's not the point. Black and White Tarantula. All right. Uh, J. Jonah Jameson. Have you seen any, uh, oh, Scarlet Spider? Have you okay. seen any, um, Speed Demons? Uh, I, I, I think I have one over here. Uh, you got, reg- uh, the Uncommon Miles Morales Spider-Man. Okay. And you got, uh, Mephisto. Ooh. A nice rare there. <laughs> and you have, what, one more pack? One pack. Should be an SR. You we'll better see. hope it is. We'll see. Something good. Yeah, it's a good one. Which one? Doc Ock. Hey! Doc Ock, Ben Riley, Dagger, Kingpin, and Black Mamba. That's good. So this last one will be the junk one. It's junk. <laughs> you don't know. If you could get lucky. It's going to be junk. Let's see. We got a Dagger, Vermin. Uh, let's see. Anaconda. Uh, who's that? Overdrive. Good. I making sure I get one. And Mysterio. Okay. All right. That's not a bad. 
not what you were hoping for. Well, you already got. Well, there stuff. wasn't there wasn't anything left. So so what did you end up not getting? Uh, I don't know. You don't. Know I think I got a good. I got the good SR. I'm happy with my SRs. I'm I'm uh, unhappy with my prime. Yeah. Because of the rarity. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's still good prime. He's cool. He's just I know. You're never happy with the common prime. Well, you? no, you always you're always shooting for rarer or higher, right? Yeah. Because especially if you eventually would like them all. Yeah. So let's let's look at the SRs and see the ones that you okay. missed out on, sure. and then you can gauge how sad you are about that. All right. And how easy you think it might be to get them too. Uh, so if we look at SRs, so we got Spider-Man, you got... Happy, yeah. Power Man and Iron Fist. Oh, I forgot about him. Yeah. Okay, that's one. Baron Zemo. Got him. Spider-Gwen. Oh, Spider-Gwen! Yeah, she's gonna be a tough one, I think. Yeah. She's gonna be popular. That sucks. Uh, Craven. Missed okay. out on that one. Yeah, that'd be nice to have him. Uh, Devil Dinosaur. Got you him. got it. Uh, Dr. Octopus. You got it. Happy. Okay. Uh, Chameleon. I think you're okay with not getting yeah, him. Yeah, I don't really care. I never care about Chameleon. No. Ares. He'd be good to have for Dark Avengers, but that's it. Morlun. Oh, Morlun. He's 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 I over here in my hands. I want him. Uh, Spider-Man 2020, 2211. Yeah. And him. Superior. Yeah, I'm happy. I think if I could change it. It's anything, interesting because you got like three Spider-Man characters. Yeah. You know, like you didn't get, like there's a bunch of villains here and you didn't really get the unique characters. Yeah, I didn't get were completely different, mm-hmm. right? You just got three variations on, on a theme, even though they're not all Peter. Well, but I think my top three were Spider Man, Mm -hmm. like Heads Ten Spider Man. Yep. Superior was number two, and then Devil Dinosaur was number three. And you got all three, so I'm happy. And you got them all in their regular colors, not black and white. That's right. That's pretty good. That's pretty. Actually, did you get any of your SRs in black and white? Yeah, twenty two (laughs) eleven. Oh yeah. Hey, you should be happy. At least he doesn't have the stupid color scheme. Yeah, he's a lame guy. He just has the bad sculpt you don't like. (laughs) But at least he doesn't have the the horrible colors. That's not so bad. No. He's. Yeah, he's the only dud for me. Now, how, how in the set do you get the web shooter? I was talking uh, about this with AJ, and I was sure. You have to buy the Fast Forces. It's bundled yeah. in the Fast Forces. Is it in the Fast Forces? Yeah. See, I didn't buy it today, which AJ will punch me for, because we, we went on and on about how much we love the Kingdom. Oh, you wanted it. Yeah, and then I... I, I you know me. I waffle. <laughs> uh, at some point, I'll maybe... Because well, you don't out. care about the other five, so really you're going to pay... Well, J. Jonah Jameson's really the only one I don't care about. The oh, others really? are, are still good. Oh, like, okay. I mean, when you eventually listen to that segment, you'll right. know that I... We love that kingpin. Like well, that kingpin is the piece for the Sinister. Oh yeah, for sure. You like, can share eleven attack. With, like that's incredible. Like there's no character like that. Mm-hmm. He breaks the Sinister Syndicate. Mm-hmm. Our, our our friend Mike is never going to stop using that because <laughs> that's like his favorite thing in the world. The Sinister Syndicate. Yep. If you give him that fifty point kingpin, that's it. that's it. It's awesome. That's all he's ever going to do. That reminds me of uh, back in the day, like old school hero clicks, where you had to use uh, Veteran Bullseye because he had the eleven. That's right. Yeah, that yeah. was a big deal. Was it only an eleven? Yeah, but he was the only one in, of the Sinister. Yeah, because they were all shitty. They were kind of shitty. And then in the Sinister <laughs> especially, like, everyone there had nines. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you bring him out of retirement just to put him <laughs> next to him. It was so sad. Uh, any thoughts now that you've seen the sculpts in person? A lot of them quickly. But quickly. They look good. I like it. I'm still sad about a lot of the poses are very generic. Yeah. Uh, the goblins not having gliders. Yeah, that's kind of weird. You know, they, sh- they should have done um, a glider object instead of a web yeah, shooter object. I've been fine with that. I... Mm-hmm. I Bugged me too that it's fine if you don't want to go to the extra trouble of giving me a sculpt for a glider. Give them the freaking flight symbol though. Something. Like it's just that's yeah. their thing. Like that's mm-hmm. the goblin. Like mm-hmm. like that's like saying the vulture doesn't fly. You never see goblins without the No, gliders, they get knocked off the glider, yeah, but that's it. Found at the end. Well that's exactly it. and that's what they've done in the past, right? There's can you think of any goblin who hasn't flown? 
No. No, because that's what they do, right? No. Yeah. Even Menace flew. Even the crappy goblins, like Menace and all that stuff. Yeah, like even the shittiest <laughs> goblins. They all do. I mean, I, I maybe I could have said, okay, I guess this is the shittiest, you know, Philip Mackendale version of Hobgoblin. Right. Movie, but still Norman. Sure. I don't get it. Yeah. So yeah, no, I'm, I, it, it's it's an interesting. I thank you for letting me participate in the. Oh opening. yeah, it's fun. I haven't opened clips in so long. <laughs> even opening it today, I was like, oh my god, this is happening. It's awesome. And then I opened my when I before, so I bought two packs because I was going to go to a sealed, and then I'm not able to make it. So I'm like, well, I still wanted the thrill. You want right? to participate? But I know that usually two minutes later, I go, oh, <laughs> and the last two times I pick up like just one pack sure. and I get nothing, right? So like. And then I'm always just trying to get a rare that you don't mm. give me because I don't always get right. the rares from you. Mm-hmm. So this time I was so nervous about feeling like afterwards like, yeah. oh, that was a waste. And then I open up that Spider-Man. And, and like, you're elated. Right. Okay, good. And then I got more London. And I'm like, all right, well, I didn't expect that, yeah. so I'll take it. So that, that was very exciting, like two SRs. You're the luckiest man when it comes to sealed. I, sometimes. So, well, in sealed tournaments, usually, but not usually just kind of picking stuff yeah. up on the street. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah. All right. So I guess I guess are we is that it for our segment? Yeah. What would you uh, see? What would you give this case out of ten? In your opinion? Uh, I give it like an eight or nine. Yeah, it's fairly good, right? It's a very good. I mean, you got the shittiest prime. That yeah. sucks. Um, the but chase, the SRs were all great. Uh, which chase was it again? Cyborg. He's Cyborg. actually got a good dial. He's a good dial. He's not a character we care about. But no. From a dial perspective, he's fine. No. Um, you didn't necessarily. You got. I would say. I mean, we don't know yet. Right. I'm sure by by the time this goes out, people will know which the which pieces are the kind of the money pieces yeah. for the SRs. But I feel like Spider Man and Superior were going to be the top two. Right. I could be completely wrong, and maybe Spider Gwen's snaked her way in there. Yeah, I forgot about her. I keep forgetting about her. <laughs> I know, right? But I feel like you you got two of the biggest. Yeah. Because uh, I feel like everyone loves this Spider Man. He's the Spider Man. Everyone's finally finally feeling like they kind of got it right. Mm-hmm. And Superior, it doesn't have the best dial, but people just like it because it's Superior. It's true. And people like that comic. So there's a positive connotation, mm-hmm. uh, and then yeah. So I think you're really just missing Spider Gwen of like kind of the must. Yeah, Craven would be nice. Craven would be nice, but is he a must? I don't think so. No, mm-hmm. and like Spider Gwen, you may never get her again. That's yeah, what Aries, I like to look at I too. Is that I, that's why I know you poo pooed the twenty two eleven, but you're never going to get that character <laughs> but again. He's so lame. I, he, he, yeah, he is, but you're never going to get him again. So I think you should prize that because it's one of those characters that you'll never see again. Right. You're going to see a Craven someday. It might mm-hmm. take three or four years, but you're going to get one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Spider Gwen. You probably might get her again, but it's not set in stone. It's true. Whereas, like, all the villains, you're going to get a chameleon someday. You're going to get a Doc Ock someday. Yeah. Like, these are all characters you're, you're going right. to get. Morlun, not mm. as concrete that you're going to get one again, but yeah. still relatively. Uh, I can't remember the rest now, but... <laughs> Devil Dinosaur, you're never going to get this one again. Yeah, I'm happy. Like, they're never going to make one. this next wave one, and it's awesome, and... Now, here's a question that we talked about on the other segment. Um, of the three that he can generate... Which is the first one you're putting down? I gotta put down the Elvis Moda. Of course, yeah, you have he's, to. he's the best one. And like, then the exploding bears after that. Yeah, <laughs> but like the other two are so far down on the list yeah. after that rockabilly. Like, <laughs> he's just so awesome. He's such a. I cannot wait to see him play. And he just does it for free, right? Free action. Then one I believe comes so. Up. Yeah. And then you can TK him. And they're good, man. Running shot psychic blast. Oh, they're not bad. No, not at all. Like mm. it's insane. Like, and then someone has to expend their action to go after nothing. Yeah, exactly. There's no points. For no them, points. Right? Yeah. yeah, they're just. He's just generating. <laughs> you can only generate them once, though, right? And ha- they have to rotate, right? You can't just keep. Is that? Out. I can't even remember exactly. Uh, I didn't. Maybe I. I should have looked at his power more specifically. But uh, and then, as you said, you know, Cyborg Spider-Man not the best, but definitely not the worst. Yeah. 
And plus, he's the only one of the chases that actually has two um, two point lines. Okay. So you actually have options there. Yeah, I, you know, out of the chases, I, I wasn't really jonesing for one. Like, Nora would be nice, but I didn't really care either way. Yeah, I feel like because... I mean, even if you read Spider-Verse, you didn't really have a good connection to any of them. No. Like, and having, like, the old man spider, the Ezekiel, I forgot it was even Ezekiel. Yeah. <laughs> like, I honestly, for some reason, I thought it, I was thinking it was the Ben, uh, ben you Parker. You thought it was Ben Parker. That would have been actually been cooler. I'd rather have him. Uh, have we ever had a young Ezekiel? No. No. That's no. kind of weird. It is weird. We're getting this old man version, but we're not getting kind of the, the business suit when he <laughs> yep. first shows up. But Would you want him? Um, yes. Oh, you would. Uh. <laughs> well, I mean, I want him more than I wanted a Betty Brandt. Okay. Or, you know, or another MJ. And why didn't we get Gwen? Like yeah, an where's actual Where's Gwen. actual Gwen? And where's actual Captain Stacy? Isn't that him? That's... Oh, come on. That's that's Dennis Leary. Like, that's... That's Dennis Leary. <laughs> Honestly, the, and I was talking about this with uh, AJ, I'm pretty sure that's, that's Spider-Gwen's dad. Oh, it's Spider-Gwen's dad. Well, I think so. I mean, he oh. looks like young, and he's y- younger in that book. That's true. He's not right. quite the old man we're used to, and he's still more of a vibrant detective as opposed to... But should to... her dad be a really old man? Uh, no. But she's like... Here's the thing. In the 60s, everyone was old. It was either you were a kid or you were old, right? There's no reason why Aunt May should be, like, 80. Yeah. <laughs> it's, that's not when the way... When Peter's 15? Yeah. Like, she should have been, like, in her 30s, 40s, maybe. Right. Or right. maybe 50s, right? Like, mm-hmm. if she was the older, you know, and Ben was older than Richard, but, like... So if Richard had Peter when he was 30 and his brother was, let's say, 8 years older, he's 38, right. so he's 53 when he dies. Right. That's still not the octogenarian that we get. Yeah. Like, it's not ancient and is going to die from Even anything. Ultimates had an older-looking Ben. Not as old, but he was right. still old. But he had that ponytail. He had that sweet ponytail. <laughs> That's what made him work. All right. Well, thank you for coming back for episode 400. Yeah. And this Thanks. was fun. I'm, I'm glad we were able to open up your Heracles together. I know you, you were so jonesing all day. Oh, I was excited all day. I don't know. If I, I, I would be curious if you were quite as excited as AJ, though. Because AJ was he like... He was pumped, eh? He was so pumped. I was, <laughs> I was excited for him. I'm, I'm hoping he eventually gets his Hydro Man. Good. And you, too, because you need him, too. I wanted Hydro Man. He was the one I wanted. Yeah, yeah. And now... Uh, Sam Did man. I pull a Sam? I didn't pull I, a Sam man. I didn't see a Sam man. Oh, now I'm sad. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the thing, right? Because you, you don't you don't get you're not going to end up with as many rares, like because yeah. the the SR takes the place of a rare. Yeah, it used right? to be there. You still got a rare because I looked at that today because I was like, oh, I didn't get any rares. I just got the two SRs. It's great I got SRs, but mm-hmm. I also didn't get any rares. And seeing as I don't get any many from you, yeah. What was the worst set uh, for Superman Deep- Wonder Woman? I think you had to be like <laughs> five figures. It's like here yeah, you go. I think I gave you fifteen figures. Yeah, thanks. Because you had your giant case, and I was like. Adam, you don't need that this one. <laughs> that was so sad. Oh, anyway. Okay. Well, thank you for stopping by. Thank you. And uh, I don't know if this is the last segment of the show or the, or the second segment of the okay. show, but on to the next one. Perfect. Welcome back to Comic Shenanigans. It's your first time on here in 100 episodes. Who, what, where am I? <laughs> I basically abducted you for this. All right, that sounds fair. I mean, you're, you're so busy with Superior Spider Talk and Amazing Spider Talk that I'm surprised you even had time to come on today. No, I definitely did. I wanted to be here for 400. There was no way I was going to go another 100 episodes before reappearing on the show. 
This is true. Well, it's funny. Yeah, you were on 298, which was uh, our chance cover, uh, and then episode, episode 300, and now we're with 400. So last time we talked about anniversary issues, I didn't want to go down that route, but because you're kind of the Spider-Man expert, um, I just wanted to ask, do you remember any time that there's been this many Spider-Books being published, and what do you think led to this sudden explosion? What do I think led to this sudden explosion? Um, I mean, yeah, I, I don't know that there's ever been this many. I mean, you know, there's times where there's been four or five of them being published at the same time. I mean, what are we at now? Like ten or so? Feels like it. Yeah, I mean, when I when I started my site and podcast, I thought, great, we'll be reviewing like one or two titles, maybe, and suddenly I'm covering like half of Marvel's line. Um, yeah, uh, I mean, I think it's I think it's probably as obvious as you might think it would be. Is Spider Man is a hot property, and if you can't sell books about, I don't know, give me a random character. Uh, Silk. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, a non Spider character. Oh, non Spider character. Yeah. Uh, wow. Now I'm blanking. That's horrible. Let's go. Let's do a callback to my first appearance on the show. If you can't sell a book about Chance. <laughs> uh, and, you know, you can obviously sell a book about Spider-Man, and the more characters that you create related to Spider-Man, like, the broader that universe goes, and the more you're, you can get people to buy it. I mean, I buy every Spider title now, but before I was buying one or two titles. Now I'm buying ten titles, mm. you know? And I'm sure there's a large number of people. I mean, so many of these books, I'm sure, are coasting on, you gotta get them all, you know? And, and, they, and they figured it out. They figured out that they could just put amazing on something and it would sell like this this new amazing point one series uh, oh, that just concluded that it's, was... utter, it's utter garbage uh, but it sold like almost as well as the actual main title I like that you uh, on your own podcast you refrain from calling it utter garbage oh <laughs> but, yeah <laughs> but, but you're on here for like three minutes and you're like it's garbage it's not good I mean, it's not garbage, but in the context of the conversation that we're having right now, like, it, it, it's not, like, a quality book. It, it didn't, it, you know, it should not have sold as well as it did. I mean, it's out, it's outsold, like, really shining gems from the Marvel line, like Spider-Woman. I mean, I bet you it even outsold Vision. I, I'm sure it did, you know, mm. like, uh, so, I mean... They know that it's a hot property and enough that they don't – they can keep adding to it, you know. And the only one that gets canceled is Web Warriors um, and not because it's selling particularly less than others. just because it's like not developing any new property. It's not – you know, it's not creating a Silk or, you know, a, a Spider-Gwen or something. It's just, you know – so they can just create these properties and they'll sell a certain number because Spider-Man is associated with them. Is that too cynical? No, I mean, it's not, but it, it's interesting. We're almost starting to, I mean, obviously there's a Spider-Man effect, but we're almost getting a Deadpool effect now too, though, because now we're getting all these books where the mercs with money are suddenly getting their own series. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, like, look at even like uh, Spider-Man Deadpool. It's probably, it's the second best-selling Spider-Man book. Uh, but and, like, almost, it almost sells as well as the main title. That's true. Now, here's a question about that book, though. Do you think, I mean, with that book, you have a, like a totally A A plus, you know, creative team for the most part. That's kind of the regular um, regular team. Do you think that is just as much of a reason there, though? Because Joe Kelly and, on Deadpool and on Spider Man, and Ed McGinnis on the character, isn't that just as much of the drive as opposed to just being another Spider Man book? 
think so, but I really – the more time goes on, I really like think that people aren't really that interested in – names on the book unless it's like a real like big name you know like uh, i don't know um like a warren ellis type of style yeah yeah warren ellis i mean i don't think that like joe kelly carries that kind of like name recognition i guess not. Uh, i guess with with deadpool fans i guess it does right like it kind of taps into that that deadpool market in a certain sweet spot yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, I'm not the biggest Deadpool guy, but yeah, I mean, but I, I, mean, I think the title, you know, Spider-Man, Deadpool, and yeah, I, I think Ed, McG- Ed McGinnis is definitely a draw. I mean, his covers are really nice looking, and, and you know, that would definitely pull people in. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I don't really necessarily like, you know, like Amazing Spider-Man sells a ton of copies, but I mean, I think it's it's well known that I'm not in love with that series and I think it's selling that many copies by by name virtue mostly yeah. you know like I don't think it's selling maybe there are people that love Dan Slott but I think it's mostly like it's amazing Spider-Man and it got really good during Superior people jump back on and now you've got that audience that was buying you know before Brand New Day back onto the book again and it will just sell that number around 50, 60,000 no matter what um but I don't know. I could be wrong, but with, that's just my take. With there being so many of these kind of ancillary titles, which one took you by surprise as being the one you enjoyed without expecting to? Because for me, for me, I think it would be Silk because I was so unimpressed with that character when she was first introduced, and then her own ongoing—I've I've loved it myself. Like I just—I never expected to care about that character after the way Dan Slott wrote her. Isn't selling terribly well. No, it's um, not, and that's and, not a surprise. No, I mean, it, it, uh, I, I don't think so. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm surprised it even took off the way it did, the way, the way she was like announced. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, wait, what was your question again? It was of the of the kind of umbrella titles, the ones that aren't directly starring Spider-Man but are kind of considered Spider-friendly or the Spider-Office, which was which were you most surprised that you enjoyed? Uh, Spider-Woman. Okay. N- no question. I mean, like I've always liked that character. I didn't love like didn't love the character, and like I saw like a Spider-Woman book coming out like as part of like Spider-Verse. To me, it just seemed like a you know, a kind of way to cash in on Spider-Verse and try to launch that, and that it would go and become my favorite book that Marvel's publishing. Like, uh, I did not expect that. I mean, Silk is way better than I than I expected it to be, um, but, I, I mean, Spider-Woman is just such an excellent title. I don't think anybody could have guessed that it would have been this good. No, well, and it's interesting, too, because as you mentioned, it launched as part of Spider-Verse, and the first arc was... Not, I mean, not particularly memorable. It wasn't like it was bad. It was just, it was just its whole other beast. And then suddenly, he just gets, he gets the handcuffs taken off. You don't have to be part of the crossover anymore. And suddenly, hopeless just knocks it completely out of the park. Yeah, I think you could see the sparks in those initial issues uh, that would lead to towards where we are today with the book. Um, I mean, there was like an issue of Spider Verse where she was having a conversation with like a cockroach, <laughs> and I just thought. Wow, this is really inventive and really fun, even though it's stuck inside of this really awful story. Um, and and that it got that much better. Like it wasn't. It was still like exciting to me. But like I think you could see that there was a guy there, like you said, with handcuffs on, ready to break free. 
Well, and plus, I guess, I mean, some people like Greg Land's art, but he, you know, when he eventually got his regular artist, they collected in such an amazing way. Like, I, I don't even, I can't think of, there's not that many books where I, I really can't separate what, what I love about most about it, if it's the art or the story, because it's such a perfect blend. And if I didn't know any better, I would think that it was just one creator, not a writer and an artist. Yeah, yeah, I mean, but I mean, it also helps that Javier Rodriguez does his own colors too. You know, like mm. that, that guy is just on it. I mean, anybody that read his stuff, like his coloring and Daredevil and and some of the issues he did of Daredevil, like knew that he was a really talented guy. But that he's kind of made this thing his own is is so tremendous. You know, he and Helpless just have whatever their relationship is. It's it's really good. Um, and it kind of bums me out that he's leaving to go do Doctor Strange. I mean, I love the Doctor Strange series, and I'm sure he'll be great on it. But like, I could read their Spider Woman forever. But I mean, I guess I guess it's time to like let you know this title doesn't sell that well, which is a shame. You know, it's like Superior Foes. It's amazing, and nobody's reading it. Yeah. Um, but uh, I mean, Marvel seems committed to keeping it going. Um, but it looks like he's leaving, and and the fill-in artist is going to be great, you know, the replacement. But um, I hope I hope Doctor Strange is as good as uh, with Javier at the helm as it, you know, as Spider Woman was. But uh, yeah, that's a that's a guy. I'm surprised he's not doing like a top level Marvel book. But I guess his style is kind of anachronistic enough that hmm. people might be kind of scared away by it. I don't know. Um, I wanted to ask you about Spidey because I've, I've, we've kind of chatted offline about it before. Are you still kind of vibing it or are you kind of off Spidey? I actually dropped it when I said I dropped it on my show. Oh, that's um, right. That's right. I dropped it when they started rehashing the Goblin story and I, I, I'm fine for an alternate take on young Peter. I thought the first several issues were wonderful, but then they changed artist and the new artist guy I've checked out and I think his work is great, but they made their intention pretty clear that like this was just kind of a, you know, like an all ages, which is fine, like family friendly book of like no consequence. But when they were rehashing stories I'd already read, that's when I was like, all right, time to go. Um, and that might not be fair because I'm sure it's a really solid book and it gets great reviews on our site. But um, you know, my dollar can only go so far. You know, yeah. I, I think that was influenced by how frustrating I found their advertising campaign for it to be. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I don't think they really knew what they even had. Like they just kind of were like, "Well, we're doing Spidey. We don't really know what this is, and we're just going to advertise it as something that it's not." Oh, I think they knew what they were doing. I think they yeah. knew that they like sold it as like untold tales of Spider-Man that they would get people like you and I to like pick up a family-friendly Spider-Man book when we would normally ignore it. Um, and granted, it had a great artist on it, um, and, and that's certainly enough to check it out. But um, you know, that first issue sold really well, mm-hmm. and then you just saw a complete drop off because people like. They realize that they have been kind of hoodwinked a little bit. Yeah, well, yeah, I, I, I understand why they wanted the comparisons to Untold Tales. The Untold Tales was brilliant. Um, I mean, the stories and the art were just incredible, and I can understand why they'd want to ride those coattails. Um, I'm still enjoying Spidey. I guess I, I'm. I see what you're saying that they're kind of you know telling stories over again, and it's it's not the 
you know, painting within the raindrops type of idea that we originally thought we were going to get. But I'm still kind of loving it anyway. And I'm actually surprised at myself that I am because I'm such a stickler for continuity stuff and reading something that's out of continuity is not typically in my wheelhouse. Um, but I'm just kind of just something so charming about it that I kind of give it a bit of a pass. Yeah, I, I feel a little bit like a hypocrite talking about it because I think if I had my way, and this might shock you and people that listen to the podcast, I would I would love to reboot Spider-Man back to high school and have it be these kind of carefree, like lovable adventures that we got in Spidey. Mm-hmm. Just because I find it so endlessly more charming and less complicated. Um, you know, I mean, we're preparing to go into Dead No More, and I can wa- I can wax better than anybody about the intricacies of the character, but I find so much of that stuff to be just a crutch and, and, and a hindrance to good storytelling, and I very much prefer books that are character-oriented, and I think the first five or six issues of Spidey were very much that, so um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think it was mainly just, for me, it was the clash between the, the advertising and then when I just got a whiff of like lazy Green Goblin storytelling, I was like, you know, I don't know that I need this right now, and maybe I'll check it out later again. Um, but I, I don't know. I mean, what, what do you think about that? Would you, would you like, totally drop Spider-Man if, like, the book was like, guess what? He's a kid again, and blah 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 I don't know. Um, I... I... I don't. I actually have no idea. Um, I feel like a part of me would be very let down just because, you know, everyone kind of likes growing up with characters. Um, I mean, I when I got into Spider Man, he was already you know in his twenty, mid twenties, yeah. or late twenties. So I never really got to experience the the full growth of the character like over the years, like people in the sixties did. Uh, I feel like it would be a little bizarre, and I. I don't know. I, I, f- I feel like I would feel like I had aged out of Spider-Man in some way, which doesn't make any sense because I watched the animated series and he's still a kid there. Like I watch, I watched uh, recently watched Spectacular Spider-Man with my three-year-old who probably doesn't understand what's happening, but I was like, this is an excuse to watch this again and it's awesome. Um, so I don't know. Maybe I would like it. I just feel like does does it invalidate my old comics? And which is a stupid comment because. I know people complain all the time about people ruining their childhood. Well, that stuff still exists, so really it's not ruining anything. It just means I'm not getting the forward progression anymore. And I'm, I guess then it would feel like, are we just getting the same stories over again, or are they actually going to go in new directions? Yeah, well, I mean, that's what I would hope. But, but I, I always believe like a good story is a good story, you know, mm. no matter, like, you know, uh, the way that I love reading things like Spider-Man Rain or something, you know, like it's completely disconnected from continuity, but it captures the spirit of the character in a way that, like, regardless of continuity, I find endlessly enjoyable. Um, I mean, for me, it's like, I don't know, I don't know, like for me, regressing the character back to being a kid... I'm sure there's a way out of the situation we're in right now, but I just I think long term continuing these ten titles of Spider-Man titles does incredible damage to the character. Um, I think creating a Spider Gwen and a Silk and a Spider-Man 2099 like they're all fine kind of side projects, but now that they're all existing simultaneously with Peter Parker, it it makes him not special anymore, and I think you see that kind of reflected in what I consider like the failure of Spider-Verse where the whole point of that was to make Peter seem special and 
it kind of did anything but that. It, it kind of just proved how replaceable he was in some way. And maybe it's just a good writer needs to come back, but I don't know how you take this guy from being the head of Parker Industries and with, you know, basically his own Spider-Man Inc., which, you know, I, I think is, you know, getting back to your first question is you can see the parallelism between the Batman titles in the DC universe and mm. Spider-Man titles in the Marvel universe is it's their most popular character. Let's milk it for as much as we can. But I, I can't help but think that it devalues the character in some way, especially Spider-Man. I mean, Batman's always had partners, but I mean, Spider-Man, I don't know. I, I don't want him to have a team of people with the same skills as him. I mean, the minute someone got bit by the same spider as him, like, it just in its very essence makes him less special. Yeah, well, it's interesting you mentioned the fact that, you know, yeah, he's less special and there's all these other people like him. It kind of reminds me of what happened, I guess, what, late Silver Age and the Bronze Age with Superman, which eventually, once they had Crisis and Infinite Earth, they wanted to make it so that Superman was the only Kryptonian because there was just too many. Uh, there was tons of other Kryptonians around prior to Crisis. There was obviously there was Supergirl. There was you know the Super Pets. Like there, it had been so crazy as a concept that it made him less special. He wasn't the last son of Krypton. He was one of many. Um, so after Crisis, they wiped all that away, and then we just got a pure. This is the only Kryptonian there is now. Superman's very special. Uh, so I. You're absolutely right that we have so many spiderish characters now with more or less the same powers that what really makes Peter that special or stand out anymore. And besides the fact that he's been around 50 years, I don't, I don't even know if I can really tell you that anymore. Well, I mean, you hit it right on the head more or less. I mean, most of these characters have more powers than him. And not that powers ever define the man. I mean, it's, it's, it's personality. But And, and I don't want to, like, you know bemoan Dan Slott's writing. I mean, he's written some of the best Spidey comics ever written and and some of the, well, maybe not the worst, but certainly not some of the greatest as well. Um, but, like, I don't know that his writing right now is able to differentiate the character all that much. Um, you know, it's, it's he's solely reliant on personality to, to be the top dog, and and that's a hard thing to do when you've got some real heavy hitters writing, you know, like Bendis writing Spider-Man and and so on. Um, I mean, Miles Morales has the powers of a god. <laughs> god. <laughs> who, who wants to call in unreliable Peter Parker? <laughs> Seriously, I'm so tired of his Venom sting. Oh, it's, it is the worst thing in comics right now. And even worse is his super Venom sting. Yeah. That, that right, I think, is the worst in comics. Well, it's just like, I feel like if you're going to have something like that, which is already over the top that he has this ability, it's kind of like they gave Superman that, that weird solar flare, but at least it had a downside. After he used it, he was human for a day. Like, at least it was something. Whereas here, he just does this, and it's, it's kind of like a cheat code for every villain he fights. <laughs> Yeah, it's awful and lazy, and uh, Bendis does not want to acknowledge it. Like, but I mean, I would hope that somewhere he's like, "Yeah, this is not good." But I mean, again, it's it's the same thing with Peter. It's like once you get to this point, how do you undo that? How do you remove that power? How do you, you know, Miles it can go invisible. He has webs. He has all the normal spider powers. He has his venom sting, and he has his super venom sting. Like. What makes that character enjoyable to read when he can get out of every problem with no real 
issue. And, and I would say the same thing is going on in Amazing Spider-Man right now, which is Peter never feels the consequence of any of his negative actions. So um, I don't know. I mean, we're in a weird place right now with those comics. And it makes me actually – I can't believe I'm going to say this. It makes me somewhat sympathetic towards the decision Joe Casada made regarding One More Day. Um, I mean, I think getting him out of the marriage is a certainly like more doable act than getting him out of where he is right now. I mean, I don't know how you regress Spider-Man back to who he used to be working at the Daily Bugle or if you can even do that without making him into a complete loser. Um, unless, like, unless he somehow like he has to do some like. Uh, a somewhat of a weird parallel with Daredevil is that you, with, with the Mark Wade run, everyone knew who Matt Murdock was. It was very public, and then suddenly you have this new run by Charles Sewell, which is really well done. But no one knows who he is, and, and no one knows that he, he was ever Daredevil. Spider Man doesn't know he's Daredevil anymore, and everyone kind of just forgot. And we're not, we're not, we're like nine issues in or something, and we still don't know what he did. We know that it was a conscious decision. We know. Like, I wondered if they were going to make it something that Reed had done when he kind of put the world back together after Secret Wars. But instead, it's been acknowledged that Matt Murdock did something, and now no one remembers who he is. So I'm wondering if they could kind of go that route. But when do you explain it? And after a while, does it matter? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, people still complain about the Mary Jane thing, and I think that's because it like there was a natural way to do that. Um, I don't know. I mean, there's a natural way to write everything. Like, to, to my mind, like, the superior Spider-Man story is a great way to get Mary Jane to leave Peter Parker. You know, like, that's a great – it was a great opportunity to reboot that character from the base ground level. They erased all of his memories. Like, why not have him start fresh? And that clearly was not the route they wanted to go because last minute they pulled the switch and brought all of his memories back to him. Uh, there are ways to get out of all of these things. Um, I just wonder if, you know, I mean, frankly, I'm just not that interested in reading this super Peter Parker for that long. And and maybe that's just me. I have to get used to it and, and accept it. But uh, Well, it's been, what, yeah. eight, 18 issues now. And if you haven't accepted it yet like or gotten used to it, I don't think we ever will. Like it's just it it's something about it feels foreign. It feels wrong. Like it doesn't. I'm not saying Spider Man can't progress, but it they just took him so far so fast, and we never really got to see the, the development to even get to that stage because they just jumped over it like it didn't matter. And I'm like, no, this is this matters. Well, there's no. It's like the Venom thing. There's no trade off. Uh, like the reason Peter never got to that far before was because you know he had to balance his schooling with. You know his Spider-Manning, and here it's he's running companies all over the globe and still finding more than enough time to be Spider-Man, and it just kind of flies in the face of, um, I guess the core tenet of of Peter Parker's comics, which is like it's always about a sacrifice, you know, and it's about Peter Parker the person kind of losing out to his responsibilities of Spider-Man. And here it's like he's getting to have his cake and eat it too. Um, the same way I guess Miles is with, you know, his – he's the weaker, younger Spider-Man uh, <laughs> that's not not as smart. And yet he has immensely more power and he also has the web shooters. Like there needs to be something, you know. And um, I wonder if it's um, 
people have gotten so caught up in the love of Spider-Man that they've equated that with Spider-Man actually being the greatest. Like, he can be the greatest, but that doesn't mean he's, like, the greatest. Do you, do you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Does that make, it's hard to communicate this without doing air quotes, uh, <laughs> you know, visually. But, like, yes, we all acknowledge that he's the greatest Marvel character. But is he the greatest Marvel character? I'm not sure. It's interesting, too, you mentioned that, you know, if we eventually kind of go back to an older status quo, you know, how do they do it without making Peter look a little bit like a loser? And that's kind of how I felt when Brand New Day first started, is that you, you know, you open it up and he's back to, you know, being poor. And it just felt like this weird, you know, he was a married guy and now that's gone. And now suddenly his life is in total disarray again. And it felt like it kind of took it back very abruptly like obviously I ended up enjoying Brand New Day eventually like a lot and I thought it did a lot of good things for the character I thought it was a lot of they, they tried a lot of things and took more chances than they had in years but that initial like first two or three issues I'm like oh my god this guy's a giant loser yeah, <laughs> yeah no I, I, I agree especially after like uh, JMS's run where yeah he had his problems but he was like thoroughly competent for most of that run um, and he was a teacher, like he had an actual like kind of profession, and he was—I mean, he was more or less good at it. Yeah, well, I mean, I'd say less good at it. He was never mm. there for class, but <laughs> but yeah, I mean, he was he was he he could impart wisdom on these kids that was meaningful, and as a reader, you you were inspired by it. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, this it, it's all ups and downs of this character. It's just, it's just weird because he hasn't found really solid footing for a while and I wonder if it's just an accumulation of like decisions that make it complicated that would be solved by just not like just not rebooting the character but like putting him in a place where like he feels the most natural and and I wonder if that it it's always been high school or college for him and Mm -hmm. I don't know I mean I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you do it, and I don't know that you. Maybe you don't even need to do it. But it, like, I, I long for simpler days uh, of of Spider Man stories. I I, I I just I long for Ultimate Spider Man yeah. issues one through one sixty or whatever. Maybe all we. I mean, in some ways, this is simplistic as well. But maybe we just needed a, a new hand. You know, like it could be as simple as that, like a, a new voice uh, actually directing the ship, not just writing a Spider-Man story, but actually directing the where we're going to go going forward. Yeah, I mean, I think Steve Wacker as an editor was like about as good of a Spider-Man editor as you're ever going to get. You know, I mean, that guy juggled how many books, three books a month and Daredevil and blah, 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 blah like all these books at their peak and they were all so good. Um, and I, I don't want to like lay like... I don't want to attack Nick Lowe. I mean, he's got to be a busy guy, and, and it's a lot to do these things. But, I mean, uh, the, I don't think there's any, like, mistake that the minute Nick Lowe became the new editor on the book, my interest waned in a huge way. Um, and, and maybe it's just – maybe there was a change in Marvel that affected Dan Slott as well. But I don't know. I mean, I, I point to that moment as the moment that I kind of lost interest in the title. So would you be more interested in getting a new Spider-Man editor or getting a new writer? I mean, it depends how much the editor has an influence on Dan Slott. I mean, I, I think Dan Slott's written great stories, but, you know, I think like anybody, after a while, like, 
on any title, everybody needs a break from a particular voice, you know? Uh, I mean, even like The Walking Dead, people grew really tired of The Walking Dead during the Negan stuff, you know, and, and it needed a reboot, whether it's like a pushing it forward, you know, two years forward in time or, or what. But like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, Dan Slott is the longest run on this title of anybody that's ever worked on the Spider-Man books. Um, I would certainly like welcome a new voice in there. Um, I'm really interested to see Jerry Conway's Renew Your Vows, you know. Um, that felt like it came out of nowhere. What, the Renew Your Vows thing? We, well, I mean, it, like, not that it necessarily came out of nowhere, but it feels like this weird, like, now we're getting it. Like, that book was over, like, what, a year ago? Like, or, like, it yeah, feels like... Yeah. It, it is weird. Um, it feels like an echo, you know? Like, we got something, and now we're getting this weird echo much later. Um, it'll be interesting to see if that book outsells the uh, Amazing Spider-Man proper. Um, there might, there's a good chance it might. I think it'll have, like, the more A-list artist, and it's going to have, a, like, an A-list premise that people want, you know, people that have been dying to read for years, you know? Like, will they support an ongoing Mary Jane book more than... You know uh, the typical thing. Uh, my big question is: Is it going to be the Peter Parker that we read in the Renew Your Vows stories, or like with Jerry Conway, a more regularly written Peter Parker? Because I I thought the Peter Parker Renew Your Vows was kind of a jerk. Mm. Um, I mean, he wasn't Peter Parker. He was an alternate universe version of him who made decisions that I don't necessarily think that Peter Parker would make. Although. Dan Slott writes a lot of books worth decisions that I don't think Peter Parker would make. <laughs> uh, perhaps even this week's book. Yeah. Do you do you think um, how crazy would it be to have Jerry Conway on the main book, not just on like a point one, but actually being like kind of the guy again? I don't know. It'd be kind of poetic. Uh, I mean, honestly, I would love. I love Jerry Conway. Uh, you know, I think a lot of his stories recently have been, you know, like okay to good. You know, um, I'm enjoying his Carnage, and I enjoyed most of his Spiral story. Um, but yeah, I don't know. That would be really crazy to see a guy like go from you know writing it when he was like 16 to writing it in his 70s. You know. Uh, it's kind of exciting. I, I mean, as exciting as it gets to see someone in their seventies writing a comic book, but like, I would welcome back that classic feel. Um, but I mean, I would, I would, I would love even more, like a, you know, like a Jason Latour or Jason Aaron, anybody named Jason, um, <laughs> who would bring like a really, I'm sure, radical new take on the character. You know, like JMS's run is so exciting because it was so radically different. You know. Um, I mean, it was instantly recognizable as Peter Parker, but it explored the character in a new way. And I think that's what Marvel needs to be doing with this new kind of like seasonal take on these characters is bringing in, you know, every 20 issues or so, like a new interesting perspective on how to write the character. I mean, I think it would keep it super fresh. Um, the last question, how are you, are you, how do you feel about Clone Conspiracy? We'll see. I mean, uh, Dan has a real mixed bag on his events. You know, I love Spider Island. We're going to be talking about it, about it on my show this week. Um, and I really didn't like Edge of the Earth or Spider Verse, although Spider Verse had an interesting opening. Um, so, so we'll see. Um, I mean, I thought that today's issue was actually pretty decent, and I'm I'm hoping that like. 
this is more like Superior and um, and Spider Island than it is um, Spider Spider Verse or End of the Earth. But I'm getting a real Spider Verse vibe out of this, which is just going to be like characters popping up left and right and lots of like endless reveals and things like that and I don't know how much I want to read that um, but I mean I, I, I've long said that if an editor of Spider-Man is approached by a writer and the writer says I want to bring Uncle Ben back from the dead they should either cancel that story or fire that writer immediately because it's the most tired obvious idea for a Spider-Man book. I mean, anybody can come up with, what if we brought Uncle Ben back? And it's absolutely the last idea you should ever do. And um, I don't know. This is bringing Uncle Ben back. So, okay, Dan Slott, prove to me that it's an idea that's worthy of seeing a page. But it's just so obvious. Like, uh, I, I don't know. Um you want, you want something that's not obvious. You want to be surprised. I mean, that's why you're reading these books, right? You want something new and that you couldn't just think of yourself. Yeah, and I just don't see how, like, bringing the jackal back for the third time in, oh. um, in Dan Slott's books is anything to really get that excited about. And, yes, I have my reservations about whether or not it is actually the jackal. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know. Um I mean, Dan Slott posted on Twitter this week that he had a really depressing week, and you know maybe this is his final story. I don't. I, like, I'm not wishing for it, but like I'm, I, I, I'm wishing for more exciting, inspired stories that keep me on the edge of my toes. I feel like I can predict like almost all of this stuff. I mean, I did predict the Man in Red thing. <laughs> you know, I yeah. read a whole article about it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so... Uh, and how do you feel about Prowler getting his own book, and where has he been since, like, the first arc of Amazing? I mean, I have my theories. Uh, I, I, I'm really excited about a Prowler book. I don't know why. I don't really know about the creative teams, but, like, I think this is... Kind of, like, my favorite books in Marvel's line have been, like... The weird ones? I mean, not even the weird ones, just, like, random characters that, like, Marvel does not have any, like really like controlled interest in like it's like if they do whatever they want in a prowler series nobody is going to really care that much up and down the marvel chain you know mm-hmm. so it lets it gives the creators some freedom to do whatever they want i mean boomerang is my favorite character of the past decade in a, in a in a spider-man book you know like because nobody cares about boomerang do whatever you want with boomerang um and the effect the things that happened in superior foes seem to have not really mattered all that much outside of like the female beetle like the shocker is supposed to be the head of the magia and that's certainly not true anywhere else um so i don't know i'm excited about this i mean look the cover is really like interesting with him standing over a grave with his own body in it and i wonder how much of this is going to be clone inspired and it makes me wonder if the prowler that we have in the pages of amazing spider-man yes that has been very absent um is in fact a clone uh who knows uh i have my theories but we will see how they play out i'm I'm excited to see hobie brown really got a spotlight of his own because talk about an underutilized character who has a lot of potential i mean i don't think i could tell you more than five adjectives about hobie brown you know (laughs) like but that's kind of what's exciting is i get to read this book as if it's a new character and hopefully someone will have a cool idea of what to do with him yeah, well, I mean, like one of my favorite books right now is uh, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur, 
And that's like, I mean, I know a little bit about Devil Dinosaur and Moon Girl is brand new and it's like one of my favorite books. It's so charming and it just does things that I don't expect. And it's it's part of that freedom that it's a book that no one really cares about or doesn't seem to care as much about because it's not a, a property that they have to guard or protect. And it's not going to be a movie. Yeah, no, I, I don't think we're going to see Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur the movie. <laughs> you, you never know. I mean, like... I remember last year when they first announced that Drax was getting his own ongoing, and I'm like, really, Drax? Like, obviously he had was in Guardians of the Galaxy, but now he's in his own ongoing. Like, that's... and that book is great. That's a really fun book. But, but would you have ever thought that you would have felt that way? Uh, I guess probably not. I mean, I think Guardians is such a hit; it, it makes sense that they all have their own books. I mean, like the the the, the Groot and Rocket Raccoon book is superb. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Um, I feel like a lot of their best books are these odd books, though. Like, the, the, the kind of the, the bigger tentpoles haven't been as exciting. Uh, if you're looking at the X-Books especially, that's true. And then oh, you have, the X-Books are miserable. Yeah, but then you have all these kind of, again, all these odd books that probably don't sell very well, but those are the most enjoyable books they have. Yeah, I mean, I guess I, I have my final statement. If anybody's listening to this and isn't reading Spider-Woman, go buy Spider-Woman for the love of God. Just pick that book up. Well, I the uh, the first issue after the child was born, I was like, I want to give this to every friend of mine who's ever had a kid. Like, like it doesn't even matter if you like comics. Like, it was so true of the new parent experience. I'm like, this, this is just amazing. And uh, Hopeless really got it. Rodriguez is like really picking up the like I mean that first arc in space is like one of the most Kirby things I've ever seen in modern age <laughs> absolutely yeah well Dan thank you so much for joining us for episode 400 it was great to have you back hopefully we'll have you back before episode 500 yeah we can talk about whatever <laughs> <laughs> yeah so yeah thanks for having me on and if, if you've never uh, you know heard me before I guess go check out my podcast Amazing Spider Talk uh if you like Spider-Man, I guess it's the place for you to be. Absolutely, because you guys do great episodes. You talk about new issues. You do essentials. Like You do kind of a little bit of everything. Plus, obviously, there's your website as well, which is superiorspidertalk.com. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of fun, and you write things there too sometimes. And, uh, yeah, sometimes. And, 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 yeah, our next episode is going to be on Spider Island, and I love that book. So like, come on board, and you'll get to hear me not be so miserly. Woohoo! That no, That's exciting, because I want to hear you excited. All right, that sounds good. All right, Adam, thanks for having me on. Thanks, Dan. Welcome to yet another segment of episode 400 of Comic Shenanigans. Adam Chapman, your host still. Still your host, don't worry. Even though episode 396, I was not the host of the show, I'm still the host of the show. Uh, today I'm joined by Paul Scores. We're once again on vacation, just like we were last year when we did our all-new, all-different Marvel Now discussion episode right when the, uh, the catalog had released. And uh, now it's a little bit more than a year later, and we now have the Marvel catalog for what's happening with the upcoming Marvel Now. So we thought, 
The Shattered Marvel Now. Shattered Marvel Now, yeah. <laughs> so we thought we'd take a look and kind of discuss, because we recently did an episode, our, I think, 388.1, where we talked about Marvel Now because we had the Divided and United We Stand pictures. Um, but we didn't really know what the actual books were going to be yet, and now we actually have more of an idea uh, so now we can actually talk about what we're actually getting and the creative teams that are adjoining these books. So where do we want to start? Do you want to start with Avengers 1.1? Start from the top. So I'm, I, I, I believe this is uh, a miniseries, I, or like just a kind of one of these 1.1 1. 1 miniseries they've been running generally. Like an out of continuity... I don't, think it's out of con- I don't think it's out of continuity, uh, and they all have been in continuity. I think it's, I mean, by the looks of it, this looks like it's kind of telling an early story of the Kooky Quartet. Um, I don't know why they're calling it 1.1, though, because I would almost call it 16.1, if you want to be fancy about it, because I believe that's the issue where the Kooky Quartet first took over, uh, or changed over, uh, because it looks like, you know, we're kind of looking at the silhouette in this image of Giant Man, Wasp, Thor, Hulk, and Iron Man kind of being off to the side, and now we have Cap and his, uh, again, the Kooky Quartet coming forward. Uh, and I like the tagline, and I think we talked about this last year, that I liked a lot of the taglines they kind of gave the books as kind of a selling feature. Uh, so I liked, as we go through, I want to make sure we, we do spend some time on what the taglines are. I like this one, though, Earth's Mightiest Shoes to Fill. <laughs> no kidding. Uh, and you just lost Iron Man, Hulk, and Thor. Well, not Hulk had already been gone, but Iron Man and Thor, and you're uh, replacing them with a guy with a bow and arrow and a speedster and a weird hex caster. Yeah, that's, that's going to fit the bill. Uh, Mark Wade writing it is... A, instant sell for me. Um, I love Barry Kitson's art, and when he teams up with Mark Wade, it's always something special. So I'm most definitely in for this. Yourself? Well, so we're... It's kind of a it's kind of a flashback, so it may not be quite your cup of tea. I think it's something I may read at some point, but classic stuff's more your cup of tea. I like to say more... Modern? 90s and up. <laughs> 90s and up. You know. Well, that's still going back 20 years, so... It's still quite a bit, but this is way before that, right? Oh, this is 65. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> This is uh, over... Uh, this is a long time before you were born. But, but to be fair, like I've enjoyed Mark's weight stuff on the current On All Different Avengers run. Mm-hmm. Um, so, based... Excuse me. I find myself more and more um, buying books to a creative team rather than just the content these days a bit. Yeah. So I, on... I agree. That's actually a big reason why I want to pick this up. Yeah. And I like that it's kind of self-contained. It's more. I actually probably more likely will pick it up because it's its own beast. I don't have to worry about being, it being hijacked by storylines because this is uh, an old, you know, centered book. And I like this kind of stuff. I've Earth's Mightiest Heroes. Um, I believe that's what it was called by uh, Casey and Collins. I actually almost brought it on vacation, but I forgot. Um, it had kind of a flashback kind of feel, and it had you know, kind of covering shortly after Avengers 1 up to around issue 16. So actually right up to where this kind of starts. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is right in my wheelhouse for that kind of stuff. But yeah, I can understand that you're not really a, as much of a 60s fan. Right. But could this have like almost a, a Deadly Genesis kind of angle where you have this old, old story that then opens the door to possibly something occurring now in our current... Our, it could. In the future? I hope not. Or at least not in the same style. Because Deadly Genesis was... Like, let's let's throw more shit on the pile. You know, like, let's make mm-hmm. Xavier more of an asshole. Yeah, no, I get that. I, I'm just using that as an example in terms of going back in, in time and telling a story in an older period that True. will then translate to something in the modern age. Yeah. Marvel Universe. Next up, Champions number 1 by Mark Wade and Humberto Ramos. Change the world. Change the world. I'm in. Yeah, I'm in for this, too. Which um, character are you most excited about being here? 
Besides the, the I'm going to call them the Trinity, of <laughs> the new Marvel Trinity. Seriously, yeah, when it comes to great. when it comes to they young Marvel, yeah. I mean, they finally picked some young heroes and stuck with them, which is nice. I like that even uh, Baby Clops is here. Yeah, I can. I, I like to have. He him. looks even extra Baby Clops. <laughs> he does a little bit. Yeah. Have you read the most recent issue of, of uh, All New? Uh, is it post Apocalypse Wars? Yeah. No, I have not. Oh, okay. Because all I'll say is that they definitely highlight the fact that he's a bit of a freak uh, in terms of how him being... They, they definitely lean on the fact that even him being a teenager, he's a tactical genius. And, he, and, he, and he's mapping out missions and even he's, he's, he's obviously had a big injury, right? So he's not really able to do things on his own right now. Right. But, but his mind hasn't stopped. So he, can, he just wants to go out on missions, but he can't. So he's just developing mission logs and like briefs and, and plans. And it's just, it's like, you're a bit of a freak. But that's cool. Wow. Like that's, I'm glad that we're seeing them actually do something with Cyclops. I'm excited to see what they'll do with him here. Like this is, what a, what a group. Yeah, well, it's good that they, they're taking the young heroes and they're going to make a good book from them. Um, they got the right uh, writer for it because he's written them beautifully and all you all different. Um, as we've said before, I think Ramos is, will uh, work well on art here. Um, I know his arms are a bit wonky here in the cover for me, but other than that... Which arms? All of them? Hulk's arms especially. And Hulk's leg. If you look at his right leg, yeah, or the one on the left, like where does it move? Like it looks like it's like two legs in one. Like I don't understand. Yeah, I think problem with Colossus too, because the, the the big huge characters he tends to exaggerate a bit. But like Cyclops looks great, and Viv looks great, and Spidey looks good up there, and, and no issue with Miss Marvel. No, um, no not even at all. the background characters in the subway station here look look totally cool. Yeah, Ray mostly. Yeah, again, he'd be hit and miss. You can tell when he rushes that the exaggeration of the characters' uh, sizes and dimensions. Mm-hmm. But when he has time, I think he can do some really nice stuff. So. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to drop on you all different and, and definitely pick up champions. Well, you're going to drop on you all different? You're not going to pick it up anymore? When it converts over to just regular Avengers, no. I thought it was, isn't it, isn't it still going to be going as all new, all different Avengers still? No. I thought it was still going. Are you sure? I'm pretty sure it's it's not going to be ending. I think you're ending that book and they're starting champions and it's regular Avengers. I think you're wrong, but I could be wrong. I just don't think I am. <laughs> Well, I thought I, I thought I heard them mention that it was still going to be going, but I guess not. No, I don't think so. That's very disappointing. So your cast is gone from that book. Yeah, and well, you have these two different books making up King of Slack. Yeah, well, no, are you, you don't you haven't read Avengers? Uh, sorry, Avengers. Uh, you haven't read Vision, I should say. Never read Vision. Uh, I'm excited about Viv being here, but I'm a little worried because I, in some ways, didn't want her to be here. I kind of thought she would die. Like it sounds horrible, but. There's a lot of stuff happening in that book that I just kind of assumed that she would die. You're, so you, Champions is a definite pickup? Yep. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to give it a go. Now, doesn't it bug you that it should have had a different name, like New Warriors or something? <laughs> like, doesn't New Warriors seem more like what this group should be, especially them breaking off from the Avengers? Doesn't that sound like the New Warriors, like the Champions, really? Like, I understand they got the name back and they're excited about it, but, like, come on. In story, I can't see why these guys would call them that. I could see why they call themselves the New Warriors. And Nova at least has a legacy as a character. Sam doesn't know. No, but the, the character the, does. The, the, he doesn't. The Nova name. But no one else here does. I don't know. No, but well, besides, none of them have a, a link to the champions either. So they're their new, own new thing. You got you got X Men in here. You got old Avengers. You got Spidey's who's just solo. Yeah, it's fine. Uh, then we have Occupy Avengers. I don't have any interest. I don't know what this is though. I know so. what it's supposed to be. You see Hawk on the cover with a whole bunch of people taking back justice. But based on what? Is this like... I don't know. I like Gabriel Walta, so the artist makes me intrigued. David Walker's a good art, a good writer, but I just don't know... I have to see more. 
Like, I'd have to see uh, actual solicitations or more on what this what is supposed to be. What the book's all about, right? Because Hawkeye is the guy who made Bruce Banner. So what's the follow-up from that going to be, right? Yeah. Like, I, and I just feel like, doesn't it feel like calling anything Occupy feel like, like, four or five years too late? Yeah. Like, it just feels very... Like, Marvel is trying to be behind, uh, in front of the curve a lot. And this is so far afterwards. Uh, next up, I'm going to move on if that's okay. <laughs> From Occupy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, next up is Avengers number one. Okay, I guess you're right. It's okay. It's not called all new, all different, but I'm going to say that this is basically is. Even they, they can give it a new numbering all they want, but it's by Mark Wade. It's basically the same book. Well, to a degree, you have Hercules with a, a big blaster now, and yeah. the new Wasp. And is this? Is it Iron, Iron something? Like, is it Riri in some weird Iron Man meets Wolverine suit? Is I that certainly infamous? Don't think so. Is that Doctor Doom's version? Like, we don't know what it is. The claws kind of throw me off. You see the the. Uh, oh, we got the new Wasp. She's already in the book. Yeah, Thor. She's already in the book. You got Cap. He's already in the book. And you got Vision already well, in the book. Wilson Cap. Just to be clear. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. Right. So really, Vision in at the head of the page, looking like he's leading this team, which makes sense based on the most recent issue of Avengers. They kind of set up this Kang war. So, no, yeah. Kang War so, 1. And they're so. in this portal thing. Does that mean they're, they're going to be in the thing? And is this then a version of Kang or Iron Lad or something then? Maybe. Uh, in terms of Iron Man, the yeah. Ironish looking Iron-ish character, looking it's possible. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, Iron Man's something, right? We just don't know, right? Yeah, so we're not really sure what we're getting here. Okay. So, next up, we've got Uncanny Avengers number 15. So, this is, I guess, our first continuing book. Uh, in the catalog, yes, it is. We were very unsure when we first heard, when the, I guess the catalog leaked. Um, I mean, everything was in there, so it was, it was uh, the initial list was all brand new number one, so we didn't yeah, know. Yeah, because the leaks were on, like a, were on like a Sunday night, and then I don't think the full catalog dropped to like the Tuesday or something. Exactly. It wasn't quite a Wednesday. I think the print yeah. copy was on, on the Wednesday of that particular week. Exactly. Yeah, so we weren't really sure what we were getting. There was a ton of heat with all the X books saying, well, we see Death of X, but nothing else. Mm. What's going on? And we found out after the fact that there will be, in fact, X books moving forward. So what do you think of this? Uh, I mean, it doesn't look like it's really changing. It just says going rogue is, the, again, its tagline. Right, which I'm going to assume is Cap going rogue because of the new Hydra story arc for him. Mm. If he's playing along that arc and it's going to impact the greater yeah. MCU. Um, so, MCU? Sorry, Marvel Universe. Uh, the MU? Yeah, the MU, sorry. Okay. <laughs> First out of it. Um, you know, you still have Duggan uh, on the book, so, yeah. or Dugan, I guess. Um, so that's fine. And I don't, I don't, this book's been up and down for me. I, I've been kind of keeping tabs on it to a certain degree. I like the cable dead cold uh, dynamic because mm-hmm. we have, you know, the techno organic. Although, uh, we before, we don't even know what cable this which, really is. Yeah, but it doesn't matter. He's, he's big guns, full power cable, so I'm, I'm cool with that. Yeah. Um, you know, and Rogue is, is pretty good. Synapse, I don't care for very much. It's, it still, like, it's still Dugan. So yeah. I guess that's why they didn't bother launching. Not that that stopped them in other cases. Pepe Laraz. Don't really know the artist. And even the cover here is by Megan Hetrick, so it's not even like this is going to be interior work. Right. So we don't know what we're going to get with the art yet. So. But I guess it's about time that Uncanny kind of catches up to what's been going on in Cap. Um, yep. I don't know how I feel. Like, uh, part of me loves continuity like that, but all, my other kind of part of my brain is like, well, how long is the, the whole Cap uh, as Hydra thing really going to go on for? Right. Do I really need it reflected in other books? But I guess that means it is going to go on for longer than we maybe expected. True. And this is the only book that still cares about Xavier's brain in Red Skull, right? Yeah, it's the only Which one. Which is bizarre. But <laughs> well, day, no, I, I guess it, no, it matters in Cap. 
Cause, well, it's just his villain, yeah. Because he couldn't be doing things without, like, the, what he's been doing generally, you can't do without Xavier's right. powers. But, so, but, but how none of the other yeah. family of X-Men give a flying fadu that their mentor has been desecrated and is in fact met, melded with this well, well, Okay, I can't remember Nazi. for the life of me, but what was the end of Axis? Like, they, they they reverted the, whatever that weird creature was, they... they I don't remember. It was bad. It was bad, yeah. And you, you washed away from your memory because it was such a horrendous It was weird because event. Remender had been doing so good a job on yeah. most of Uncanny Avengers. And then Axis just... Came. I don't know yep. what that was. It was bad. It was really bad. So I don't even remember what the status quo was. Yeah. Because, yeah, you had like you had what he was doing in his Avenger run, but none of Bendis' X-Men stuff because you always bash Bendis for his own little and bubble. Not that I bash him. I say, like, he he's good at continuity if it's his own oh, continuity. Right. So there's a lot of writers like yeah, that. Yeah, uh, like, like a lot of stuff was shoehorned in. Like you suddenly had like Cyclops captured, weird Nazi cap where where the Red Onslaught took place out of mm-hmm. the blue, and it was just really, you know, forced and out of the, and and then the, even the whole Red Onslaught thing in the first place was just a very early blip yeah. in the book, and then it moved on to a totally different place with all like the heroes being villains and the villains being heroes and mm-hmm. that mental switch crap, which. Only really, Sabretooth still holds some of that. At yeah, this he's the point. only one because he's right? and, and they and they're pretty like uh, out front about that. Like, yeah, that he's only there and only not killing people because he got messed with and he knows it. So, it's kind of weird. How do you like? How, I wonder what that would be like to have such a be be a sadistic monster and then have that kind of taken away, but knowing it's been taken away, like that must be a weird mind fuck. Yeah, it, the whole thing was just bizarro. So. Yeah. Axis is, is very forgettable from that vein, but it, it always bothered me, like, really, right off day one, you know, after AVX, the first issue of Uncanny Avengers, which was supposed to be kind of a flagship book launching Marvel Now at the time, yeah. right away they desecrate Xavier and they make this a thing, and it's it, it was just too soon for me, because yeah. I don't know who Xavier is. And I mean, and... Xavier, he is hasn't been, like, the, the holy figure of the X-Universe since, I would say, even the mid-90s, though, because, like, they... They've done a lot of work to kind of take him down on many pegs. Like, Onslaught was the beginning of that. And then you had when he kind of came back and he was not quite powered up yet, but he was running that weird brotherhood for a little bit. Like, they, we, ne- we never quite got him being himself again. And then we had Daily Genesis. Like, it was just brick by brick. They took everything apart um, to the point where when he died, I didn't feel as much as I would have felt like 10 years earlier when he still mattered. Uh you know, Cyclops was clearly the leader of the X-Men. He didn't care about Xavier's vision as much anymore. He kind of said, get, get out of the way. I'm leading the ship now. So then when he killed him, it was kind of like, well, like, this, this does not have the impact it would have had previously. I know. So, and then they just, desecrated I, I, I miss it. having Xavier. You miss, you miss the 90s anime I do, series. I do. You miss him being in that, like, flight, uh... He was either in a his gold chair, in, yeah. Well, he was either in his suit or he was in his like travel fatigues, which he was in when he was stuck in the Savage Land forever. Yeah. Well, let's move on to the next one. We got U.S. Avengers number one. Ooh-wee. Look at this. So it's so basically it's new Avengers. I mean, it's Al Ewing still writing it. Paco yes. Medina. He's been I like, all over I, the place. I, I love his art. I'm okay with that. What do you think of this cover? <laughs> what is what? this? Um, hey, is it is the skull a Ghost Rider? Uh, I don't know. Like, it's not usually looks that way. Like, and is this Red Hulk or is that that weird Kaiju Hulk or that that weird creature that they created? Well, under America Assemble, you see a Robo leg, so I don't know what that means. Oh yeah, yeah. Right? I, don't, I don't know. What I is this? I haven't been up on my Rolk recently. Well, Rolk, so. I, I thought he was depowered, but I could be wrong. At the end of uh, the Doc Green but, big but, fight, but he's rocking the stash. So my assumption is still Thunderbolt. 
I yeah. think even in some of the there was a, a thingy about this, and I think it's, it's Thunderbolt. Okay, and it, but then you also have the the Danielle Cage from the future. That's the Captain uh, America. Luke, yeah, Luke Cage's daughter. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. She's from the future. She was in the first arc. We have what looks like a newer, sexier version of Pod. Um, the automated. I ask you what that was. Okay. I believe that's what it is because it had the yeah, same facial. The face, thing. Okay. No. No. Uh, I don't know why Squirrel Girl's here. Like, all right, whatever. Um, and that was Miss Thing. Now reproduces Miss. Is that what War that Machine? is? Is that Darla Deering? That's my guess. I thought it was the, the, there's like a, a super special scientist that's been on the New Avengers. I thought that was her. Oh, my my initial thought with the pink hair and the the yeah. huge hulking body was yeah, it a could War be. Machine or a pink. And then we got Cannonball okay. just hanging out. It almost looks like he's giving a thumbs up, but he's not. I actually, I honestly thought he was just giving thumbs up in the upper right corner. Yeah, he's, he's not. Like, Framing a picture for a selfie. I'm not sure what, it's that, what weird. that is. It's weird. And yeah, the attention of Sunspot there. Isn't he Mexican? And always all a USA. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. And I don't what's know. up with his hair too? Does he always have that like little white? No, that must be a new thing. I don't know. Okay, I don't um, really care for the the title. I don't know what this is going to be. America Assemble. That being said, I have been enjoying New Avengers. The first arc had very different artwork and a different kind of direction what they're doing with Wiccan and time travel stuff, but and and magic. But everything after that, I've actually been really enjoying. Um, it's a fun book, and their battle against Shield has been really engaging. Um, I don't. This cover makes me go like, "What the fuck is this?" But I'm willing fuck to give it. Yeah. A, yeah seriously. <laughs> but I'll give it a shot. I mean, I got nothing to lose. Oh man! But what? Wait, why do you, like? Okay, Red Hulk with guns, yep. Thanos and Civil War Two with guns. Why, why do we give like Hercules and a few issues over with, like, with a gun? Like why are these Simon Baz has a gun? Why are these heroes who clearly don't need guns have guns now? I don't know. We don't know. Maybe he's firing out thing? gamma energy. But we don't know if it's a ghost right? We're, we're not. Well, it's a golden skull looking at this. And I don't know what that body. skull's about. And then you also have like the flyover jets. Like it's oh, that's, very that's, that's US of a. That, that's fine. But I want to. And the Statue a, of Liberty in the middle. Like yeah. I hope she's in the team. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's a ghostwriter. I'm very curious to know if that's a ghostwriter. Alright, you want to move on to the next one? Uh, yeah. Ultimate Squared, number one. Not Ultimate 2, Ultimate Squared. Yeah, I, I, I'm curious as to why they would have ended... Because the sometimes they like book. ending them and sometimes they don't. Like, there was no need for a new Avengers book. We could have had only all different continuing. But they decided to rename it Avengers. So yeah, but that you here. lose three members of your team. This here appears the te- core team is intact. So you're not really losing or Does, losing anything. And right? this America kind of looks like a dude. This art is not very good. No, it's not. It's by and Christian it's, Ward, but the actual art for the comic is Travel Foreman, who I do enjoy, and uh, who is, is a that creepy... still Rambo in the background with her arm. Yeah, that looks okay. like her. Yeah, right. the, the the art that we get here is not very good. I hope it's not indicative of what we're getting in the middle. Travel Foreman's art. Um, he did Ultimate Nightmare, I believe, back in the day. Like, he's a darker tone to him. Because um, the original art in this book was R.I. Kenneth Rockefort, uh, who used to do uh, Red Hood and the Outlaws. Sure. But yeah, no, I liked it. It was different. It was, it had a, the colors really set it apart, too. Like, yeah. Like, Rockefort's art, whoever's been coloring him has been great. This is different. It's going to be different, because obviously the cover isn't indicative of it. Um, well, he's still been, dealing with cosmic threats on the, on the, yeah, on the grander I, scale of things. Who chained the cosmos? It just sounds like a continuation of their current storyline. Right. So, which kind of furthers the idea that you didn't need Ultimate Square. square. You didn't yeah, even get all cute about of, it. Yeah, it's, it's not a choice. No. For sure. There's no need for that. Then we got... I'm excited for this. Just because you need to have something that's fun. And we got Great Lakes Avengers by Zach Gorman, who I don't know. Will Robson, the name is familiar, so I've seen some of his art. 
the art on the cover is by your favorite, uh, Mike Allred and Laura Allred. <laughs> um, and even the losers get lucky sometimes. And I love the Great Lakes Avengers. They're ridiculous. Uh, I like that they're carrying a cut out of Squirrel Girl. Because there was a time when they, when Dan Slott was writing the GLA miniseries, GLA Misassembled, that was, that was her big coming back after not being around since like the early 90s. That was Squirrel Girl being reintroduced. And now she's a thing, has her own book, and now the Great Lakes Avengers are trying to glom under her popularity as opposed to the other way around. Right. Um, I'm excited for it. I, I feel like it'll end up being a miniseries. For sure, I think right? so, for sure. I, We're not going to get 100 issues of this? It's not <laughs> no, going to no, be our Drax? No, uh, Drax or Karnak, for sure. Isn't Drax still going? Yeah. I don't think it got cancelled. Like, Did it? I don't think it got cancelled. Good for Drax. Good for CM Punk. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, like, this will be a cute, fun little book. I think, you know, I enjoyed them back in the day when there was a Deadpool connection, stuff like that. Um, I enjoyed them back, back, back in the day when they were first showed right. up. But will enough people hop on this now? I don't know. I think that's why it'll be a miniseries. Yeah. It'll be, it'll be a fun little one-off, and that'll be it. And, I, and to be honest, with those types of characters, I don't want anything more than that. No. You, they're, you, they're gag characters. Yeah, like their best, true. Their best story, I would say, is GLM Misassembled. It's dark as hell, but it's really good. Yes. Um, yeah, the, they're, they're, perfect, they're the perfect team for that. And, and I do like that they've shown up throughout the years in Cable Deadpool, uh, in Thunderbolts. Like, they just show up. Yeah, and they they fight someone. They'll try and take someone's name sometimes, and then they disappear. Would you would you buy this book? GLA? Yeah, yeah I would. Okay. Actually, I would. Be happy to have that on my on my shelf. Okay, I'd buy it and trade as well. Okay, because it's you know because I'm I, I've come to the point where I'm really enjoying books that I feel like I can enjoy them. They're kind of not evergreen necessarily in in the traditional sense, but they're they're not books that are so weighted down by current continuity that if I read it five years later without remembering everything that was going on, I'll be confused. Right. Like, I feel that way about, I've harped on this a lot to you off podcast, but Vision feels that way to me, where it's a book that it doesn't really, like there's a couple characters who kind of show up, but there's nothing that intrinsically kind of timestamps it. It has no, having to be at this particular point yeah. in time or makes it confusing. So I'm really starting to enjoy these books that are kind of just on their own. Uh, they might have a tie-in here or there, but for the most part, they still exist on their own space. Nova kind of feels that way. Even when it has a, even though he's an Avenger, it still feels like I'm not missing a lot by just reading Nova. Um, it's it's relatively self-contained, and I'm able to enjoy his adventures. I'd say the same thing of Miss Marvel. She's making a lot of appearances now in different books, but it never feels like I'm missing her story. Her story and everything that's important to her is still going to be in that book, so it's kind of insular in its own way. Um, yeah, I pick it up. There, there was another book we talked about before that. Oh, Avengers one point one. Yeah, that's that's another one where I'm like, I like the. Well, that it's book its clearly place. belongs in its own yes. space, right? Yeah, like the fact um, that it's even part of the Marvel now branding is almost odd. Yeah, it's almost like we have a new miniseries. We'll just slot it in for this like branding. Well, just a market, right? So you, it's an Avengers coming. book, right? Yeah, and, and it's got a, a great creative team. I mean, as I said, Mark Wade and Barry Kitson. Uh, they created Legion of Superheroes, one of the relaunches years ago. They've done some great work together. Absolutely, I'm on with them. Want to flip the page? A continuing book, Squadron Supreme 13, by the same creative team, James Robinson and Leonard Kirk. And it's Finding, Finding Namor. Namor. I like that. It's cute. Yeah. It's cute. Um, so I've been reading Squadron Supreme. So they killed him off in the first couple issues, brutally. They t- decapitated him, and they destroyed Atlantis. Like They, they ripped it up and then dropped him they just absolutely blew it up. This is a revenge based on what happened in Secret Wars? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Well, prior to Secret Wars. Right, right, right yeah. Uh, which also makes me wonder how much of, like, the continuity doesn't make sense in certain instances. Like, a lot of things it looks like 
uh, yes, everything that happened leading up to Time Runs Out happened. But then there's certain things that make us wonder if they did or not. But anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself or behind with myself. Um, this, so basically they murdered him, and now Ulysses had a vision of uh, Namor basically being alive. And so everyone in the, the squadron, their version of Power Princess ended up actually not being Power Princess, but actually being the Squadron Sinister's version, who had kind of taken out the heroic version. So it was actually the warrior woman, I think, is her name. So she was evil, and she kind of broke off from the uh, from the Squadron Supreme, and then finds out about this vision that Ulysses had, uh, that Namor is kind of important. It's just to find Namor so that she can kind of destroy the world. Um, so that's what's kind of leading into this, you know, yeah. they're finding Namor, which is kind of a cool concept, and obviously we knew he was going to be brought back at some point. I'm glad it's in Squadron Supreme. It lends credence to the idea that James Robinson always had a plan, uh, which, I mean, I, I would hope that a writer would. If you're going to take a legacy character who's been around 70 years and decapitate him, I hope you have a plan. I mean, we know <laughs> he's going to come back anyway, but I hope right. the original writer has a plan. But how has he survived decapitation and... It's a world where there's cloning and Jackal can bring people back from the dead. So, uh, are you even surprised? And there's time travel. So, in fact, I wouldn't be surprised if they... Actually, I think it may have involved time travel. Now that I think about it, there might be uh, involving Spider-Man. I think that actually is a, a plot point. I just read the most recent issue, but I'm reading like 40 comics right, in the last right. few days. So it's kind of hard for me to keep all the details straight. But I think there is a time travel platform from Doom that's in the basement of Parker Industries' Baxter Building... Um, oh. I think that's part of it. Okay, fair enough. But I like the cover. It's kind of cool. Yeah. With just the, the fist rising with the trident. Fair, yeah. Very cool. And I like that it's the same creative team where we're getting the continuation of certain books, and that's fine with that. That's important, yeah. Yeah. Thunderbolts number seven. Glad we're not relaunching that already. Uh, now, we're actually getting a new artist soon. Um, I actually don't know if it's going to replace who is on, like, written here. John Malin was the actual artist who started the book okay. with Jim Zub. I have not been enjoying his take. It's too... Sorry, Jim Zub's take or the artist's take? Sorry, a Melon's take. Okay. Uh, I have not really been enjoying the art. Jim Zub's take, I'm fine with. Um, I think it's mainly the art that's really distracting me on Thunderbolts. I don't know about you. But I, I, read, I glanced through the first issue. It seemed like a very 90s art. Art. Yeah, but yeah. not in a good way. Yeah. It was kind of the worst of the 90s yeah. in some ways. Like, it's just... It's too stylized, and the times it felt like the anatomy wasn't quite right. Like, maybe he went to the Liefeld school. Y yes, um, yes, exactly. You know, and... I apologize if people be like John Malin's work, and maybe he's great in other arenas, and maybe he was going for a particular style, and it just didn't quite work for me. Um, it's not saying necessarily that it's bad, it's just not my style. Uh, and again, the, the tagline is, Caught in the Act, and it looks like they've caught Winter Soldier. Um, yeah, okay. Yeah, here's a character who's lost his way a little bit in terms of... What they want to do with him? What they do with him, yeah. Oh Between my the god! The Metal Wobble shit, and now that was really League bad. The Thunderbolts and Kobik, and I don't know. Yeah, I mean, he used to be Captain America. I know, and that was awesome. Like I, I, I loved was him. Bucky Cap. Yeah, I, except for when they call him that in comic, I, right? I, I was fine it. with it. I hated that. <laughs> All right, well, let's move on from whatever they've done with him. Yes. Ooh. So uh, now it's interesting. So on your version, it actually gives you details. On my digital copy, it actually doesn't. Tell, oh no, it doesn't actually tell me the name of the book. Oh, it okay. just gives me the fact that I know I know what it is, and it's yes. the tagline for "I am woman," uh, yes. which is ha ha ha. Uh, but it's Invincible Iron Man number one yes. by Brian Michael Bendis and Stefano Caselli. So that's a good artist. Yes, uh, not necessarily like Caselli is interesting. He's a great artist, a great storyteller, but he's never been an A-list kind of name creator, which I don't think is fair. Like I think he deserves to be. 
So maybe this will work on ASM. So maybe that was his proven ground to be on. Well, he's been a lot of stuff, right? He did Secret Warriors. Like he did tons of books. Right. Uh, Maybe this will be kind of his his uh, his, yeah coming out party. But it's a weird book because I don't know. Like, what do you think of this? Uh, I hate it. I hate no, it. No, you don't have anything against it being a woman or her being black. No, no, it has nothing to do with that. A brand new character being foisted upon you and taking away Tony without any real build-up. Yeah. That's what your problem Exactly. My problem is it's so forced. We, we get, she was introduced issue, what, six, seven? Yeah. Maybe. On, on, on a brief two-panel thing, like this chick who randomly built this Iron Man suit in her dorm room. I will say, you, you haven't read the most recent issue, and it is enjoyable and engaging, because he actually... it's uh, It'll remind you a lot of Tony Stark meeting Peter Parker uh, okay. in Civil War, and but instead he's meeting Riri. Um, but he does meet her in the most recent issue, and it kind of sets up them having a bit of an almost mentorish relationship. Um, one issue vers- uh, versus... I know. It's still know? it's still too fast. It's still too soon. Like, um, I, if, if this had been something that we felt like was a natural extension of where they were going over the last you know year, or if there was even more time to build up, I think, yeah, we wouldn't have any problem with it. Yeah. Um, as we were talking off podcast, you didn't have a problem with Jane Foster taking over his Thor. because Not at all. I mean, obviously, like Aaron had an idea, but also she was a legacy character. She's been Absolutely. around. Um, but even if it had been Ross Solomon, Solomon, you would have been okay with it, that. Because she was established in the be- right from the get-go in that run. Yeah, so you'd had right? two years to get used to the character yeah, exactly. being around. And so there wouldn't it wouldn't have been that upsetting um instead like if it didn't matter who it ended up being you would have been okay she was meant for the sole purpose of being a possible tease for her being thrown whereas with this it was it was weird it was it feels like the and that maybe this is also a marketing problem and not necessarily bennis's fault but it just it was unfortunate Mm -hmm. that we get an issue that it was actually good showing him meeting riri but we'd already gotten the solicitation so, whereas you've got the solicitation afterwards, I think people would have felt differently. I know. I think people would have felt that it was left less out of left field because they already would have gotten an issue and been like, oh, that's kind of an interesting relationship. Oh, shit, she's going to be the new Iron Man? Like, oh, and I think another thing that we were surprised at is that we thought she was going to be the new War Machine. I am totally on board with that. Just because her armor looked more like that. Yeah. And it kind of had more of a War Machine style, not because she's black, and because like, I know some people are going to say that. Or yeah, the black one plays a black guy. But even so, it, it would, uh, that would have felt less force, right? Because yeah. Tony, when when Marvel, all new, all different Marvel started, Tony, Iron Man, supposed to be the flagship character of the brand. Yeah. So taking him off the board, whatever happens in the Civil War, whatever happens to him, whether he dies, whether he disappears, goes into space, under dimension, whatever bullshit you want, Bendis yeah. wants to do in the Civil War, doesn't matter. Um... You, you took away the your your key cog of the Marvel. What, what number one reason people get attracted to the movies is, is Tony Stark. So to take him off the board and introduce this total random character who no one knows nothing about in any type of medium outside of the four yeah. or five issues leading up to this number one. Mm-hmm. Have we seen her armor? Bizarre choice. Have we seen what she looks like in the Iron Man armor? Have they released and her that? own armor? Yeah, there's a there's a quick um, put the page here on mine. Okay. You have uh, some sketch work. Okay, so it's basically so, just the regular armor. It's Iron the same armor he's been wearing, same kind of styling, uh, a little more feminine. That's about okay. it. It was kind of already looking less like, like as it used to look very like metal armor, and it was starting to look more and more like the way certain artists have been drawing it. Like it was just like a thin layer on top of like it didn't look as yeah. almost like remember Iron Man three where it felt like his suits were made of cardboard. Uh, it kind of felt like that, like that kind of design. Let's go to the next page. Let's go away from Riri. Yes. So this replaces International Iron Man, which I guess was really just 
like a miniseries because by the time it'll be over it was like six or seven issues like that's yeah, basically sounds like, yeah. um, which is really just about his parentage and now I maybe, never liked that idea either no I, I never liked that I never liked that, that Gillen was doing that I was glad that maybe we we're going to forget about that and then Bendis was like no I'm going to make this a big deal yeah. it looks so far like his, his mom's not going to be a named character because we kind of met her maybe um, so I'm, I'm glad that they're not going the more obvious route at least, but then why does it matter? Like, I don't know. So we have infamous Iron Man. So same creative team as international. We got Brian Michael Bendis writing it and Alex Maleev on art. Um, I don't think Maleev's the right fit for this. I, uh, I love Maleev on the right book. Yeah. Um, I have not really been enjoying him in international Iron Man. He's a, he's an interesting artist. I've seen him do Batman. I've seen him do Daredevil. I've seen him do Spider Woman. He's done those characters well. But I don't think I can see him doing a high-tech character like Iron Man. And he does the, the cover here for... Cover looks great. But do you want to... Like, it's not... It's a cover. It's yeah, very much I a know. static image. Yes. Is it a storytelling image? Not necessarily. Um, so we got... So it looks like, I guess, that Doom's going to become Iron Man. Maybe. Like, it's weird to have two Iron Man books, two different Iron Men. Yeah, like again, that's happening more, more and more. More and more Marvel is doing that. These these same people, same character, and it, again, it bothers me. I know. You know, make Riri a new character, bring her into the Marvel universe, put her in a suit of armor, but make her something else. She doesn't have to take no. Iron Man's or name. Make her her own thing. Yeah, make her own thing. Do make her Kamala Khan. Make over, her own thing. Yeah. Well, right? Kamala Khan has a legacy name too, though. Legacy name, but she's a totally different power set. She's a True. whole new unique character. Uh, and they play her completely Miss Marvel different. upgraded to Captain Marvel. She passed on, and you can have that. That's fine. Yeah. I'm down with something like that. That's fine. And she yeah. embiggens. I love myself, Miss Marvel. Exactly. Ooh. So, do that. I'm, I'm all for producing these, these different racial, cultural, gay, whatever characters. Do it all you want, but you, you don't have to make them a Spider-Man, Iron Man, a top-tier character for people to love them. Kamala Khan is living proof of that. True. Right? Absolutely. So do, you want to go, do you want to move on from so, this? The, the, so, <laughs> well, like, Doom, Doom being here now, I, I've said this before, is that... Again, another too soon move by Marvel. He has such this massive role in Secret Wars. They should have taken him off and the... Boom, I, I would take him off the for quite a while. Yeah. Right? And put him to the side. I will say, when he showed up, though, and when Invincible Iron Man, like, what, issue one issue or two? One, or whatever, issue one. That was a shock. But then they kind of just kind of... Then it's just writes him... He doesn't know how to write Doom. Like, Doom has a certain way about him. But this is an all-new Doom, though. We don't know. Uh, I know. We, we, he, we, he's, I'll give Ben his credit. He's been very uh, sketchy with how he's writing him. Is he really a hero? Is he really going to be... Is he still a villain? We don't know which no. side he's really straddling, right? He's has kind of been there as this guy in this, you know, Canali suit. He's kind of being cool and doing magic shit when he feels acceptable. Trying to say, hey, I'm your buddy. I'm your buddy. Trust me, trust me. True. Do we trust him? Like, I don't know. It's, it's going to be interesting. And will... Will he team up with the Avengers? Is he this weird iron suit we saw back in Avengers number one? Like, mm. there's so much mystery. Like that, I have, there's some intrigue with him. I'll yeah. give you that, but you know, I, I don't know if I wanted him so soon. Okay. Next up, another launch from Captain Marvel. She has had so many in the last six years. Like, yeah. I, I, I'm almost losing track. Um, yeah. Here's the thing. I understand they want to make Captain Marvel a thing, and I'm actually enjoying most of the books. And I'm, I like, and I like her on the Ultimates. I like her on her own book on, on Alpha Flight. That's A-Force. fine, and in A Force as well. Um, so this is a new launch. It's number one. 
I don't know the creative team really. I don't really. Margaret Stoll sounds familiar, but I don't can't place it. Ramon was honest. I've liked his art and some stuff. The artwork, the cover art heroes by Dave Johnson's "Divided We Stand." Um, I is it too much to? I had wished that we could just kind of move forward after Civil War II and not have books that feel like we're going to have to wade through the, the the morass that it leaves behind. Like on this cover, it's "Change the World, Evil Tyrant." Like. Like, yeah, does, does it give away that she wins and Ulysses survives and she's going to use him to... She's the new evil Iron things? Man? Yeah, like, I don't know. Um, you know, obviously they, they try very hard not to spoil stuff on this. I, I liked her cycle. Let her lead the space station and Puck and everyone up there and let it run the course, you know, yeah. this, this, this need to always... Why do we know, need a change in creative team, too? Like, I've been enjoying the Captain Marvel book. Like, it's... Is she not going to be in space anymore? Like, I just, based on this, I, we don't even know. You can see, like, we know nothing. The cover really tells us nothing, yeah, which is good and bad. You have a crowd of people holding up signs. She's not even on there, right? No. So I don't know if it's... Yeah. Questions. Hawkeye number one. With Lady Hawkeye. Which Lady is kind Hawkeye. of interesting, because Hawkeye has an elevated profile as a result of Civil War Two. Is something bad going to happen to Clint? Well, he's going to occupy something now. That's all. Oh, that's right. He's still around, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's there. I guess this will be a nice way to... Like, I see it reflection of glass, and maybe she's in Hollywood, maybe. Yeah. She's the West Coast Avenger. That's the tagline. Um, I don't really... So, Kelly Thompson, Leonardo Romero. So, like, I like that they are trying out more talent. I mean, yeah. that's always so nice. So, is this going to be the Hawkeye book just with Kate Bishop now? I guess that, so. It's a fun little side book, whatever. Because we don't really have a Hawkeye book right now. No. No. So. We, we had it came back and we had we've had a couple weird Hawkeye books like we had Hawkeye uh, after Brubaker not Brubaker after Fraction left mm-hmm. you had a, a book and then that ended and got relaunched and we got like five issues of that and then it was over so now we have this you know what I would like to hear West Coast Avenger fuck just Hawkeye where's my Patriot Hulkling Wiccan bring my young Avengers back I know right I and know. have them go have fun on the West Coast I know right and have them tag the champions how good would that be it'd be awesome right rocking in that why not Hello, they, why not? Because they don't want to give it to us. Why? I don't know. Why is that? Like, they won't give us all the young Avengers together. Why not? I don't know. They're, it, it, they're scattered it, everywhere. There, there was, see, that drives me nuts. When you have something that, had, it, it hit that hard was so too. great. Such, it was, when they said, you know, when I first saw it and said, it's not what you're expecting it to be. And it wasn't. No. And it was amazing. It was such a ride. And then after that, it's just... He was waiting for years for the second story, right? right? Yeah, so we got all it, it these got, weird team ups for delays. every major yeah, event. For sure, that's them and Runaways every five everything, right? seconds. And and those weren't terrible books. No, why couldn't they take those characters and keep rolling with them somewhere? Like you've had all these brand new, beautiful, awesome characters, mm-hmm. um, all original, right? Yeah. And they're all live. Aren't they? Yeah, they, like I where's just, Patriot? We saw Wiccan and uh, Wiccan and, Hulkling, and, and new Avengers, new. Yeah. right? Um, I don't Stature know what Patriot no is. Stature, I guess. Yeah, she actually, sorry. Back. She's uh, she's Stinger now, which I like because in the Avengers Next Universe, she was Stinger. Uh, years in the future, she and she basically was a hybrid of Wasp and um, Ant Man. Okay. Because uh, she had the the cybernetic helmet, but it had like a pink costume and it had wings, and she was size changing. Okay. Um. So she, uh, this is what I believe happened. So she died at the end of Children's Crusade. Yes. But Scott came back. Yes. Right? Okay. Then Scott was, I believe... Now, I could be getting some of this wrong, so I apologize to everyone who knows better. I believe then Scott was on Doc Doom's version of the Avengers during Axis, and as a result of kind of good work, 
uh, Doom as a thank you brought Cassie back from the dead. I believe like through time shenanigans, but she has no powers anymore. She was depowered. I believe. I I'm having vague recollections of this. I think he might be she's, somewhat. So she's back, and so we've been seeing her in the Ant Man book, and he was trying to, and then she ended up, I think, having being attacked again and having like something something stolen from her body. Uh, anyways, Scott's been a bit of a dick about it, or her trying to trying to keep her out of his life so that she won't get hurt, basically, and she doesn't understand this. And then there's this whole arc in Astonishing Ant Man where. And this is very of the times, but it actually works. Don't roll your eyes like I know you're going to want to. Uh, basically, I think it's the power broker comes up with uh, uh, an app for, called Hench. And it's basically, if you want a henchman, uh, there's like different supervillains who are kind of low-level superheroes or typically <laughs> okay. henchmen. Uh, you hire a henchman basically on this app, and then they'll attack someone for you. Or they'll do like a menial job for you. Okay. And they're, anyways, so she ends up, uh, because she's pissed at her dad, uh, going to the power broker, I think it was the power broker, and getting an upgrade, basically these powers, so they give her like the suit to become Stinger, this new version, to kind of piss off her dad and stuff. Oh. Um, so that's where she is. So she's at least around. Okay. She doesn't have her stature powers, but she's at least has something. Uh, right. That's still an ongoing arc, so we don't quite know what's going to go there. Okay. I love Astonishing Ant-Man. It's such a fun book. Um, anyway. But here, but anyways, going back, that's where I would have liked... Happen yes. here. It would be nice instead. to have them back together again as right? a team. Those young Avengers back. Their vision doesn't exist. That's okay. Yeah, I know Iron Lad and, and that vision is is off the what table. Happened? I said I don't. I don't really remember how Children's Crusade even went. I remember that it was not really as good as the original one. No. It just felt like a lot of escalation with not a lot really going on. Through reading, I have the hardcover. I have to reread it, but so. Yeah, I, I agree, though. They did such an amazing job bringing those characters together. It's just a shame that we never really got to use them more. Yeah, and you totally could have. Those those, those are your Kamala Khans, right? Absolutely. Right there, all yeah. of those characters. No, absolutely. Right. Captain America Sam Wilson 14, so it continues its numbering, by Nick Spencer and Daniel Acuna. Hashtag take, take back, back the shield. shield. Uh, what do you think? Well... You okay with there being two books? They've, they operate in different spaces. They do, they do. And sometimes they kind of have some crossover. Or they're, they're de- because they're written by the same guy, there's, they're very much on the same canvas, but doing two different stories. My only issue is that I feel sometimes that Nick Spencer goes too far with making it a political book, and there's a lot of kind of political stances being, you know, kind of plunked down. And obviously it's Captain America, and there's a, a large part of his history it has been spent kind of making those those moments and, and making those those stances. I just sometimes don't want that all the time. Like the black black exploitation issue we had in Civil War, the, the Civil War time. Yeah, that was all, weird. All the black heroes all together. Like, come on, okay, again, not racist, I'm not any of people, it's fine with it, but come on, how forced and insane was that to have like, these characters don't even know each no, other. No, it's like, just a very minimal relation. It's like, all like they were black, yeah. and that's why they were hanging that's out together. Like, like, how do you not feel that that's... How do you not read that book and go, okay, this is... You're really trying to shove this in our throat, you know? A little like, bit. And I like Sam as, um, as Cap. I just really enjoyed when Rick Remender wrote it for the old new Captain America, because uh, that felt vibrant. It's Stuart Inman and Arnard. I mean, that's part that's of why. And he was just taking on Hydra and doing stuff, and that was really exciting. And then you had this newer version, and it's, you know, it's its own thing. And I like elements. I like that he has a, a new Falcon partner, um, which is kind of cool. And they're kind of starting a new legacy. But again, at times it just feels that they're shoving the political stuff down our throats, yep. and I don't necessarily need that. Obviously, it's Cap, so 
it's not totally foreign. It's just not quite what I want. Sometimes I just want a good adventure. Um, that being said, we have Captain America Steve Rogers, number seven. And it looks like we're still dealing with this. Hill Hydra, yeah. So uh, it just makes me wonder how long we're going to be dealing with it. I like Jesus says on art. I like Nick Spencer, the way he's been writing it. I'm enjoying it because it's a ride, and eventually the ride will be over. So I just don't understand people get their knickers in a twist. Yeah, Obviously, true. he's not always going to be an agent of Hydra. Enjoy the story for what it is. Yeah, it's just a story. It's not... It yeah. doesn't ruin anything, and if you don't like it, don't read it. Go back and read all your other Captain America comics. It doesn't invalidate those. It clearly doesn't. Read the second issue. Like It clearly gives an out and an in for why this even happened. It's, like, it's, it, it's fine. I don't understand why people care so much. Not even that they care so much, that they freak out, and it's usually people who aren't even reading the book. Yeah, it's just internet rage. This, this day and age, we just go online and just blow up and do stupid crap, and it's just... Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting for the books that are keeping that are kind of that are going to keep going in the catalog. We're not really getting a good sense of why we should care. Like the number ones, it feels like there's there's some element of new. There's either new, like a character with a new creative team, or it's a character we don't expect to have an ongoing, which we're going to get a lot of as we keep going. Mm-hmm. Um, but the ones that are you know kind of going to keep going with their existing numbering, it's interesting they're not doing a, a, a more of a, an attempt to kind of tell us why it's a good jumping on point or tell us why it's being branded as part of Marvel now. I, I don't know. I I think this is still an ongoing story arc, so you can't really no, I know. do too much with, with Hell Hydra But take back here. the shield, like with Cap, like, is it a new arc? Like, what's going on? Like, and what does that even mean, take back the shield? That people want, like, Steve Rogers to take it back? Yeah, I think, I think like, again, they don't want this black Captain America, and they're done with him, and, you know, from the few issues I've read, that seems to be the stance of the nation, and they don't want him to or be... Or some people, not the nation. Fine, He still has a hotline, and people are still calling him. <laughs> sure. You know, that, that that's actually something I like, because that was something that existed in the 80s in Cap. Uh, he had a Captain America hotline, and he would go out and he would do stuff. It sounds dumb, but... A hotline. Yeah, awesome. he had, like, a staff of people that remain in the hotline, and they would get a call, and he would go out, and he would do stuff. Um, so I kind of like that they brought that part back. That I like. That I dig because it's it's, it's again, old school. It's old school. It goes yeah, back thirty stuff. years, but it's a le- it's a legacy thing. Um, that that must be what it means. They they want yeah Steve Makes... to take back his shield and not have the pointy thing anymore. Silver Surfer number nine, love it. I know you don't like it because you don't like the colors and you don't like the art, but and I'm not a fan of Michael Allred typically, but I've enjoyed this book so much. I know you don't like Toomey. I hate Toomey so bad. That is the worst thing ever. But they they really ever. they're having a good time. Here, when I read this, Dan Slott is having he's just this is where his most creative energy is going right now. This is the book he loves. He loves Spider-Man, but this is clearly the book because where his passion is. Because he can do anything in. here and nothing matters. He can just have total fun kind of and just roll with it. And it's no great. One will care. Yeah. And it's fun and it's silly and there's two me, and I'm okay with it. And sometimes those are those can be really good books. And the, and the love between Dawn and Silver Surfer is it just feels really real. It feels well, like natural. Every relationship needs some. Space, I know. I'm a little sad so about that. It looks like there's some shenanigans. And they've there. had shenanigans before. So. Well, sh- <laughs> tell us what the next page is. Well. Yeah. Yeah. Black Panther number seven by. No, I apologize. I can't pronounce his name. Tana Hisi Coates. And Chris Brose and Arts. We already have a different artist um, 
I think that was announced recently that the, the artist was going to be changing on this book as well, or at least that Tim Seeley wasn't going to be doing maybe a lot. Um, I'm behind. I've read, I think, the first three issues. The reviews have not been kind, depending on where you've been looking on the most recent issues, that okay. he doesn't really get Wakanda, and this is like the only thing that makes this Wakanda is that they're calling it Wakanda, but it doesn't feel like Wakanda. I haven't gotten there, so I can't really speak to it. What's even, Wakanda, what's even left of Wakanda after... It's a good question. Read the book. AVX and... Uh, it's there. To get worse. So, if the... Um, and Infinity, too, right? Because they raised it. Like, they... Anyway. The uh, tagline here is, The crew, come at the king, best not miss. Now, my issue here is not so much on whoever the crew is supposed to be. Um, the crew was actually... was a book that um, uh, Christopher Priest uh, wrote in uh, the late... Sorry, early 2000s, I should say. He wrote a very well-received Black Panther book for about four or five years. And then he stopped, it stopped, and he wrote a book called The Crew. And it had Jim Rhodes and Black Panther, or maybe not Black Panther, it might have been Casper Cole, the White Panther, or whatever he was called, I can't remember. Um, but anyways, it was, it was, for lack of a better word, and I don't mean it in a negative context, but it was a bunch of black heroes, kind of named The Crew. So I'm curious if that's kind of why they're calling it The Crew here, to kind of go back to that. Uh, that being said, I don't remember any of these characters being on it, but I don't, I don't really know what to take from this. Uh, you got Luke Cage, Misty Knight... And he got his ex-wife, Storm. We'll see. Not a big fan? Don't care. All right, next. Jessica Jones, number one. Alias, Jessica Jones, and which is, you know, obviously that's their way of kind of calling back to the original series. Written by Bendis. It's also got art by the original artist on the book, which was Michael Gatos. And they even have David Mack back on co covers. Uh, although I'm not a huge fan of the way they make Jessica look on the cover. It's kind of a little weird. Um... We'll see. I'm interested to see what they do with her. Um, she hasn't been used that well lately. She's been in kind of the nagging wife mode in Power Man and Iron Fist. Um, so I'm excited to actually see her as a character getting her own spotlight again. I'm surprised it took them this many months. Like the success her, of the Netflix her, show, right? Her book, you know, sorry, her series started like, you know, it was, what, April or something? March or April? So it's just, it was months ago. So by the time we get this, it just feels like they're kind of missing the, the critical mass window. Um, but I'm not surprised that she's getting her own book, finally. I'm surprised it took this long. I'm excited to see it. I hope it's Bendis' return to form, doing what he does best, doing a book that exists in kind of the seedy underbelly of the Marvel Universe, and hopefully the, the daughter's there somewhere. Or maybe I would like to see maybe a reversal of fortune and have uh, Luke as the, kind of a nagging husband, uh, being like, Jessica, come on, like, come home. Like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I don't Jessica, come home. Anyway, we have The Unstoppable Wasp, number one, by a creative team I don't know, Jeremy Whitley and Elsa Chertier. Uh, it's nothing's more unstoppable than a teenage girl. I'm really enjoying her so far in Old New All Different Avengers. Um, I like that I didn't expect them to go in this kind of direction and give Hank a daughter from another marriage. Uh, that we everyone know, like, no one really remembers that he had that marriage, but it did exist. And I'm, it's one of those things where. It makes sense. Someone to... dug deep in the continuity well, archives. Yeah. And... Well, and not even that. Like they dug deep, obviously, but they kind of noticed something and ran with it. Kind of like, and this is a very different type of way. But when Brubaker brought back uh, Bucky, he was like, "Well, there was never a body." Like, and that's you know, the rule number one of death in comics is if there's no body, they're they're still alive. And yet, for like thirty years, forty years, there was never a body for Bucky, and yet we all just kind of took it as fact. 
And not only did we take it as fact, we took it as his being one of the two deaths that would never be reversed. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then, so when they brought it back, everyone's like, no, no, you can't do that. Like, that's not okay. And yet it was universally loved. And part of that is that people love that it makes sense. Like, there's an internal logic there. They're like, yeah, we haven't seen a body. So I like that someone dug deep here and said, we have an, op- we have a, an opportunity to bring a character forward. Let's do that. The unfortunate thing is that we have, in Uncanny Avengers right now, we have the it's weird... Shannon. Hmm? Janet's there, right? No, no. Uh, in Uncanny Avengers, uh, it's only a little different where we have Janet and the daughter te- like kind of teaming up and showing her the ropes and letting her kind of become the Wasp. In Uncanny Avengers, we actually have the Ultron-Hank Pym um, uh, hybrid is back on Earth. Yes. And it just feels weird that like, if he was just in the other book, he could actually meet his daughter, and I'd like, I'd like to see something there, but I don't feel like Dugan's doing that story. I don't feel like that's what he's going for. Hmm. Which is unfortunate because that, that that's exciting. Like that's that's cool. That's drama. Like did he know they had a daughter? I can't even remember did he? Uh did they mention it in all new I different that, No? I don't think he no. did, but anyway, so she's getting her own book. Alright. Well it follows suit with look at the on you all different cast, the current one. Yeah. All of them have to Is she books. in Champions? Or is she still in Avengers? She is in Avengers. Okay. So she's in Avengers, and now she also gets her own book. I'm willing to give it a shot. Why not? Like, you don't usually get a Wasp book. So, I like the Unstoppable Wasp. Next up, Doctor Strange number 12 by Jason Aaron and Chris Piccolo. This is uh, continuing on, thankfully. And uh, it's got Bloody Reunions, art by Kevin Nolan on the cover. Um, I think it's supposed to be a time travel story, but I could be wrong. Well, we see all his villains, obviously, with Mordo and Dramamu. It's a weird-looking Mordo, though, I eh? don't know. Yeah, it's it's some rough art. And who's the, who's, sure. yeah, and who's the guy with, like, the pentagram on his chest and, like, holding up the two goblins? I don't know who that is. Yeah. And Dormammu? Like, that's not, guess, not a great Dormammu. Yeah, I'm just getting into the cosmic realm here with, uh, with Aaron's run here. Yeah, so. what's his name? Shumagorath? Got Nightmare? Yes, yes so, um, yeah, well, obviously you're going to buy that because you love yeah, it. Yeah, I'm going to keep it rolling. I've uh, I've enjoyed the run so far, and I'm going to keep going with what Aaron has to offer me with Doctor Strange. Absolutely. No, we talked off podcast, so he's getting another book, Doctor Strange, Sorcerer Supreme, which sounds almost like an Exiles That's what book. I'm saying, ripped from uh, their time to save ours. So I'll maybe it's cool. just, uh, maybe that's why Aaron's not doing it. Um, Javier though, Rodriguez. hey, if Aaron wrote Ex- an Exiles, I would oh go over Oh, my God, yeah. Because um, I love all of his what-if stories. Like, that one, there was Wolverine X-Men story that yep. was, like, set in the future and stuff. I love mm-hmm. what he did there. It was great. So, Robbie Thompson's writing it. I think that's the writer of Silk, but it could be wrong. Javier Rodriguez has a cool style, and I think he could really do a good job here. I'm interested to see what the what the impetus is for bringing these characters together. But it's kind of cool. Like, you get to see the Ancient One and other, you know, former kind of Sorcerer Supreme. That's a f- cool concept. Yeah. I'm surprised we haven't seen more of that. Or maybe we have and we don't know about it because we don't read a lot of Doctor Strange. Well, very true, right? And now with his movie around the corner... Of course we're getting a bunch like, Yeah, right. Yeah, stuff. So, about. yeah, I, th- I have, if, if this ends up being, you know, Mystical Exiles, I may have, have a peek. Yeah? yeah? So let's go back to Jason Aaron because yeah. then we got the Mighty Thor 15. Oh, baby. So the Asgard Shi'ar oh, War. Oh, baby. That's right cool. Here. Right here. This is this is my jam right now. So you got Jason Aaron oh. and Russell Dowderman. You got yeah. It's cool because you have like the the crazy Asgardian like Viking ship <laughs> in, in space, space. <laughs> and then you have the the crazy like weird Shiar bug bugs, yeah. and then in the middle you also have um, uh, Gladiator and uh, Royal Guard. Oh yeah. God, that's yes. gonna be awesome. Oh. Now, so is that Thor Odinson? I I would say yes. next to her. It yeah. looks like, but he's yeah. got short hair. That's okay. 
But yeah, no, it's been great. I always, I really enjoy Thor's helmet. It's kind of cool helmet, like the female Thor. Yeah, because it actually looks like a cool helmet. Like the male Thor, it always kind of looked like we couldn't wait for it to get knocked off. <laughs> Depending on who was drawing it, right? But, yes. but here, yeah. like it's got, it's got some intricacies, it's, it's and the way it makes your eyes look is always kind of otherworldly. Yeah, it's, oh, it's uh, exciting. Yeah, this double plague spread right here with the mighty Thor and unworthy mm -hmm. Thor, all over Corpel and Art, like or Olivier Corpel and Art, like. You know, oh, ultimate gorgeous. redemption. He's going to take you know, the the now ultimate that's, Thor hammer. It's interesting too. I'm wondering who did the colors on the cover for Unworthy Thor because that's because usually Koipel's stuff has a bit more like a much brighter palette. Yes, uh, and this is a lot much, more detail to it. Than this, you think, or yeah. usually? No, there's tons of detail. Look there's it. tons of details here, yeah. and I think sometimes the glossy colors kind of detract from that. Uh, this has more of a matte look to it, and uh, I actually thought it was really striking. Yeah, it's gorgeous. Um, it's so gorgeous. It, I mean, that would be an awesome poster. Oh, you know, it's... like and I like that he's got he's got his uh, his axe, and he's, yeah. he's reaching for Ultimate Thor's hammer, which we're yeah. finally going to get to see more of. I'm excited to see what they do with this. Uh, it's sad that Coipel is probably only on it for four to six uh, issues. That, but that crushes me. It crushes me because. You know, yeah, what's the last book he was on was... Oh, I, I had this in my brain earlier today. The last book he did, I can remember, was X-Men, Primer. All that's girl, not the last the all girl cast. Well, that's the last book I guess he was on as like an ongoing. Because yeah. he also did Spider-Verse. Yeah. If you're, just, you're right. If you're just Spider that would have been after, but yeah, yeah that was, that was, that yeah. was but he launched that. that x men book, and yeah. he did what? Was it three issues or four? He did the first five. Was five. it five? Okay. Yeah, I think you do six, but you're the first like five. Because his art's great, and I love that first that first trade was good. He's just not an artist who can be dependable for twelve months of a year. I don't care if this came out once every three months. Please, so you, you if, I, if I could have the art, yeah, yeah, twice a year, I don't care. Give me Quipel. I know. You know, I'm down with that. I'm so down with that. So, but this this, this run this, this this run on Thor, I can't even begin to tell you. The love I have for it. it it's unbelievable what, what Aaron has done. The, the, the You've the, only ever cared for Thor once. For JMS's run. Yeah. Very true. Um, it's, and I really enjoyed that run. I thought, okay, whatever. And then, I, I, even initially, I didn't even read God of Thunder until it was practically over. And uh, what was it Nate that had heavily it? recommended it. Yeah, okay, that was what it was. Um, and I go, all right, I'll give it a go. And man, just... Everything from the the three Thors from like the future Thor and, and mm -hmm. the current Thor and the young Thor, uh, the whole Galactus thing that was really awesome. Um, it's a shame that such a pivotal moment in his overall story occurred in yes, Original Sin. Yeah, that, that's uh, the only two knocks I will give it. Yes, number one is having the whisper that caused yes. Jane Foster to have it happen in Original Sin, which was unfortunately not very good. Um, and then uh, what's the second knock? The second, sorry. Oh. Um, you love it so much, you, you, it hurts you to even think about anything yeah, bad about it. Yeah, it does. I hate to, to, to bash it. Um, yeah. We can move on. You can try and remember yeah. it. There was a second thing. Because I'm excited to see the look in your face when we flip the page. <laughs> the page. Are you ready we for this? From, oh. Okay, so, 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 so drink it in. You've yeah. got some Russell Dodderman art on Thor. Gorgeous. Look at and, this. Look and, at this. Well, it's funny. I love the Russell Dodderman cover, but when I look at the Koi Pell cover, I'm like, well, the Russell Dodderman <laughs> one looks like crap now. <laughs> like, like, it's gorgeous. <laughs> it's an absolutely gorgeous cover, but then you put it next to the Koi Pell, and I'm just like, well, come on. Like, that's not even fair. So I'm going to... Oh, gonna, that... Uh, Odin's son died. Yes. In Secret oh, Wars. Oh, in Secret Wars, yes. Right. That's, and we never, that's your thing. That that's fair. Both of those kind of being outside of what he yeah. was doing. So you ready for me to flip the page? I want, yeah, you, yeah. I want, you, I want you to close your eyes. Uh, I want. I want to enjoy this. 
Okay, I want you to open your eyes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Patsy Walker, oh, yeah. a.k.a. Hellcat, number 11, artwork <laughs> by Brittany L. Williams, written by Kate Leff. Oh, yeah. You're not going to believe me. But it's a oh, charming book. Of course it's a charming book. It's fun. Like, is this that is the Jubilee? Thing. Yeah, it is Jubilee. Yeah, Classic Jubilee, too. And who, is she vampire still? I don't know. The thing is, I'm enjoying like books like these because, again, they're in their own world, yes. having a good time. Yes. Um, this one, it's just, it's just silly, you know? And, like, I'm not a huge Patsy Walker fan, but this book makes me like her. <laughs> it does. Is she a villain? No. Is she supposed to be a villain? Hellcat? No. No? Hellcat's a hero. Is a hero? Okay. No. no, Black Cat. She's a villain. Well, now she is, yes. Black Cat Scratch Fever. They, I'm wondering who came up with that terrible yeah, big, line. big cat fight. So let's move on, then. So next page. Black Widow number seven. No More Secrets. This is this book is absolutely fantastic. It's written by Mark Wade and Chris Somney, which was the amazing award-winning eh? team. Oh, Mark Wade's very busy. But he's also writing and plotting it with Somney, I guess, because Somney was an amazing storyteller with him on Daredevil. They did a highly acclaimed run there. Now they're doing a Black Widow run. It's been so good. Um, the thing here is No More Secrets. I like how in the cover you have her kind of entering something, and it also happens to be her emblem, her emblem which yep. is a cool kind of um, visual. Um, I cannot recommend Black Widow enough. Like, the first issue, it was just, like, an action sequence, but it was so well done. Like, it's... What is this, though, with her? Like, for, through her past? What's, what's, what's this? What's her... Um, what's she's been kind of set up on some stuff. Like, she broke into S.H.I.E.L.D. She's been kind of running around. S.H.I.E.L.D.'s kind of been going after her. I don't want to spoil it, because I intend on making you read it. Oh, okay. <laughs> but I will go to the next page, then, which I'm enjoying as well. Moon Knight number 10. Written by Jeff Lemire, artwork by Greg Smallwood, who's actually been doing the art for a while now. Um, it's a cool cover. Personality is disordered, so you have the, the kind of the uh, the pyramid under the moon, and you have all the different versions of Moon Knight fighting each other, which I thought was really cool. Um, the first arc has been was so trippy, and then at the end of that issue, you had this kind of uh, moment, like what's going to happen next? Um, it remains a book. The only bad thing about Moon Knight is that they lean so heavily into him being crazy. That it just feels like every writer is just putting their new crazy story <laughs> as opposed to really doing something different. Yeah, I think um, I read, um, was it Bendis and oh, Hitch? No, Bendis and Believe. When he was out in um, in L.A. And, and the Echo was in it and then Echo was killed off. No, you're thinking about Ellis. Ellis and Hitch? War, no, not Hitch though. Warren Ellis. Who did the covers? Was it his covers he was doing then? Oh, uh, I don't remember. I remember Hitch doing the art. I don't remember Hitch doing the art yeah, at all. Maybe it's the wrong artist. Hold on. Maybe. Well, I can tell you it was Warren Ellis. Okay. And I can't remember the artist now. Maybe I don't think it was Hitch. That seems too high profile. Okay. But it was good. <laughs> That's all I need to know. Yeah, but I, that was my like first and only foray into Moon Knight, but the, the, the mental... Oh. Yeah, sorry. You're thinking of Finch. Finch, yes, Finch, not Hicks. And you're Finch. thinking of the Houston, yes. or like this is a long time ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, you're thinking of that. Yeah. Oh, okay, that was ye- that was like a decade ago. Oh, yeah. That was a long time ago. So my knowing of time and yes. conversation. Yeah. Yes. Okay, and that's where they really started going hard down the, the idea of him being fucking nuts. Yeah, and I'm like, what's going on here with yeah. Moon Knight? Yeah. And like him being like all like, wasn't he like drugged up or like crazy or had yeah. broken legs or something? Yeah, it like, was messed. Yeah. yeah, I would really recommend the current run of Moon Knight and the previous run where you had Warren Ellis do an arc and then an arc by a few other people. It was actually a lot of fun. Um, yeah, and like that crazy weird look to uh, Kanshu as well with that weird head floating above the body. Like, it's yeah. cool. Move on. The Unbeatable Squirrel Girl. I do not like this book. Even though I've heard it's amazing, I cannot get behind the art. 
I hate the design that they use. And the weird buck teeth, and that's not the Squirrel Girl I fell in love with a decade ago. Um, Ryan North is writing it. I've heard his scripts are yeah, great. Even the sign they drew back in the Great Lakes Avengers, back a few. I've that's what I mean, right? Like I just, yeah. I just can't get up. She's here to eat some nuts, kick some butts, and fly somewhat. I'm sure it's a fun book. I know it probably is. I just can't. It's not like those long lines if you're charming. Uh, you're charming I know, but there. it has to have art I like, and it's to me okay. So this is like Alred's art is to you. Right. Like, I just can't... It just doesn't work for me. Yeah, so the visual medium comics. If you can't dig the art, it's really hard. It is. Really hard. So, the next one, I'm surprised by the graphic nature of the cover. Like, that's pretty graphic. So, it's Punisher number seven. It's not a Max book, but you do have someone hanging dead yeah. on the cover. That's pretty brutal. And well, Punisher's... We're assuming that's Frank Castle walking with yeah. an axe, and yeah. there's a blood splatter of the Creating skull. Creating his skull, yeah. Uh, Written by Becky Cloonan, who's doing an amazing job. Um... Steve Dillon on art, though. Thin lips. Not quite... Oh, uh, Wolverine Origins, Steve Dillon? Yeah. Barf. Yeah, that's the problem. Yeah. Uh, right, the art... I, book. Um, this cover, though, is by Declan Shalvey, who does an amazing job. Uh, it's called Into the Wild. Again, the script is... Like, the story has been great. The art's just not my cup of tea. No, I can't stand Steve Dillon. Next up... We got, oh, it's, boy. It's interesting how many um, covers are just not by the regular creative teams, like, at I'm all. kidding, yeah. Uh, so this is Daredevil 15 by Charles Sewell and Ron Garney, which I'm really digging. And I don't think Ron Garney's ever taken any issues off. Like, he's one of those guys. We were talking off podcast yeah. about what artists these days can kind of do 12 issues a year. Uh, I think Garney can. Or um, they may not know, maybe always let him, but I know he, he has the capability. He has good stuff. Uh, he has very good stuff. Uh, I've been loving the, the take on Daredevil that they have this weird color palette they use now where it's very, like, black and white with, like, splashes of red yeah. almost. Like, it's very stylistic. Uh, obviously, they're trying to ape the fact that the TV series is huge, so they went back with that kind of that feeling. Uh, it's Man Without Faith, which isn't compelling because he's obviously a character whose faith means a lot. Um, I'm a little surprised that by now they never explained or came up with a story reason for the weird flare on the DD. Um, they just kind of new logo. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the art on the cover is by Lee Bermejo, but otherwise it's an on- it's a continuing book. Next up, and. Ongoing book for the Kingpin by Matthew Rosenberg and Ben Torres. I don't know the creative team. The art on the covers by Karen Grant. Not a huge fan of that cover. Yeah, it looks pretty. But I like the uh, the tagline "Man Without Flaw." Flaw. Although, doesn't that feel like it should be the uh, the name of a Karnak book? Because <laughs> he's the one who can see the flaw in all things. I, I feel like this book. It's cool that Kingpin's getting his own book, but I feel like with the character like Kingpin, it might be hard to keep it going. Many years. Yeah. Then we got Bullseye by Ed Brisson and Guillermo Sana. Again, it's nice to see new talent that I don't recognize. Artwork by uh, on the cover by Bill Senkowitz, which is a lot more tame than I'm used to seeing from him. He's usually a lot more all over the place. Um, I think this will be a miniseries. It could go either way. What's happening here, man? Without hope. And you have Bullseye, a flaming ace, two hands together, doing a wheelchair at the bottom. Yes. Uh, well, the last what, time I what, saw what him... What has he done since he was Dark Hawkeye? Oh, okay. And making out with Kurosawa. Okay, so hold on. So in, um, in what's it called? In Shadowland, he died. He died. Like, Daredevil killed him. Okay, and then they, I think, tried resurrecting him at some point. And then he was back in Daredevil by Mark Wade and um, Chris Omni. But he basically, I think was in a, like a chamber, like a um, sensory deprivation chamber, and he couldn't move because I think all of his bones were shattered. Or like I think like it was, or he was, because he was killed with a sigh through him, I think he was like paralyzed. Like he couldn't move, 
and he couldn't talk. And then I think like chemicals ended up going inside this, the canister, the same chemicals that I believe that made Daredevil like Daredevil, like gave him his powers. And I don't know if we saw him after that, but he's been seriously fucked up. So maybe this looks like we're maybe going back to Bullseye, or maybe we're getting a flashback story. Like we're not the cover you're right. I don't know what's going on. Like is this supposed to be Bullseye at the bottom in the wheelchair or not? Or like what is yeah, this? Yeah, bloody hands in the middle. Like where are those coming from? I'm trying to just yeah, analyze this maybe. a bit. It's... Bill Senkovich is not a character you, uh, sorry, or an artist you really want to, you know, try and figure things out. It's very difficult. Okay. Uh then we got Power Man and Iron Fist number ten by David Walker and uh, Samford Green. I'm enjoying it. It's sweet Christmas. Yeah, well, yes. Uh, I'm enjoying it. It's a crazy book. Uh, it says Harlem Burns. Um, like you wouldn't know that that's Tombstone unless I pointed it out and said that's Tombstone. He's a, the white skin was being my first guess, but yeah, I don't recognize the other characters except for I think Black Mariah is the name of uh, the uh, chesty woman. Uh, well, one of the chesty women because Black Hat is there. Gisring ASL is almost Zodiac or Scorpio from Zodiac in the top right. I'm sure it's not. But... No, I'm sure it's not. Yeah, um, I'm enjoying the book. It's it's got a fun vibe to it. Um, so I do recommend reading Power Man and Iron Fist. It's it's definitely kind of a throwback. I think if you put on like a black exploitation, you know, tra- like a trailer for a black exploitation com- like comedy, it had that 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 chicka 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 like. <laughs> You know, but from like the seventies, that kind of like, kind of groove thing going on in the background, I think it would really fit because that's the sentimentality of this book, and it feels that way. It feels like it's just a it's a ride, and you can either get on the ride or stay this off. It's a Danny Rand uh, exclusive uh, Adidas jumpsuit Iron Fist costume. <laughs> Seriously, yeah, I don't know what's up with that. They play him very silly here. Then we got Iron Fist number one. Now this is by Carrie Andrews. He he's writing it, but not doing the art this time. He did the last Iron Fist ongoing that we had. But it was twelve issues, um, so it's nice. That I guess he's going to be continuing his story. I don't know how why Lockheed's here. Is that Lockheed? I don't know, but it sure looks like it, doesn't it? And why can you see their bones? Hmm. Oh, oh. I guess that's that's stylistically what he's trying to do with when they have the Iron Fist that you can actually see within. I don't know. And I believe this this girl is also from that that series. So I feel like if you didn't read that Iron Fist series, this might not be easy to jump into. It says a double dose of living weapons. So next up is a book that I love, The Totally Awesome Hulk, issue 15. (laughs) Now, here's the thing that worries me. The cast? No, it's written by Greg Pak. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> that must be a typo with no artist. No, no, I want to believe that it's a textbook. Sorry, it's a book full of text, I should say. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's not a textbook. It's all prose, and I'm just going to read a prose story. We know that the cover's by uh, Mukesh Singh, but... um bad. No, well, it's kind of very... St- I, I'm, not, I'm not a huge up. fan of uh, Miss Marvel on here, though. Okay, so you got Kamala, you got Silk, and yeah. that is As the Hulk. Looks like Jimmy Woo? After that, you lost me. Yeah, I don't... Oh, and Shang-Chi, it looks like. Is I mean, that Shang-Chi? It looks like it on the cover. But it looks like he's wearing like, a, it's a rifle. No, no, not that one. The oh, one in the front, because he's wearing, like, a... You see the red? Okay, yeah, all right. So Shang-Chi and the apple, okay. And I think and that the agent, trying to grab it. the agent could be Jimmy Woo, because he was a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent at one point. Look at the gun here. Okay, and who's this doing the bottom left? The bottom left? No idea. Okay. I'm trying. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I'm excited, though, because okay, but this kind of looks How fun. do these people all get together? Who knows? Like, I honestly is have this no the idea. token Asian group? Like, what's like... well? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Well, Kamala, you know, but okay. I believe that Greg Pak would find a reason. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and I think we're gonna get a lot of story here because there's no pictures. So 
so I feel like, don't worry, you're going to be getting like a novel here, so it's going to be great. You're going to be getting uh, 22 full text pages. It's going to be uh, Brian Michael Bendis's wet dream. Like He wishes he could do that. Wow. Um, <laughs> no artist on this. I'm really enjoying this book. Speaking of books that I'm enjoying, but this one I'm enjoying, and I don't know why... Unbelievable Gwenpool. You're enjoying Gwenpool. It's so ridiculous. First of all, look at the seat that she's sitting in. That's not a seat. Isn't it Modoc? That's body? that's Modoc's body. <laughs> like it's it's a ridiculous comic, but it's so much fun. It's written by Christopher Hastings. I think that's who's been writing it so far. Our work by uh, Guri Hiru. Uh, it just says Gwenpool, but they have it like Modoc usually with yeah, all, yeah. The, all the periods or Shield. Um, it's been a lot of fun. It's totally zany. Uh, she's her own monster. Um, honestly, I think if you picked it up, you'd actually enjoy it. Like, it's just, it's funny. So it's it, a Gwen Stacy as Deadpool? No. It's not. It's Gwen Poole. That's her name. Like, she's not Gwen Stacy at all. Her first name's Gwen. Her last name's Poole. She's from our universe. She's now in a comic. She knows that she's from another universe. Okay, so this is never some weird twist on Gwen Stacy. Not at all. Okay. No. See, my original thought is that's what she was. But that's what everyone thought, right? But then okay. they decided, no, we're going to... Spider-Gwen, right? Yeah, exactly. And they decided, well, we can't just do that, so we're going to make her Gwen Poole. Huh. And on honestly, like, I think you would actually enjoy this. I know that you're not as big a fan of the weird, wonky books as no, I am. Yes, but there's the occasional one that I will enjoy. Like, I, when, I expected Secret Wars not happened, to enjoy this at all. When Secret Wars happened, I read a lot of the different tie-ins, just okay. for giggles, like Ghost Racers, and I read... You love that one. I love Ghost Racers, and uh, there was... I, I think of that Ghost Rider being an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I'm like a season and a half behind, but they're introducing I'll that take version. It. Yeah, sure. That's kind of a cool Ghost Rider on TV. I'll take it. Yeah. Do, right? It's kind of cool. They have the rights now, right? But they're not even going to use Blaze or Catch. They're going to use this Robbie Rays. It's kind of cool. Yeah. Try them out. And then, yeah, if you want to throw them in the, in the greater scheme of things at the big MCU. I have a question about the next cover. Uh-oh. Uncanny and Humans 15. They're still trying to make it happen. They're trying. Now, she's cutting her own, own hair, hair. Yeah. which is her power. And, okay, her hair is not is, is alive? Or is it only responds to her, or is it kind of acting on its own? Therefore, is this suicide? Because <laughs> the hair is clipping itself. Therefore, no is internal. Oh, I don't know, man. I read. I've been reading them, the Inhumans books. They're just not that enjoyable to me. I I want them to be good. I really Has do. Has there ever been a good Inhumans book? Yes, Paul Jenkins, part of Marvel Knights, universally acclaimed, Eisner Award winning. In a lot of ways, it was the, the book that shot Paul Jenkins onto the map. So, yes. Yes, there is one. One. Okay. Yeah. Years ago. Just so there's one. Okay. 98 or 99. Uh, this is written by Charles Sewell, Kev Walker on art. Um, Sewell keeps trying to make it happen. I give him credit because he's really working on it. Like, he, he keeps putting you know putting effort into making the Inhumans a thing. And I just feel like it's not working enough. <laughs> so... I'm okay to move on. Are you? Oh, okay. Go Next up, we got Mosaic number one, another Inhuman character by Jeffrey Thorne and Kerry Randolph. Again, totally brand new creative team as far as I'm concerned. Um, it says the art for this cover is by Stuart Eminem, but that doesn't even look like Eminem. In any way, shape, or form. Like, not at seen. all. And this is a hero with a thousand faces. We don't really know much about the Mosaic character yet, so... No, it's brand, brand, brand new. So I will move on to something that I do love. <laughs> Which is, but this is one of Marvel's next big pushes, right? This is what we've been talking about. Who's yeah. going to be your next big character? So, so think it'll be Mosaic. They're, they're putting money on this guy, right? Because he's on the big poster. Yes, he is. Right? He's on the, on the, on the Riri side, right? Yeah. So where is this guy supposed to be? And he was on the initial um, uh, one sheets we were getting. The, 
and I think one of the first ones. Remember we were getting those one, you know, the the divided pictures where on the top and the bottom. Yeah. Know, and he was on one of the first yeah. with I think Captain America. Um, Here's something. Hold on, I may have just stumbled on something here. Let's go on back. If you're looking at the poster and you see this so squarish this is, Iron Man-y yeah. arc reactor in the middle of him here, and it kind of resembles what the Iron Dude here has in Avengers, so I don't know. But we know this is supposed to be mosaic. That is mosaic, yeah. And know. he doesn't have armor that we know of, no. does he? But if he can transform himself into other things... Then maybe. Yeah, whatever. Okay. So, we'll see if it if it is able... I think it, part of it depends on, first of all, is it good? Yeah. Um, but also, yeah, are they going to be tying it too heavily into Inhumans? Because that can be a little off-putting for some. Um, I mean... Miss Marvel is has a certain level of connection to Inhumans because she is an Inhuman. Yes. But they don't go overboard. No. Uh, the most we ever really had is that she's asked Medusa some questions sometimes. Yeah. And for a while, and unfortunately she doesn't have them anymore, but for a while she took care of Lockjaw, and it was amazing. It's some of my favorite versions of Lockjaw. The question will be, will she become... Will, sorry, will he become um, one of the next big characters in Marvel, or will it be just lost in the shuffle like Hope? I think Riri will be... Like what? Like Hope Summers. Oh, Hope Summers, yeah. I think Riri's going to be bigger than this guy. I don't think Mosaic's going to... Well, yeah, because Riri has the Iron Man mantle She's the name, carry, yeah. Right? That's a big part of it, yeah, that's true. Right. At least they're trying, as you said, they're trying something new, um, hopefully new powers, totally new character. The only thing that really ties him into anything is that he got his powers because he's an inhuman, human, right. which is not a big deal. It's just like they're introducing a new mutant, so... Um, yeah. You know, at least they're giving you a new character. You should pick it up just to support new characters. That's true. I don't know if you will, but you have a limited amount of funds, but we'll see. Next up is Miss Marvel number 12 by G. Willow Wilson and Takeshi Miwazawa. Um, I, I've always loved Miwazawa since uh, he was the artist on uh, Spider-Man Loves Mary Jane. Um, cool cover. It just is not so marvelous. So it's her in her kind of you know Miss Marvelous shirt, uh, sorry, or sweater, whatever it is, at a dock. Uh, which only ever happens in Spider-Man comics, usually, when people are at docks like this in New York. Um, and then you kind of see a vision of her as Miss Marvel kind of um, re- reflected in the in the water. Uh, maybe they're kind of having a crisis of faith for Kamala, or maybe she's dealing with some stuff in the wake of Civil War. I you mean, can see in the water here a person pointing at her. Yeah. Um, but is people. it anyone in particular? Yeah, or? You can see up in the dock where she is. I'm not sure that's no. supposed to be significant at all, or...? Who knows? Well, I mean, we're no, we know that like she's she's going to be torn, or she is torn during Civil War because obviously she looks up to Carol Danvers, but it doesn't agree with her. Doesn't her necessarily chance. agree yeah. with her either, right? So it could be kind of going from on that wavelength. Uh, another book that I adore, and you will not this is try totally it. Adam Chapman. This is your catalog, man. I, some of it is. So we got Moon Girl <laughs> and Devil Dinosaur number thirteen by Amy Reader and Brandon Montclair, artwork by Small Natasha Bustos. Can. Okay, so here you have another female black character who's a genius. So why why would why just make her uh, the new Iron Man? Well, yeah, well, yeah. And they've actually said now they've they come like they've in the promotion for this that she is the smartest person in the Marvel universe. And she's 12 years old. Okay. Um and I love the cover though. It's it's a Rube Goldberg machine, but with like like you got what Cerebro uh, you got a web shooter. You have what looks cap like a shield cap shield. Uh, one of the Fantastic Four's communicators. You have what is it? Um, Punisher logo. Punisher logo. You've got one of Doc Ock's arms. It looks like. Yeah. Uh, but it's also holding like a robotic hand coming from someone else. Machine man. 
I don't, maybe Machine Man, you know, that could be it. Um, I like the little drawing of her kind of sketching out what it's going to be. Like, I love this book. And, like, the little bow tie, she's adorable, first of all. Like, I love the and character. Double Dinosaur on her shirt. There was an issue where her mind got swapped with Double Dinosaur. So this little girl is going, rawr, rawr, in her, like, school because she's suddenly, everyone like, thinks she's nuts because it's Double Dinosaur. And her mind is in Double Dinosaur's body. And she's, like, trying to figure things out, but she can't, like, do any of her science or use her mind because she's got the little itty-bitty, you know, Arms, Double Dinosaur. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, like, you should give more books like this a shot because it's a lot of fun, um... And her name is Lunella. Like, that's why she's Moon Girl. Like, she's got Luna in her name. Like, anyways, I, I absolutely adore this. Uh, I'm all for them trying to give her a push. Okay. Smarty Pants. Death of X. Number one. What do you so think So we know this is a miniseries. Yes, we do. By Jeff Lemire and Charles Sewell, who yeah. are the current writers of... of Extraordinary and, and Uncanny and Humans. Yes. Yes. And then we got Aaron Cooter, who's coming over from, I believe he's now exclusive, too. He was, he was re- recently doing, uh, I think, action comics with Greg Pak. Um, so now he's on the Marvel side. Okay. Um, I mean, this just feels too little too late. Like, do we care enough to go backwards and find out? Yeah, I do. You still I do. I want to know. I want the story. I want to know what happens. You want to know what happened to Cyclops? My, my, yes. And I, my feeling is the ending of it will launch the and, next Thing. So we'll find out Cyclops well, is also, still alive, or Emma's still alive, or yeah. someone's they've been hiding somewhere, and this is going to relaunch them to propel them with the, the no, next I, thing going forward. I can't recall. In this catalog, do we also have the X-Men versus Inhumans miniseries listed anywhere? Or is that... Because I know they've announced that. They have, but it's not in here. It's There's not in the catalog. blurb about the series on the writers. Does it just feel like know. it's going to be the same thing, or is it is it current? Like, is it after like whatever we've been getting now? Like that, that, or is it part of Death of X? No, I think Death of X would do its own thing, and then you'll launch from Death of X into. Is that how it works? War. They're not running at the same time. Yeah, that's, okay. my, that's my understanding. All right. Well, so hopefully we finally get a, a good, satisfactory answer for what happened. First of all, I want to see what happened between Uncanny Six Hundred and when Cyclops became the Phoenix in uh, Secret Wars. That'd be nice to get any kind of rec- like explanation there and for the whole Nation X and all that stuff, because we never did. I'd like to get some sort of explanation for that. And then also, what he did that was so bad that makes everyone, you know, Cyclops. You know, like that's basically how they, they treat I him. I don't think you're going to get your Secret Wars gap filled in for you. I know. Uh, but at least you'll get your eight-month gap. Like, I have a question. How did Genesis uh, become ba- or uh, Evan become a kid again? Because in a- Axis, he was full-out Apocalypse. Like we're just we're just supposed to forget certain things. Axis, yeah, they they uh, they bungled they, it. They really bungled it. And then time runs out, bungled it in terms of where the X characters were because yeah. it's like Bendis had no intention of doing that. Yeah, because yeah, they were, Hickman had his idea and Bendis had his idea, and they didn't have a conference call. And it was no, well, bad. it's it reminds me of years ago, um, Final Crisis and Countdown to Final Crisis that Morrison had a story and no one asked him about it. Like, <laughs> yeah, like a, seriously. How is that a thing? How do, you, how do you have a huge event that you're building to for a year and do you not have any kind of coordination with the main guy? Like, yeah, I don't know. it was bad. So let's let's move on. But yeah, no, I would. This will give the X Men something to do. Yes, right. It gives them a story that will mean it's something. Gonna, it's it's going to look good and hopefully launch them for something. So yes. I'm looking forward to that because I still love my X Men. As it's my you know. Now the next page is a book that blind loyalty has been read. His apparently was started like ten years ago. And they're finally releasing it, Cage, 
by Jendi Tartakovsky, who I believe is the creator of Samurai Jack. His shoulder is bigger than his head. Yes, but Samurai Jack. That's the yes. artistic style here. Christmas then, comes early. Yes, it does. <laughs> um, I think this will be fun. It's uh, not in any way going to be tied to anything else. Okay, but you have so you have an Iron Fist book. Yes, but this is an Iron Fist book. This is not tied to current continuity. This is its just a fun thing. Okay, yeah. Because okay. they, again, they they had they got this going like ten years ago, and then he had all these other projects, and then he was like, he actually there was a story on Newsarama about him saying that. I started working on this project. My contact no longer works for Marvel. I don't know anyone at Marvel. Do they want me to finish? <laughs> like, basically, it was like, I'm ready to go. That's crazy. I have the two, pa- the two books in the shelf or in the drawer. Do you want me to finish? Something like that. This is like vintage old yes, Ciara cage, right? Yeah. The oh, chain absolutely. belt. Wow. Yeah. This is, I think this is going to be fun. I think it's going to be a, 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 a bit of a departure. Um, and it makes sense though because so, we have Cage um, the mini sorry the mini series the TV series coming out in September thirtieth or something so this will be what October so perfect timing so you just have him walking around Hell's Kitchen just yep. doing just doing samurai shit. stuff instead of these yep. Cage so that, that next could be fun now it's been a year since we've had a bunch of people from the Guardians get a launch of their own ongoing so now it's fine finally time for Gamora. Written by Nicole Perlman, artwork by Marco Cicchetto. I do know the artist, I don't know the this writer. This is a gorgeous cover. It is. Deadliest Woman in the Galaxy. Remember when she used to wear no clothes? Yeah. And now it looks like she's borrowed Star-Lord's jacket? And most of his outfit, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's good timing, right? Because this way, by the time Volume 2 comes out next year, um, the movie, of course, yes. uh, the first trade will be on the shelves. So, it's good time to get that going. I don't know if I'm going to bother reading it myself, but... Because I don't know if I really care. Like, is she a character who can hold her own ongoing? I don't necessarily think so, but Marvel does. So maybe I'll probably give the first issue a shot. And then we have another launch for Star-Lord. Christ. And no art as well for this one. Nope. Yeah, it's a textbook. Again, a book of text. <laughs> not not a Grounded and busted. Yeah. Written by Chep Zdarsky, who I've heard really good things about. So we'll see. Next up is Rocket Raccoon. Again, also no only text. <laughs> Grounded and, and Hounded. So one of them's grounded and busted. The other one's grounded and hounded. So it appears that the Guardians are not going to be in space anymore. No. Well, in their own book they will, but not in their solo books. This is written well, by no, Matthew Rosenberg. The end here. Matthew Rosenberg, we also saw elsewhere. And now, I'm curious what your... You have the print catalog. I think you'll have more than I will in my digital catalog. Which is weird, because I re-downloaded this fresh. So you'd think they would have been updated with proper images. I don't know what this book is. I, all I see Thanos is, face. is Thanos' face in a white bar at the top. Yeah. Ongoing evil. I don't know who's doing the art on anything. I don't know who's writing it. I'm just looking at Thanos' creepy, creepy mug. Yeah. So who's writing this? Jeff Lemire and Mike Diodato on an ongoing for Thanos. That could work. Right? Could work. And we have Phoenix Force eyeballs. Yeah, what's up with that? Well... Look, he's trying to think out a thousand times. Maybe he's trying to get the Phoenix Force. Can you imagine Force. him with the Phoenix Force? But I don't right? want Phoenix Force anymore. And, and, I don't want and, Phoenix Force for like 20 years. And you have Lemire, who's X-Men right now. So Yeah, maybe that's what we're... But what happened to him at the end of Civil War Zero or Free Comic Book Day? Or... He was just captured. Is he captured? Yeah. He didn't disappear. He didn't take off. He's just captured just captured him. Maybe. Oh, that's unfortunate. Well, let's move on to happier things. That's such a creepy face. It's it's extreme close up to the max. Who did the cover? Chef Dekel. Oh, I don't know. Dekel. Okay. Ongoing well, evil. Let's go on to the Clone Conspiracy. Number one, Dan Slott and Jim Chung. 
Well, it's going to look Can good, although that cover's not great. Dead no more. That Spider-Man is a weird... Here's the thing. The pose is... I hate that costume because everyone makes it look like it's like cardboard. Like he's got like like you know what it is? It's like he bought something out of like a catalog and it came with like a like a dress shirt and it has like the cardboard insert and he just put it on and forgot to take it off. Like because it just looks everything looks weirdly bulky on him and it doesn't look like Spider Man in terms of being like being able to move the way he does because he's got this weird kind of armor suit with like holographic projections and all this kind of stuff yeah, right. and i don't i still don't know if i mm. quite buy jackal now having this weird jackal mask and wearing red instead of green but it's dead no more and we'll see what happens i'm gonna read it well i'm Clones. gonna read I'm it all for duh. <laughs> i mean i can criticize it all i want i'm still gonna pick it up like come on <laughs> yes you're playing a little spider-man nothing's you know. gonna stop that yes yes uh next up is you'd expect it to be something Spider-Man related, and it is, but not the character you expect. It's Silk number 13. There's Robbie Thompson again. Tana Ford on art again. One big happy family. It looks like Jameson, but it can't be, right? Who else does it hit stash? Well, then who's the other person here? Is that Ar- Arachna? But the hair is really short. Like, I almost think it's her brother, and then maybe it's her dad, but she that also worked... Hmm? That dude in the middle. It could be her dad, or it could be Jameson. I think it's Jameson. Well, we'll see. I'm enjoying the book generally, so I I will tell you how it is. I'm so excited for the next one. <laughs> for Prowler. Prowler number one. This you is only the, lived twice. So Sean Ryan, who's been recently writing Nova, he's writing it. Uh, interesting cover because he's burying another Nova, another um, Prowler. I'm interested to see if he's actually like a clone or not. Here's the thing that bugs me about Prowler right now, though. They had him in Amazing Spider-Man in the first arc, right? First. Because he was pretending well, the first to be arc, was, yeah. first few issues. So yeah. He was pretending to be Spider Man, and then yeah. he was gone. We haven't seen him since. It bugs me because I love the concept that he was going to be pretending to be Spider Man to get kind of suspicion off of Peter, and then they totally drop that entire subplot. Like it's not even a thing. And now finally we're getting back to Prowler. Maybe something did happen in the interim. I I'm a little bummed that they're making this a tie-in to Clone Conspiracy. Um, they've actually said that elsewhere. Uh, that it is a tie-in, it's a, like a, it is a branded tie-in to Clone Conspiracy. Okay. I'm a little bummed by that, just because the last time we got a book that launched as part of a Spider-Man storyline, it was Spider-Woman, and that first arc was not good. Right. And then after that, it became, like, one of the best books in the stands. And it felt like, when you read that book, it felt like the first three or four issues was basically someone had taken Dennis Hopeless and handcuffed him and said, you want to write your awesome story? You gotta write this first. And he was like, fuck. All yeah, because right, that book was not good. And they gave him Greg Land. No, the story was fine. There was actually some good no, ideas. it was weird. Some ideas in the story. She was there trying to flirt yeah. with a pirate, and it was bizarre. It was stupid. It was a little weird. But no. there was one or two segments in the four issues that were okay. The art was okay, but it was Greg Land, and it wasn't something that... I just felt like the minute Greg Land left and Spider-Verse was over, suddenly it was like Dennis Hopeless said, finally I can write what I want to write, because... He wasn't allowed to up until then. What's her over-under on Ben Riley? Being in the clone conspiracy? I mean, it's got to be pretty high. Well, I don't know. Here's the thing. I feel like they're going to do the obvious thing. We already know Gwen's back. I feel like we're just going to get a stupid Ben Parker. I think that we're going to get Ben Parker being alive. I think that's what we're going to get. Because recently, they've been almost killing off J. Jonah Jameson Sr. He had a heart attack. He's dealing with the condition. He's in... He's in... Do you bring Uncle Ben? The, the one guy you can't do? Yeah. The Untouchable? Yeah. But it's a clone, so it's okay. Excuse me. Really? I think they're going to do it. Do you do it? I think absolutely he will. Absolutely. I'd be surprised if they don't bring back Uncle Ben. They're bringing back Marla Jameson. Like, they bring back everyone. They're bringing back the rhino's dead wife. Like, 
They bring back everyone. There's, I mean, I do give credit. Okay, I'm not a huge fan of suddenly being him being able to just bring people back from the dead willy-nilly. Like, I, it kind of bugs me that they're just making him able to do whatever the fuck he wants whenever he does it. But, that being said, <laughs> I do like that Dan Slott has said, basically, most storylines are all about, I'm going to kill someone. Yeah. Who's going to die? Like, even Avengers Disassembled, one of these Avengers will die. Like, that's the selling point, right? And he's like, right. nope, I'm going to do a storyline. We're going to kill a major Marvel hero. Da, 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 well, exactly, da, yeah. right? So instead, he's like, nope, fuck that. I'm going to bring someone back. I'm going to bring everyone back. Everyone lives. Um, which is kind of the antithesis of everything that... Well, actually, technically, wasn't that the, the end of the story in Secret Wars? Wasn't that the last narration by Reed was that, or by someone was that everything lives? Because everything up until then was everything dies. Yeah. Um, so he's kind of taking that ethos and saying, no, I'm going to bring people back. Everyone else kills people, I'm going to bring people back. So I really think they're going to bring back Uncle Ben. I think that's a tired trope because half the time he's had, whenever Spider-Man's about to die, he has a vision of Uncle Ben. Like Uncle Ben shows up all the time. Like he's been dead for fifty years. He always shows up. So it's they kind of brought back one in Spider Verse, not obviously six one six one, but another version. Another of version, ben. yeah. Well, that's what I mean. Ben's always around, but I still think they're going to do it. Now Ben Riley, he's the Untouchable. Well, they already said that we're getting Kane back. Kane's going to be around. That's fine. Um, so maybe we won't get uh, Ben Riley. I don't know if there's a place for him anymore. I love the character. Don't get me wrong, but I need Spider Verse is did, so I, cluttered I, right I now. I didn't get him in Spider Verse. I didn't get my blue hoodie. They gave me the the Spider Man version. I know. Of him, but here's how I feel about it. Um, with actually, I was talking about this with actually earlier in this episode, episode 400. Uh, there was a segment where I spoke with Dan Gavazdan of the Amazing Spider Attack podcast. And we were talking about the fact that there's been so many... Or actually, maybe we weren't even on a podcast when we talked about it. Who knows? We were talking about the, the fact that there's so many different spider books these days. Uh, so many spider-related characters. And everyone has powers that are actually better than Peter's, typically. Like, S- Silk's spider sense, I think, is stronger. But her webbing's weaker. Or some, like, she had a trade-off on something, but... Maybe she wasn't as strong, but for the most part, she has the same powers as Peter, and then one or two things are better. Um, Miles Morales has the god power of he can just venom sting everyone, and it's ridiculous, and it has no downside to him at all. Like, he just can can do anything with it. Like, it's so bothersome. So everyone has the same powers as Spider-Man, or better. So he's feeling less and less unique as a character. Spider-Verse's big point of uh, you know existing was to show that Peter Parker, our Peter Parker, was special. And yet we got nothing in Spider-Verse to actually prove that. At all. So everyone's... So I feel like the problem is that... And why I said we have no place for Ben Riley is that we almost don't even have a place for Peter. Peter doesn't even feel special anymore. And the, the point I made to Dan Gavazdan is that we almost need to have... Um, what happened in the 80s for Superman is that coming out of crisis, they decided we're going to wipe everything away because Superman isn't special. There's Supergirl. There's the freaking Super Pets. Everyone has superpowers. There's Kryptonians all over the place. There's Kandorians. Like, you name it, there's other people with Kryptonian powers. So after Crisis and Infinite Earths, they go back to basics. They relaunch everything with Man of Steel by John Byrne. And then they have the two books that he was writing. And it was just him. There was no other Kryptonians. And it was, like, over ten years until there's ever another Kryptonian. Even when they had a new Supergirl, she was a weird plasmic you know, entity from a pocket universe. She wasn't Kryptonian. So they made him special again. Uh, he was the last son of Krypton, literally the last son. No one else. Mm-hmm. So I feel like we almost need something like that for Spider-Man, where everyone afterwards, there's only one Spider-Man. 
No one else with spider powers. It's not going to happen because they sell books. Miles Morales is too big a character and is too important to... You just brought him into the fold. You're not going to... Exactly. They're him. not going to get rid of him. But I think in some ways you need that because Spider-Man himself feels less important because he's not unique at all. There's 18 characters... And, like, you had Web Warriors where literally you had an entire team of other spider characters. You have Silk with the same powers. You've got Spider-Gwen. you got Miles Morales. You don't need more. So, as much Silk as... Silk is interesting. She was, like... She was the Hope Summers of Spider-Verse, yes. in a way. But they've kept her going, she's an ongoing. And her book is great, but and every time Dan Slott writes her, she's awful. He created the character, and I remember, right. I, again, I spoke with Dan about this, that she that book floors me, that I'm enjoying it at all. Because when I first read those first six or seven issues of Amazing Spider-Man, it was terrible. And her and Peter always having to spontaneously have sex with each other because they couldn't keep their hands off each other. I'm sorry. I just didn't care. I felt like, Dan Slott, are you trying to live out some sort of 10-year-old fantasy? Or 14 or 15-year-old fantasy? With these characters? Like, it just felt so forced. And then she gets her own book, and it's fantastic. And it's multi-layered, and everything after uh, Secret Wars is even better with her kind of being this... Like, so in over her head. She's a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent, but the only person who knows she works for S.H.I.E.L.D. is Bobby Morris, who's her handler. And everyone else thinks that she actually is bad and working for Black Hat. And there's just so many nuances there. That was cool. But again, I never would have thought that I would have enjoyed that book. I don't even know why I read the first issue. It was kind of like, eh, alright. Like, I was so laissez-faire on it. I did not expect anything. And it was great. And to answer your question, I don't think we're getting Ben. And if I don't think there's a, a point to getting Ben. Even... Even getting Kane back, another character with the same powers. Like, yeah, maybe we'll get Ben, but of course we're probably getting Ben. But we're definitely getting Ben Parker. I'd be sh- super shocked if we didn't get him. Wow. Cool. Okay. And maybe him and Aunt May will be back together. Could happen. What do we got next? Spider Gwen fifteen. Ugh. <sighs> Keep them in their own universes. I don't want them making out and and that's just weird. Like it just feels weird. Obviously, different universes spin at different ages because Gwen should be much older than Miles. As it is, she's probably three or four years older than him anyway. But that's less than the actual twelve or thirteen-ish years she should be different. But doesn't Gwen still exist in her own reality? This is her. Spider Gwen lives in her Earth sixty-five. Okay. She has a transponder or whatever dimensional hopping device, so she can come to our universe because she's good friends with Spider Woman and Silk of our universe. Okay. So she comes here. So apparently she's going to meet up with Miles. So this is still by this is still by Jason Latour and Robert Rodriguez. They're a great team. Spider Gwen's going in some interesting directions currently because she doesn't really have powers anymore. Oh. She kind of does. She's ability. She has like a serum that she can kind of give herself powers, but there's limited uses which is kind of cool. And then you have the next cover, which is Spider-Man number 12 by Brian Michael Bendis and Sarah Bocelli, where it's the two of them making out. just feels icky to me for some reason. Okay. I don't know why. It's just, it's Gwen. I just, I don't know. I Why? Even putting anything else aside, I just don't like that they have to mix universes. Like, doesn't it feel like after all the shit that was going on with multiple universes and, and timelines... And the fact that, like, going into Secret Wars, you kind of felt like maybe they shouldn't fuck with that stuff anymore. And now you just have the spider characters willy-nilly just going from universe to universe. Like, come on. There should be there should be consequences for this kind of stuff. And doesn't Miles have his own characters to, you know, his own supporting yeah. cast? Like, his girlfriend doesn't exist anymore because she's from a different universe. That's That's got to be a bitch in a relationship. <laughs> oh, man, my, rela- my relationship ended because my reality ended. And I'm now here now because I brought a cheeseburger in my pants. Right? Like, that's basically That's it. the one thing of all those Secret Wars that, out of all the things they come and did, is like, 
Really? A cheeseburger? Like, a pack of beef jerky. I can believe that was in his pocket. A cheeseburger. A cheeseburger. Like, uh... Alright. We've got Spider-Woman 13 as it continues by Dennis Hopeless and Veronica Fish. Veronica Fish, I believe, was currently previously one of the artists on Silk, but it could be wrong. Um, issue that she's doing an issue or two here. Art by Javier Rodriguez, at least on the cover. I actually really enjoy that. Uh, ha 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 ha. Uh, I, I don't know which goblin it is. It's, it's pro- hobby. Well, it's hobby, but like which hobby? I guess it's Roderick, because I guess because we have the Goblin Knight as Phil, and I don't even know if he's the Goblin Knight anymore. I think they took out the serum in Silk, I think. Too many books. <laughs> Jesus. I, I'm excited for this just because it looks awesome. And I really like Spider-Woman's costume. It's very unique and different. Like, it sets her apart. Yeah, she she's, has a more... It's a very, very grounded costume, too. Oh, very much so. Like, you could yeah. see if they ever made a Spider-Woman character in the movies, this is, could yeah, be her costume. She should wear that, yeah. What she, what she wore in the costume. Absolutely. She's not going to wear her bathing suit. Yeah. Just like with uh, Miss Marvel, we're never gonna, or sorry, Captain Marvel. We're, she she won't be Miss Marvel at all, and we're never gonna get that bathing suit costume, and that's fine. Yeah, no, she looks better in her more military style. Yeah, we got uh, Spider Man twenty ninety nine number twenty one. Not sure exactly what's going on here. Um, it's artwork by Will Slining or Slinny, I should say, with Peter David writing. The only thing that sometimes gets me about Slinny's artwork is his characters look a little um, like they can't move. Okay. Like, like, look at look at twenty, like the classic twenty ninety nine here. Does it look like he's going to be able to bend? It looks very he's static. He's a hulking mass of a man. But it looks like there's no like, contours in his body. Yeah. Even. Uh it's called Family Feud. Is the title. Now the next next page is very interesting because what does this mean for the character? Venom number one. It looks like classic lethal Venom. arrival. So what is this? Now Rick Leonardi is very classic kind of artist on the on doing the cover. It's written by Mike Costa, who I believe was writing Web Warriors. Artwork by Gerardo Sandoval, who I think was at one point doing New Avengers, maybe? Um, I don't know what this is going to be. Like, we had a... <laughs> oh, no, only because we had Ariel Olivetti and whoever was writing it doing a Venom Space Night, which may or may not have been great for most people, but it was his own thing. And this looks more like it's classic Venom. Classic so Venom back on Earth. So is Eddie Brock going to be Venom again? Like, he was, he's Toxin right now, so how's that going to work? So, it's just interesting because we have no idea what it is. Yeah, I think they realized Space Bomb was in night. Uh, Space Night was a bomb. And it's not working. No. So. It had a giant panda. Love my giant panda. <laughs> anyway. Uh, th- so that happened. Yeah. Uh, yeah, let's, you know, let's, let's do some rebirth on Venom here. Yeah. Why not? Yeah, why not? Why don't you go back to basics? Right. Um, I wouldn't mind him uh, back as the Venom, 90s Venom. Okay. okay. Now we got uh, Amazing Spider-Man Renew Your Vows. Seems like a year too late, doesn't it? Like, to, to truly capitalize on the last Renew Your Vows. Now, is it on that same world? Is it a different world? Based on the look of the daughter and MJ, I'm going to say yes. It looks like it, right? Now, it's yeah. Jerry Conway, who I've been loving his resurgence of late. He was he wrote Amazing Spider-Man Spiral. He's been writing Carnage and killing that book. Although, the most recent arc had a little bit of a weird narrative um, construction. Uh, so now he's writing a Spider-Man book again. Um, I was talking again with Dan. I had to hype another segment that people have already listened to by now. Um, that it would be so crazy if this book outsold Amazing Spider-Man. Like, <laughs> because this is a married Peter, right? And what would that say to Marvel? Like, we like Cologne Conspiracy, but what we really want is the marriage back. We want him, this, we want this guy back. Well, you know that uh, in the latest issue of, of Spider-Man Deadpool, mm-hmm. there's the yes. Mephisto thing. Mef- and they've said that they're going to keep Mephisto coming around, and Mephisto's going to be saying stuff and whispering sweet nothings yeah. and, and taunting him. So it's just kind of weird that that's where we're getting it. 
In that book, yeah, for sure. Yeah, you know, like that's not a book you expect I, to get it. Again, not again. Dan Slott's thing is obviously he got on the book well after all that nonsense, but well, issue after because you wrote the first chapter of Brand New Day. Okay, okay, yeah. there you go. My <laughs> so, apologies. Literally, like um, the next day. Okay, but either <laughs> the way, Brand New Day. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm excited for this book, and Ryan Stegman is no slouch. Like I love you Ryan love Stegman. Stegman, especially Scarlet Spider work. So Spider-Man stuff, and he was great on Superior, right? Yeah, so absolutely. We weren't a huge fan of his Uncanny Avengers. No, because it was uh, no, no, it was something else that we was it something else? No, it was something else. There was something else. Something else he did that didn't quite. Wolverine jive with us. wasn't good. It was that? Oh yeah, because Wolverine with the gun. Yeah, yeah, that was a little weird. That was bad. So I'm excited for this, and I, I actually really like this, the tagline. I'm wondering if that's kind of meta. One more chance. One more chance. Like this is our another one more chance. Is it a miniseries? Is gotta it be. A, is it an it's ongoing? Gotta it's gotta be a miniseries. Unless it sells well. The Renew Your Vows um, Secret Wars miniseries sold ridiculously well. Did he? Yeah. Really? People wanted it. They, I mean, they may not have liked Regent, but they definitely loved Peter. <laughs> Although Peter was kind of a dick in that book. He was like the, the main conceit was that he kind of gave up on his responsibilities, obviously to focus on a different one. Yeah. But you know, it kind of was a weird, anyway, a weird way to go. Next up, Deadpool twenty one, Madcap Recall. So I, I believe Madcap Recall homage here. Yeah, I believe Madcap's kind of in his body right now, or kind of messing with his mind. So I guess that's what we're going for here. I'm enjoying it. Dubin's been writing a good Deadpool, so I got no problems there. Uh, next up, Deadpool and the Mercs for Money, number four. Colin Bunn writing this with Iban Coelho and Art. Um, interesting group here because, like, Mo Mercs, Mo Monkeys. Uh, <laughs> I like this group a bit. You got, you know, Domino, who I love. Yeah. Uh, a Machine Man. Uh, Hit Monkey. And Machine Man looking like the next wave version. Yeah. Like, that's obviously a callback there. Yeah, so I'm down with uh, that. We got Negasonic Teenage Warhead or whatever her Perfect, name is. Perfect, because she's right out of the movie, right? Looking For just sure. like it. Hit, Hit Monkey, we got, um... What's it? What's his name? Gorilla Man. Yeah, I can't remember his name or Ken Hale or whatever it is, but yeah, I'm. I'm. Is he pulled the katanas or the, I, the machetes? I, I can't remember. It's a his Mexican name. one, right? That, or something? Yeah, I don't remember his name. Yeah, but I'm excited for this. Yeah, I'm. I'm, cool I'm enjoying it. Like the miniseries is really before, good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we're already now. It's interesting because now almost a bunch of those those mercs for money. The original getting, mercs for money are getting their own books. Like crazy. So Slapstick by Riley Brown and Fred Van Lente. Now I like Riley Brown and Mike Norton, so I'm excited to see what that's gonna look like. I like the cover, don't try this at home, kids. <laughs> like it looks Woo. I think that like this these are one of the books that yes, they're probably only gonna get six issues if that. Yeah. But I think they're gonna have a good ride. Because you're never gonna get another slapstick book. <laughs> no. Uh and what's no. the next one? Solo. Solo. Alone again. Naturally. Yeah. I always thought Solo was pretty cool, so I might actually look at this one. And Dugan's writing it, yeah. so that's kind of consistent, because I've been enjoying how they've been writing him in the main book. He's writing it with Jeffrey Thorne and Paco Diaz and Art. I'm, I'm excited for that. And then continuing, because there's more of them. More. Fool Killer, Killer, number one. This, I don't know. The Doctor is insane. Same. So fucked up. <laughs> like, what's going on here? Kill, 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 kill. Yeah, I know what's happening there. Uh, Written by Max Bemis, I'm not sure who that is, and Dalibor Teologic. I feel like I know that name from a different book, but I don't remember what. It's weird stuff that we're getting, but what's happening? And then... Now before we done. Coming, coming soon. Blue Blazes. And so we've heard that we're going to be getting a book where it's going to be both Sam and Nova. 
So it's interesting because in, had they confirmed it and Richard Ryder. Yes, yeah, sorry, yeah, sorry. Sam it's and Richard Ryder. They already confirmed that. Okay, so we're getting the so number. So what's interesting back. is that like they don't obviously put everything in this book. So there's obviously other ongoings that are still continuing as well. Because Amazing Spider-Man's still going. Um, I but Nova's not in this book at all, no. and we don't know when this Nova series is coming. No, I'm so excited to get Richard Ryder back. And will he just be a mentor for Al for Sam, or what's it going to be? And are they going to address like, the giant elephants in the room? Like, <laughs> the Hercules Sin stuff? I and is he going to go over to um, Star-Lord and be like, who are you? <laughs> like, you're not, the, you're not the guy I remember. Wait, the guy with Annihilation and Conquest. Yeah. yeah, he's like, I remember Drax. I remember Gamora. <laughs> she looks different. I banged her before. Uh, like, you know, like, all this stuff. Yeah, there's going to be some complicated stuff. Thank you, Bendis. But, but... yeah, I, and I think the first thing I saw before I saw anything else when it was first leaked, before we actually got the official booklet like, that we're going through now, the first thing I saw in the Bleeding Cool uh, listing was just that picture. Yeah. Coming soon. And I, I remember I texted you, I'm like, yeah. it's all leaked. Nova's coming back. I think I sent you the picture, too. Like, I was yeah. just like, you need to see yeah. this. Because yeah. I knew how excited now, it would be. If only it could be uh, one of the two. Right? You don't want both? Well, the writing together anymore? Oh, you mean the writers? Yeah. You want Dan Abnett? Yeah. Remember, he's the one who wrote it. Fine. Like, he kind of came out and said as much on yeah. our show. Right, fair and enough. set the record straight. That yeah. like, for, a lo- for the last little while of their partnership, he was doing most of the work. Okay. Um, he's not writing this, but if he was, oh my god, it'd be amazing. He's kind of busy at DC. Fuck DC. Come here, Nova. Oh, well, be a little nice. He's your baby. Hmm? This is, I know, this is, this I know. Is, he, he, that's the Nova, right? That's the, the that's cosmic universe, right? This is, this is the Nova I loved, right? The, the world mind and mm-hmm. all that shit, right? You don't know that you get that, but the, the, the helmet definitely speaks to that, right? Yeah, it's... Because like, that's not I, the classic Nova helmet, that's the no, world mind helmet. that's world mind helmet, it's the prime helmet. That, when he died, that is that the helmet he was wearing? Yeah. Was it? Yeah. You're sure about that? Because he, remember, because he had redistributed everything. I don't know if he was still wearing that, that quite that right helmet. I thought he was wearing a slightly like not because the, the that was the world mind helmet like that was yes. a, the way they played it on him was that it was always a little too big for his head. Although if you've seen Sam Alexander, sometimes his helmet looks amazingly too big. Yeah, I know. Depends who's drawing it. So Depends overall, now and so then the well, and there's a lot the grounded. Oh yes. Ad. Yeah. Well, so clearly the Guardians will get stuck. The final epic final arc. So I mean, Bendis is Bendis done, done with yeah. Guardians at that point. I'm okay with it. Yeah. yeah. I'm done with it. I, I'm ready for someone else to get some new blood in there. I mean, I feel the same way about Dan Slott. He's done a lot of good stuff on Spider-Man. He's done a lot of not-as-good stuff. And I think, I don't think he's actually ending or leaving after Clone, Clone Conspiracy, Conspiracy. but kind of what she was. Just not because anything negative against him, but I think after a while you just need someone giving fresh blood. He so. has written more Spider-Man comics than any other writer in history, it's I crazy. believe. Or at least of Amazing Spider-Man proper. Absolutely, that's true. Right. Because um, he's just been running it for so long. So I just feel like after a while, you need someone else. Or you need him to take a sabbatical and recharge his batteries. I mean, Bendis wrote The Avengers too long. And then he transferred over to the X-Line, and it suddenly felt like, oh, man, Bendis is exciting again. And then it went on a little long, and then he needed to go somewhere else again. It didn't go on long, just didn't go anywhere. Yeah, but yeah, then he went on to Iron Man, and the first six issues were great. Right? So, like... But- Marquez had to do that too. The art had a lot. He had a lot to do with that, yes. But you know what I mean? Like there, there's a huge element there where a writer needs to get their art, their batteries recharged. Yeah. Um, I give credit to Bendis that he stays on books for so long and has ideas for what he wants to do. But after a while, and same thing for Dan Slott. But after a while, as a reader, I kind of want to, I want to switch it up a little. That's all. 
You take air enough, they're going to kill you. <laughs> it hasn't been that long yet. I mean, it's been a while. It's, it's been, been like... Uh, has it been 50 issues yet? Since, coming up on since it. Since Marvel Now, when I started, right? Yeah. It's coming up in 50 issues, because the first um, yeah. Mighty Thor or whatever was... God of Thunder. God of Thunder, sorry. Yeah. That was 25 issues. Um, yeah. And then the second... Uh, sorry, the first volume of Mighty Thor, I believe, was like nine. Nine. Yeah, and the current nine. one's up to like, what, what, nine or ten, maybe? Yeah. So that's 18, 43 issues, so he's not quite up to 50. Yeah. So it's not very much. Yeah, whereas, no, I'm, I, I whereas Dan Slott, when did Big like... Time start? Like 546 or something? For Big Time? Or like... 646 or something. You would know better than that. Yeah, because he got to 700, right? Yeah, yeah. He, so that's at least 54 issues there. Even if he started at 650, which I know he had already written stories before that anyway. Yes, yes, yes. But if he even just went 650 to 700, that's 50 issues right there. Right there. Even if I don't count Superior, we still have... 18 issues plus like 16 issues that's like so it's almost at least 100 plus again he wrote stories before that he's written a lot of issues sure just like Bendis has written the most Avengers issues of anyone if you count up all his you know new Avengers, Avengers Mighty Avengers, Avengers, Avengers yeah all that kind of stuff all that kind of crap. do you want to talk DC we can talk DC okay what do you want to talk about you want to pause and we'll we'll set up a, a part that sounds like a great idea so we're back with our, our second segment. We, we time never stops. It never stops. Shenanigans. Right? <laughs> yeah, not on episode four hundred. It doesn't. Um, <laughs> so we figured. I figured. So we, hold on. So just just to, just to summarize. So we did an hour and fifty minutes about Marvel. <laughs> what, what do you think? Ten about DC? Like. <laughs> Is that about where we're at? Or? Well, I figured let's give DC not a fair shake, but give it not a an go hour and a half because you know look. I've tried DC. I've I've been there. I've read books. You have loved DC at the time. Yeah. You were a huge fan of Jeff Johns' yeah, run. No, I love Green Lantern. Absolutely. People but... can go back and listen to that episode where yeah. we broke down that entire run. That's like... great. Yeah, maybe we'll dance slot that sometime. Oh yeah. Give him the same stream after he's on Spider Man and or Aaron when he's on Thor. Um, yeah, it's uh, I I've tried very hard with them to really dive in, and you know they, they kind of lost me in U fifty two for the most part. But you were weren't you reading some of the Greg Capullo um, Scott Snyder stuff? Yeah, yeah. You like Court of Owls? Yeah, I think you thought that. I thought I you thought that was pretty good. It, it, it was, I'm not saying it was awful bad stuff, but just not enough to hook me, not enough to make me go want to buy the books, not enough. Mm. To really, how about the first two years of Flash, and then I was kind of I mean, you know, less interested. I love the fir- Jeff Johns' first Aquaman trade that you well, we read that the comic yeah. club that one the, time. The first, uh, I would say, four or five trades. Everything he wrote was great, and I think yeah. that book still continued on its high level of quality. But if you stopped with Johns, that'd be okay too. Exactly. So I'm not saying it's full of bad stuff. But it's just it's not for me. Okay. You know, just like they're the DC fanboys, they maybe tried Marvel, and it's just it's not for them. And they, they yeah, you're a Marvel fanboy. That's yeah. okay. And you that's, grew up that's that way. What it is. But it's not to say that I don't ever kind of go back and I ever, you know, do I want to read the the Vendetti Green Lantern Run post Jeff Johns? Do I want to read um, Grayson? Oh, come on. Dick's one of your characters. <laughs> He's one of my boys, absolutely. Yeah. I love I mean, the old Nightwing y- stuff. Your two DC characters, right? I, would, I would guess, would be Kyle and... Kyle and Dick? And Dick. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Kyle and Dick. <laughs> right. I want to read the book, that book. Just well, honestly, the, the, Kyle and after Dick. After I left DC, the, the, the last thing I read that was absolutely epic, and I adored DC, was Injustice. the Injustice stuff. And I, yeah. it was, Tom Taylor blew me away from that, but once he left that book, it, like, it kind of went downhill. It wasn't nearly Are you as... excited that he's writing the new one? I am. Yeah. I am. Uh, but I don't know if that's just a like an adaptation of the comic or 
prelude to the second one. Like, I, mean, I don't know if you think like a full year one thing or no, I don't think it's a full year. But does it matter if you're Maybe getting not, something but, that he writes and you liked it? So. Yeah, but I, but but I'm trying to look up his other stuff. But nothing else was as strong as that. Only Wolverine. It's, it's okay. But hey, that wasn't in the Marvel Now catalog. It's not. It's What's still continuous for us we know. Yeah, because there's a lot of books that weren't there. Yeah. Which is bizarre. Like, there's no X content at all. Even despite... Because you have in your big pi- post... Back to Marvel. Yes. <laughs> in your big poster, Cable's in here, right? Yeah. Right? So if he's supposed to be one of your core key characters that we're focusing on, like, everybody else here... Has an ongoing... Ha- well, Electra didn't. Except for maybe Fing Fang Foom or whatever that is. Okay, so fine. Electra, Fing Fang Foom, <laughs> Cable in this first one. Actually, sorry. Electra is... Uh, she's in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. now. Okay. I'll give you that. She's leading Coulson's team. Uh, and I everyone so. I think else... So. Here is there. I was in the book on Riri's team. It was in the catalog. Wait, I just wanted to. Yeah. Oh, I, I couldn't see from where I was. Yeah, okay, everyone's there. Yeah. So it's bizarre that they wouldn't have had any. Unless he's supposed to be a big deal in Death of X. Yeah. Or on Kenny Avengers. He was in the center. Yeah, but if you're going to be a core character. Doesn't matter. Anyone else in the Young Uncanny Avengers in this poster? Uh, Steve Rogers, Captain America. He's not on the Uncanny Avengers, is he? Yeah. Oh, yeah, but he was turning his back on them. <laughs> Come on. Anyways, nah. He's not on the team. So, DC, you've tried. DC. I've tried, and so now with Rebirth, which has done very well, which has gone back to some core stuff. And No, sorry. Um, Lois and Clark. When you yes. told me about New 52, or pre-New 52 Superman yes. coming back, I thought It might that be easier was... to call him pre-Flashpoint Superman. Sorry, pre-Flashpoint Superman. Um, I, I did enjoy that. You know, there was it got a little bit heavy on the always yeah. worrisome about the identity and finding a son and that kind of shenanigans. Like very, very like you saw it coming. It was it was very absolutely. It got a little overdone. Yeah, but it was a cool book that I did enjoy on the DC side. But since then, it's like, I don't know. So did, here there was something new. Something did you fresh, read Rebirth Number One? Um, By Jeff Johns. I glanced through it. The word Watchmen ending. I was a little concerned about it. Yeah. Um, you know, that kind of screwed me. I was like, oh, do I want to read this now? With that weird kind of... That's, that's yeah, how yeah. it ends. That's where we're going with it. I don't know. Yeah. So, you're DC. You're, you're Dan DeDito. Sell me on this shit. Okay. <laughs> well, do you have a list of books for me or anything for me to okay, go well, on? Okay, let's... Okay, so I will go with you the stuff I have enjoyed in the past. Okay. And you can let me know if it's worth... From what I've read so far. Back. Not everything has started yeah, yet, either. That's fine. Okay. So... Uh, let's start with my boy Nightwing first. Okay. Uh, obviously we know Grayson ends. Yes. Right? And then I believe... There's Nightwing Rebirth number one. Rebirth. And then there's two, been two issues of his own series okay. so far. And then I think a portion of the creative team or the it's same creative team as Grayson? Same, one of the same writers. One of the same writers. Okay. Tim Seeley's still writing okay. it, yeah. And he's moved along with... Yes. It's twice monthly, like a lot of them. Okay. Uh, officially. Um, so that's the... Nightwing, Nightwing, I think, is supposed to be one of their their, their core characters yeah. they wanted to bring back. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Nightwing Rebirth was a bit of a sticky wicket. Um, it was an odd one because it felt like a lot of house cleaning like and housekeeping. Like They definitely had to quickly end the Grayson era uh, and put him back in the Nightwing costume and also try and set up a lot of subplots. And it, so it felt a little busy. Uh, from there, uh, it feels like they're kind of going back, not back to basics necessarily, but they're they're not forgetting everything that happened in the last couple of years. So there was a storyline called Robin War where 
um, Grayson basically kind of, in order to save Damien Wayne's life, he promised to join the Parliament of Owls. So there's the Court of Owls in Gotham, and then there's that kind of a larger, more global network called the Parliament of Owls. And he basically agreed to work for them. Uh, now, at the same time, he was also a part of Spiral, because he doesn't have enough jobs. So now he's basically decided he's going to become, you know, go work for the Parliament, but really try to take them down. And obviously they expect that, but so they kind of saddle him with a partner who uh, is quote-unquote better than Batman, uh, which is the name of their first arc. So far, it's been fun. Uh, They're playing up him being a superhero uh, and also having learned a little bit about being a spy and him trying to figure out a way how to kind of work against his employers and kind of tell them, you know, yes, I'm kind of working for you guys and I'm getting the job done, but not the way you expect me to get it done because I'm still who I am. Um, which is vague because I don't want to spoil anything because I do right. want you to read it. So he's, where does he stand with the Bat family? Because didn't he quasi-die in... Everyone knows he's alive. Okay. Everyone's good with it. <laughs> and when Damien has the uh, the bomb removed from his head, but the Parliament doesn't know. They were able to get enough to figure out the tech. Bomb to, in his head. Well, he had there was some sort of like yeah, basically he would have died. Suicide squadish. <laughs> like they had a way of killing Wayne, uh, Damien Wayne, without having to be there. And okay. so Nightwing was able to figure out a way to stop it. But they don't know that, so that's why he's now kind of doing his own thing. Um, they think that they've got him under their thumb. He's just using that opportunity to kind of. Just like he did Very with Spiral. Under the yeah, stuff. exactly. Okay. So far, it's fun. It's enjoyable. The, this character that he's kind of teamed up with is kind of interesting to see their interplay. It's nice to see him in the in the blues again. Yeah. Um, and it feels like Dick. It really does. Like it, it feels like Nightwing. So I think you would like it. The as I said, the Nightwing Rebirth one shot is a bit of a, a slog because it has moments that are great, but at the at the same time, it just felt like there's a lot of housekeeping and just kind of trying to tidy things up as quickly as they can. And then you get issue one, and you're off to the races. How's your art? I'm enjoying it. Yeah, I don't remember who does it, which is terrible, but um, it's not bad art. It's, it's you know, I think I'll enjoy it. Does it fit the book? It fits the character. Okay. Um, it definitely fits the character. I'm trying to think if I have, uh, if I have it with me at all, but um, it definitely fits the character. It... It uh, it feels right. Um, they've got a certain you know good sensibility to it. Uh, again, Nightwing. It's Nightwing action. I think you'll like Nightwing kind of doing superhero things again. So that's Nightwing. I don't know if I can sell you on it necessarily, but it feels like a return to form. Okay. It really does. That's what I would really like to hear. And uh, it's nice to have Dick as Nightwing again. I liked Grayson. I actually thought a lot of it was really good, and Mikko Yannon did amazing art. It's not a terrible um, idea or concept for sure, but and this is kind of the same thing, right? Like as much as it's him being Nightwing again, the general sense is he's doing the same type of thing he did as Grayson, going inside inside another organization and trying to infiltrate and stop them from within. Kind of the same thing, just now he's Nightwing again, as opposed to being, you know, Dick Grayson agent, but thirty six or thirty seven of Spiral. So, right. Who else are your boys? All right. Well, we all know. Kyle's not really Kyle's around. Kyle's really around, no. per se. Yes. So, but Hal is yes. back. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Sure. Okay. So here's the thing. So Hal... So we got rid of the Super Circle Power Pack. Green Lantern. Yeah. Thing, well, right? yeah, that's, I think they did it in the Rebirth. But basically he used Corona's Gauntlet to forge a new ring that has no... It's not connected to the power battery because there is no power battery. Um, Owa doesn't exist anymore. It's gone. Well, um, is there now, right? War World's in its place. Uh, or, should, or is it Ranks? Or is Ranks the new War World? I can't remember. But anyways... Sinestro Corps. Sinestro's there, and he was super old looking. And then 
he makes a deal with you know Parallax, but he's still there. His daughter has been basically using this nest recorder to try and. Um, Who's there? Um, hmm? Serenic? yeah. She's okay. a member of this nest recorder. Oh. Yeah, but she's been trying, she's been the leader of the Sinestro Corps, actually. Um, oh. Yeah. That some, that have, some things have changed. Run? Yeah, in the last, well, no, in Colin Bunn's uh, Sinestro run. Okay. Because it had its own ongoing for like yes, 20 yes. issues. Okay, yeah. um, so she's been kind of leading the team. It was kind of a, a, an agreement that she made with Sinestro to actually stay with him and stay with her, but she would kind of lead it on her own terms. So she, she's been basically been using them as a Green Lantern stand in to put. You know, order throughout the universe. Obviously, they do it a little differently, but they're not about terrorizing the world. They're about still putting their order into place. Uh, Oa doesn't exist. All the Green Lanterns have disappeared. They're in a different, um, in a different. Uh, not That's the, Lost Army and or Lost Army and the other one. Lanterns Lost or something. I, yeah, I can't remember I the name. Finished the, both those yet, but. So they're in a different dimension, not dimension, different time, basically. They're before the Big Bang, before the universe before ours was created, basically. And they haven't come back yet. Uh, <laughs> okay. Read issue one or two. I can't remember which issue it was. Okay. Maybe they come back. Okay. Um, <laughs> let's play a little coy. Okay. Um, so by Vendetti, though, right? So, yeah, yeah, yes. So Hal has created his own ring. He's decided he's going to kind of take things back. Um, he let things kind of go a little bit too crazy as he was too busy being the renegade. Um, and so basically he's kind of going to end up probably fighting the Sinestro Corps and at some point hopefully finding the, the actual Corps because it's the book called Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps. Um, and it's been alright. Um, the art's been good. Um, the story's decent. Um, it's nice to actually feel like Hal's Hal again because the whole renegade thing was a little weird and then he fought against Parallax, the weird Parallax from Convergence, which just made me my head swirl. Like, But now we're, it feels like we're getting back to basics. We're not worried about power gauntlets and all this weird stuff anymore. We're just worried about Hal versus Sinestro. We'll go. And that's exciting. Right, that's, because that's, that's the core concept. Yeah. Well, uh, so I know Trost is still out there because their yeah. lanterns are still a key caught against the Green Lanterns, which is Baz and yes. uh, Cruz. Um, yes. Right? And Jessica, Jessica Cruz. Um, who I don't care for. Because we don't need another 14 okay, here's the thing. Green Lanterns of Earth. When I read Green Lanterns, I don't like the art. Well, I think the art's very inconsistent because the last couple issues, I feel like they've had like three or four artists on it. Like it's feels like it's a bit of a jumble. So art, art wise, it's having a bit of a rough go. Uh, I think part of the problem is that it's a twice monthly book because most of them are. I think it's twice monthly. Most books are very bold, but they're two ninety nine, not three ninety nine. So, you know, all their books are two ninety nine. So at least you're. I mean, Marvel has double ships most of its books, and they're charging you an extra dollar per issue. And then if you have a bad deal like you do and you're paying premium, it's it gets worse. Fair enough. Um, the story behind Green Lantern... Do you have free digital with singles of DC? No, not at all. Okay. No. Uh, one thing I do like about the story that Green Lanterns is telling, though, is the it's a it's a cop book with two partners who don't really get along, trying to figure out how to get along. You have competing narration, and I'm, it's actually making me really enjoy Jessica Cruz and Simon Bass. Uh, in ways I did not expect, because I don't really care much about those characters. Right. Um, but it, it's interesting to see that they both have a lot to prove in different ways. Um, Jessica can't even create constructs yet. Like she just—it's interesting that she's a Green Lantern because she had like a good showing at one point, and she showed a lot of will, and so it attached itself to her. But she's not so good at actually being a Green Lantern. Um, so I'm enjoying it. Like, the art again is a rough go. 
but the story is solid. I know you don't really like the idea of more Earth Green Lanterns, but no one else is on Earth, so I'm kind of okay with it. And Hal basically says, you two are on Earth, this is your beat, do good. I have to go. I got other things to do. Now, the chronology doesn't always make sense, because when that issue came out, he was still rocking some power gauntlets, but he wasn't rocking power gauntlets in that issue. So sometimes both, the... Both Cruz and Baz are also the Justice League lanterns, right? Yes, they are. Yeah. Which is a whole other thing. <laughs> but generally, like I, I think you might like the Green Lantern books right now. Um, it feels like they've swept away some of the, the stuff that made it harder to read, and they're kind of, again, getting back to core concepts. Getting are the rest back to of the core still out there? What do you mean? Like Kilowog and no, no, I I know Kilowog and Stuart are still with the Lost Lanterns. Yeah, but do you still have uh, Hope and uh, not Hope? So do you still have the Blue Lanterns and the uh, Gantt's around? We've seen a shot. There was a shot in I believe the issue where Hal decided to forge his own ring out of pure will created by Cronus Gauntlets. There was a shot of like um, Kyle Rayner of I believe Gantt and Sade like. These characters did make a brief appearance. So in theory, they're still out there, and they could be used in any moment. Okay. I don't know to what extent, but... We'll so the remainder of Spectrum still, as far as I know, exists? I believe so, yeah. And, we know, and we know that Atrocitus is Carol? still there. Who? Carol, De- uh, Carol Davers. Uh, <laughs> Carol Ferris? Yes. I'm not really sure, because I forget where her where she left off after her and Kyle, I guess, broke up, and then he was in Omega Men, which I didn't read, so I, I really don't know where they are now. Is she still a uh, love lantern? Star Sapphire? Yeah. I'm wearing the, the symbol shirt, yes. on my shirt right now, and you got love lantern. <laughs> That's what you give me. Yeah. Love lantern. Parker, Parker GL fan, yeah. Jesus Star Christ. Sapphire. Love lantern. <laughs> First of all, that sounds like the cheesiest 80s song star- like song yeah. you've ever heard. Like a, like a Britpop kind of yeah. like... Love Lantern. <laughs> sounds like a song that would be in... Like Deadpool would like. <laughs> Um, Jesus. He's joking, like the pool movie. Exactly. Yeah, Love Lantern. lantern. Yeah. Well, it cuts both ways because he was, you know, exactly. Lantern, right? So. Exactly. Any other books you want to talk about from the DC that you're interested in hearing me wax philosophic about? Yeah, sure. So, um... so I've told you that the Bat books, I mean, the two main Batman books, Detective Comics and Batman, have been very good. Yes. Um, Detective went back to the original numbering at 700. Detective is, yeah, Detective right? something crazy. Uh, Detective's been really good. It's more or less a Batwoman book. Batman's in it, and they're putting together a team, and there's a League of Shadows and a new group called The Colony. Uh, it, I've, the artwork's been stellar. Um, my favorite part, so they put together kind of a ragtag, not even ragtag, but a team of, like, Tim Drake, um, Spoiler, Batwoman, Batman. Um, Is Tim Drake still Red Robin? Pardon me? So Tim Drake's Red Robin? Yeah, but he has a costume that looks more like the traditional Robin costume now. And it just has like the RR in the upper corner instead of the, just the R. But it looks much more just like the classic Robin costume that Tim Drake used to wear, not like the red Robin with the crazy wings. They even make fun of that in one of the issues. Um, yeah, he had it in Teen Titans or Yeah, Titans or in Teen Titans, yeah. Okay. Um, they also have uh, Cassandra Kane, but my favorite member of their Cassie team. Cassie Kane. Cassie Kane. She's, she's around now. She was in Batman and Robin Eternal. I wasn't a huge fan of how she was introduced. But yeah, she's in she, there. she came and out of the blue and kicked Dick's butt. Yeah, and it was, her name is Orphan now, I believe. Uh, so she doesn't go by Black Bat or Batgirl or any of that. Right. But, which is fine, because we have Batgirl anyway. But my favorite member of this... You still Babs? Yes. My favorite member of this squad, bar none, is Clayface. Because <laughs> he's, he's, a, he's a hero now. Clayface. Clayface is on the team. And he hasn't... Okay, every issue I'm like, is this going to be the issue? 
is this going to be the one where I'm going to be like, holy fuck, Clayface is on the team? We're getting there. Like, he's done some cool stuff. Uh, he's like their way of, of getting out of sticky situations. He creates like a mud ball and they just they go away. Yeah, I don't know why, but there's something about Clayface, because he's not really an outright villain, right? Like, he's more of a bank robber or a guy who's kind of messed up and needs to be an actor, right? Like, he's not, he's not seriously messed up or crazy like most of uh, Batman's villains. He sometimes forgets kind of who he is because of the nature of he's just clay. Um, but I think he's his appearance on the team was like, what? There's a shot where uh, Batwoman kind of assembles the team, and then they all kind of shoot out their, their bat ropes, and they're all swinging, and Clayface is like, how am I supposed to, keep, to come with you guys? And I don't think they ever addressed it afterwards. He's just kind of like, what? Like I can't do that. And I'm like, fuck, it's Clayface. Of course he can't do that. Give him a rope. I'm like... Anyways, I'm really enjoying it. This is Detective. This is Detective. Uh, it's, who, who does, who's the... Who's uh, I knew you were going to ask, and I can't remember. <laughs> uh, off the top of my head, I can't remember. I feel like it's James Tinian the fourth, or it's uh, Tom King. I think Tom King's writing the other one. Tom King was the co-writer of Grayson. Uh, and I believe he's writing Batman, though. Uh, Sounds right. Yeah, doesn't it? And with David Finch on art. So I think that's the one he's doing. And he has this new kind of character called Gotham and Gotham Girl. And these these got these vigilantes. Yeah, I saw these weird characters. Superpowers flying and stuff. And uh, they're bringing in Hugo Strange as kind of the villain. And I'm digging it so far. Finch's artwork can be a little bit of an acquired taste sometimes. It's almost too, too richly detailed and it kind of goes overboard. Um, but I'm, I'm enjoying that too. Like, And again... It's you expect that it's going to be a while before you find out the origins of these characters, and it's like the second issue, bam, here you go. This is what it is. Like I gl- I'm glad that they didn't beat around the bush. Felt the same way about uh, Captain America when it launched with Steve Rogers as uh, Hydra agent. Second issue, give you everything you need to know about why he's Hydra. They didn't bother messing around. Mm-hmm. They just kind of said, we're just going to give it to you. So, Oh, actually, quick, quick side note. So you know how... When Captain America Steve Rogers came out, everyone freaked out because they're ridiculous and have never read a comic before. So everyone freaks out and, uh, you know, sending the, the writer death threats and being so pissed at him, right? It reminds me of, so I, when I spoke with Paul Jenkins recently and we're talking about or, uh, Wolverine Origin, or Wolverine's Origin, whatever it's properly called. The Origin? I don't origin. Know. So we were talking about it and I remember... So I asked him, I'm like, was there ever any discussion about making him an American? Because there was, I remember like articles in Wizard at the time, they were like speculating that maybe he actually wasn't going to be Canadian. And he was like, oh, here's a funny story about this. He was in Canada and uh, at a fan expo, expo, I believe, or something like that. And everyone was freaking out on him. Like, how dare you not make him Canadian? They're like, look at the geography of the book. It's obviously he's not going to be Canadian because the issue like four or five hadn't come out yet. He hadn't left Alberta yet for BC. And everyone's freaking out. And he knows, just read the next fucking issue, right? But he can't say that because, you know, he wants people to, you know, be enjoying it and yeah. get to experience it. So they said it was really rough because, like, everyone's giving him so much flack about this. But he knows that, don't worry, he's Canadian. So he kind of, apparently one guy asked him and he kind of looked at him and, Kind of winked at him. He's like, "Come on, like, it's, it's all right. Like, don't worry, it's okay." Um, and then the next issue came out, and yes, he was Canadian. He was leaving Alberta, and he was going to British Columbia. And uh, he was like, "And then everyone's writing me letters, being like, thank God he's Canadian. Thank God.'" And he's like, "Yeah, well, maybe you shouldn't have freaked out before and just waited for the issue to drop." So that's how I felt about people, about people 
with uh, Captain America, Steve Rogers, that just read the next fucking issue. Don't freak out. It's yeah, all going to be explained. One issue, obviously. Yeah. yeah. I actually, I, if, I don't know if you've listened to the Paul Jenkins interview because I asked him like, what made you decide he was going to be from Alberta? And he's like, well, it had the it had the geographical type I needed, the head farms and stuff. So I'm like, all right, that works. That's why he's from Alberta. Interesting. So, where were we? So, so, Bat- Batman. so that's Batman. Okay, so... And then there's All-Star Batman. Okay, we'll get, we'll get, we'll to get there. There's a whole other beast. So, uh, Dick goes back to being Nightwing. Yes. Goes back to his roots. Hal finds a ring, he's going to go back, hardcore Sinestro. Yeah. So, do the ending with 52 Bruce. He's Batman again. Because remember, recently he wasn't Batman. He was kind of anesthetic. He didn't remember who he was. And then you had Robo Batman in his place. And then the okay. end of the way they ended that story is that they basically reinstalled. This is going to sound weird. The Bruce Wayne identity, like his his old memories, back into his brain because they were gone because of the, all the drugs and everything that were that that Joker had been part of in Endgame when he kind of emerged from it. Um, not one trace of of his old memories, his old life existed. So he didn't remember who he was. So he was happy because he didn't have the trauma. He didn't remember all the bad stuff. And then they basically, he had backed up his brain, for lack of a better word, and they basically reinstalled it over his his, his current memories and re- basically reinstalled Batman, reinstalled all of his traumas. So he Bruce and his girlfriend at the time and Alfred. Okay. Because Batman kind of real, Bruce was starting to put it together that I was Batman. You took it away from me. Give it back. I got because I got to do this. I got to stop Bloom, who's the new villain at the time, from taking over Gotham. Okay. What about Robo Batman? No. We're Christian Gordon Batman. Okay. So what about uh, God Mother Box Chair? Oh, that Batman. Mobius Chair Batman. Well, that was at the end of the story. It was gone. John's. Like at the end of the story, he didn't have the Mobius Chair anymore. Knowing there's a couple of Jokers, not kind yes. of. Yes. Yes, he knows that there's three Jokers. Okay. Yes. But, okay. <laughs> Chronology? Don't worry about it. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it, man. Okay, so, but where does that leave? So he doesn't change anything for that burst then? Like Nothing's really just... changed for him. No. He's more or less the same. Okay. Yeah, he, he's fundamentally unchanged. Okay. And we're dealing with a Batman who's still relatively younger in this universe. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, he's still relatively younger. Right, okay. Okay. And there's All Star Batman by Scott Snyder right, yeah. and John Meter Jr. Just came out. Jerry, Jerry, yeah. Read the first issue. Not a huge fan myself. Um, this is a whole different. This is a Rogues Gallery kind of spotlight. Thing. And like road trip type of thing. Yeah, it's going to be. Two Face is the first one or something. Two Face is there. There's a lot of other villains on their <laughs> way. I can't even remember now who there's one of the issues. One of them I was really excited about seeing, but then I can't or already forget who it was. Uh, I'm not a big fan of the art by John Romita Jr. It just looks a little extra thick um, for him, considering he makes everyone look like giant blocks of granite <laughs> half the time. Yeah. Um, it just felt like very like we kind of jumped this into the story, and then it kind of tried to do the cycle back. And two hours later, or twenty minutes later, or before, like. And I just felt like I wanted a little bit more of a concise narrative uh, as opposed to feeling like I was missing something. Like, there's a way to jump into the action without making you feel like you're missing something. And I felt like I was missing something. And they're going to all-star this based on the level of talent of artists yes. that hop on the book? It's not part of the old all-star Batman No, I know universe. it's not. It's still that part of our universe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know they're trying to do their version of Ultimate Universe. Again. No. 
Um, Does that feel miserably on Aaron? It didn't work. No. no. Not at all. Okay. Um, so another old favorite of mine, only when Johns was on it, when he left it, it was no good anymore, Teen Titans. Okay. Or any version of, or its version of the Titans. So I don't think Teen Titans has started yet. Okay. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure I, I don't think Teen Titans has actually launched yet. Um, but that Teen Titans is more like baby Batman, baby Superman. Yes, yes it is. Right? Titans is launched. It's been alright. Um, okay, the rebirth issue is bad. Yeah, you mentioned that. It wasn't good. Uh, it was just it was just a lot of go grab him who grabbed this guy we don't know who Wally West is oh no I touched him I remember all my memories oh no I touched him I, like literally that was the entire issue um, it just feels like there's a but little... they got their memories back by touching Wally but they're like pre well they seem to know things that they easy. would normally know the problem with a book like that is that Donna doesn't feel like Donna because Donna literally didn't exist until recently like Donna Troy right didn't exist until the, the current continuity of Wonder Woman. And now they're just kind of saying, eh, she kind of did. <laughs> you know, like, that, that's the thing. Like, at some times, they, they want their cake and they want it. And they want to eat everything. Like, they're on a diet, but they want to eat cake. Like, that's what this feels like. They, right. they, they want to adhere to the New 52 era, but they also want to bring back some of what people were missing. Problem is, those two philosophies at times are, you know, butt up against each other. And they don't always make sense. Um, I'm not a big fan of Brett Booth. He's the artist on Titans. I like Dan Abnett. He's writing it. So, right. and I like that he's kind of making Wally West the emotional core of that book. Um, I'm, I feel like it's still too early. Like some of the books, I feel like they, they just hit the ground running and you knew that they were going to be solid. We've had the rebirth issue and two full issues and I'm not quite sure yet. Actually, maybe just one full issue, but I'm not quite sure yet. Who compromises the team of Titans? Oh, Lilith. Yeah, I don't know that character either. Uh, Garth, so Aqualot. Uh, Dick, Wally. And I don't think Bumblebee's there. Uh, missing someone. Missing someone obvious. Oh, Don Troy. Oh, an Arsenal. Or, an Arsenal. Uh, Red. What, what is he now? He's Arsenal. Roy Harper. He's there. Yeah. So basically the classic Titans. Like, not the the Wolfman Perez New Teen Titans of the 80s. It's more like the okay. classic of the 60s, no, 80s, um, 60s, 70s. No Cyborg Beast Boy. No, that's what I mean. Those oh. are the classic 80s characters. Yeah. They're not there. Okay. But Cyborg's busy being on his own. And Starfire just had her bookend. Right. Who knows? Yeah, I, 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 do, I do like the... You the like that squad? Team. Yeah. Yeah. And that seems like you have the, uh, the animated series based on as well. Like, you still have Titans Go, that still airs. Yeah. Right, so yeah. you need to have that team. You don't really have somewhere. you don't really have something like that. You can pick up a book and read. Too bad. What else you like from DC? That was a big sigh, people. What was a big sigh? That was a big sigh, and then a sigh. copious um, uh, silence. Yeah. Um, what would you read? At one point, I. Aquaman's been okay. I mean, it, it, Aquaman more than most feels like it's not really a fresh start necessarily, just because Dan Abnett was writing it pre-Rebirth and now he's writing it now. So it just kind of feels like he's furthering his story. He's rolled through just kind of like what uh, 52 did to Green Lantern? Yeah, a little bit. And that's not a bad thing. Um, I mean, obviously it does provide some jumping on points, um, kind of a new... You're setting something up for what Black Man is going to be working with and doing. You set up a new kind of embassy for Atlantis on Earth, uh, on the surface, I should say. Like, they're starting some elements, uh, but 
you know, stylistically, it's still the old, you know, it still feels like the, there's nothing drastically new about it, and that's kind of nice, because there was nothing broken. Um, I love action comics. I think it's been fantastic. Dan Jurgens is writing it. He's been writing a, a fun um, Doomsday story. He's the creator of the character. So. Yeah, he's an old school Superman writer too, right? So yeah, very cool. old school. Like he's the one who created. He is the death of Superman. When you think about it, when you yeah. think of the, the, that last issue, it is that was his art. Uh, he's doing a great job so far. Um, it's very action packed. Like it lives up to the name. You're having, comics, yeah. Exactly. You're getting uh, the first few issues had you know Superman and and Lex Luthor, and then later Wonder Woman fighting against Doomsday. Um, it is playing some of the same beats over and over again. But I still feel like it ratchets up, ratchets up the stakes each time. So even though I'm getting four or five issues of Superman fighting Doomsday, I feel like it's not the same aspect of the fight each time. Like I feel like there's something different enough about it that it still feels fresh, and I don't feel like I'm knocking my head against the wall because it's still going on. Um, so you get you get our the classic. Superman it's classic match. Doomsday. It's not New 52 Doomsday. They make mention of the fact that that Doomsday already existed. And we're not really sure where this Doomsday came from. And it looks like it might have been from another reality complete, completely. And this Mr. Oz person must might be involved. Huh. So, it's kind of interesting. I like it a lot. Um, and also, I like seeing... Okay, One thing I, I'm bummed about is I'm sad that Superman lost the beard. Um, and I think part of it is because it felt like everyone who illustrated him with the beard... I don't know if it's just because he had the beard or something else, but he looked older. He, yeah. He looked like a, the elder statesman. He's grown up, yeah. Like, he almost, like, not to the same degree, but he almost looked like Earth 2 Superman to classic Earth 1 Superman for him compared to Earth um, New 52 Superman. You know what I mean? Like, he had that air of distinction. Uh, in the like, first issue of Action Comics, he shaves off his beard using, I believe, part of his spaceship to heat vision off. That's supposed to be the way he can, he can shave. So he was sha- a classic nerd argument, right? How does he shave? <laughs> yeah. So Hilarious. He, he was shaving his face, and so he doesn't have the beard anymore. And they just make him look young. And he's wearing a costume that... He doesn't have the shorts, but it's still not quite the new 52 costume, because he doesn't have the armor. It's still a costume. doesn't have the collar either, right? Yeah, it doesn't have the collar. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I just wish he looked a little older. I thought most artists can't quite nail it without him having facial hair. Facial hair, I guess, is just an easy out. It just yeah, adds, probably. It just adds a certain you know element. And seeing him without the facial hair is a little bit. But weird. isn't he? He's a little bigger. Like I think the original. A little. E fifty two was a little slender. I guess. Mm, right. Yeah, but I, I want something in the yeah, face. No, I, I don't disagree with you. But you're right. Yeah. Like he's still. They make him look big. Yeah. Uh, and he really has an axe to grind with Luther. Like he hates Luther. He's just like I can't trust the Luther. There's no matter what. He's a Luther. Because um, so he's still trying to be a guy now. He's trying to be you know Superman. That's been a really strong book. Um, then there's Superman, uh, which is a lot about Clark and his son. Um, I'm re- that, that kind of, does that continue on what we had in Lewis and Clark, essentially? Essentially, yeah. More so than Action Comics. I mean, Action Comics is, still has an element of that, and Dan Jurgens wrote that and Lewis and Clark. Whereas, um, he's not writing Superman, but guess he's writing Superman? Peter J. Tomasi, who we liked from Green Lantern yes, Corps. Yes, we do. Yeah. Uh, and the artist is Patrick Gleason, who was his artist on that yes, as well. Yeah. So they're a very solid team. We know they're a very known quantity to us. You and I already like them. Uh, and again, it's kind of funny that we have Doomsday in Action Comics and we have the Eradicator in Superman. So, the Eradicator? Yeah. 
Wow, there's a name. Yeah, flash in the past. Exactly. So wow. it feels it feels old Which school. Which rat? Like an all new eradicator or like? Uh, no, he feels more like the pre flashpoint eradicator. Although he has this weird thing with his mouth where he kind of like opens up and tries to like suck things out. Like it's weird. But everything else, he has the like the shades. Yeah. Like he looks like eradicator. Well, black and red cape and more or less. Yeah. More or less. Oh. And uh, I, I again, John Kent is starting to wear like a like a has a jacket with like a, the Superman emblem on it. Like I love that character because you hate Damian Wayne because he's a dick, right? I hate Damian Wayne so. So bad. this is this this character is the exact opposite yeah, because he's Superman's son, right? <laughs> so Batman's son would be an <laughs> asshole, and Superman's son would be like this lovable guy that you just want to you would like your your son to be friends with this kid. Actually, maybe not because he accidentally killed a dog. That's his own thing. He has heat vision. He can't control yeah, it. Yeah, yet. I get it. It's yeah. upsetting. Very upsetting. I'm not even a dog person. Though. I was like, "Holy shit! Don't kill the dog." I mean, between that and vision, that was two dogs killed in a month. Like, oh my god, <laughs> Christ! I mean, in, <laughs> vision was a lot more upsetting though, because in vision they yeah. performed like a lobotomy on the dog and then created a, a, a synthesoid dog based on that dog's mental patterns. Like, that's fucked up. As I said, you gotta read Vision. Like, it's so good. <laughs> Um, so that, so that, those two Superman books have been so solid, and they come out every two weeks, or, because they, they, I think they come out together, like, I think Action and Detective come out at the same time, and then Superman and Batman come out on the same week. They've been so, super solid. I just read the launch of Superwoman, that was, like, great. Like, and there's... You mentioned that, and this is with... 52 this is uh, yes this is uh, DC 52 new new 52 Lois new 52 Lana's in it I'm not going to give away any of the spoilers of the first issue but there was a surprise that I don't remember reading about it happening but the book's about more than I expected and another character that I didn't expect technically kind of um, so I'm, I'm really digging it. And Phil Jimenez is writing it and illustrating it. And he loves Superwoman. You can tell, like he's, this is something he really feels like a passion project. Like you can tell when an artist really cares and he puts a lot of care into the art and care into the story. And there's just something there. Like he really is putting something of himself into it. This feels like a passion project. Do we need Lois to be a super person? I don't mind. Basically, Superman died and there was a big blast when he died and basically an energy's expelled from him. Which makes sense because he also has that weird solar flare power, and basically Lois absorbs some of his powers. That's it. That's all you need to know. Right. And now she's trying to learn how to use them and trying to be a superwoman Could as we well. Know if this be permanent temporary power set. Uh, we don't know how permanent it is, and the first issue makes you wonder. But uh, there's some. I. I think it's going to be going for a while. So is. Pre Flashpoint Lois still going to be. Yes. Not, not Lois Smith or whatever. Yeah, she's gonna go by whatever name they've. I think it was Lois Smith, right? Because weren't they going after or White? White. Lois White. Lois White yeah, because yeah, it's a nice t- nod there. I think she's still going by that. You know, okay. it's interesting that they kind of occupy the same space on, on this world, but. Right. And but, what about Clark? Is he Clark Kent? We don't know what's going on with Clark. Okay, so Clark is Clark White, but we haven't seen a lot of him on his own so far because. We saw him with his family in Superman, but in action comics, he's just been more just been doing action. Um, we've also seen a, a powerless Clark Kent show up in action comics, and everyone's like, aren't you Superman? And he's like, no, I'm not Superman. I went, what? I wasn't Superman. Like, it's just weird. Like, we don't really know what's going on yet. Yeah, because we saw Superman die, and we have, a, as far as the people of Metropolis are concerned, Superman's dead. Now there's uh, Lex going around with the next S-Shield, 
Then we have a new Superman show up that no one recognizes. And like, well, what the hell? Didn't Superman just die? This other Superman looks like Superman, but looks a little older. But doesn't actually, because the art can't do that. Uh, then we've got Superwoman. Uh, talk about too many supers. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> we're, about to, we're about to have Supergirl launch. Uh, there's no Superboy. Oh, sorry, there is, because there's John. So there, although he hasn't kind of gone public yet. It's confusing. Power Girl? She's not around. Because Has she, she ever been? Yes. Because but she, not. Yes, sorry. Yeah, she was Earth on this two world. Something. So she was Supergirl in her world, on Earth Two. Then she came here and she was Power Girl with Huntress. With Huntress, yes. Who was actually Helena Wayne, who was previously Robin. Then they went back to their world, and then there was a new woman calling herself Power Girl, but I can't remember exactly how she got her powers. But it was not in any way related to Kryptonian. But I don't know if she's really around or active right now. I think she was in Teen Titans at some point. I don't know everything. There's a lot of Marvel, DC yeah, books I don't read. No, for sure. Uh, oh. like, I read a lot of books already. So yeah, no. I don't know how I keep it all straight in this cranium. <laughs> um, but yeah, Superwoman's been great. I'm excited about the upcoming launch of Supergirl. I'm trying to think. Is the same, like, his cousin stuff? Uh, yeah. Okay. Because she's already been in the New 52. She had a launch book. No, I know. I just... You remember the Red Daughter? Red, she had the, the Rage, right? She was a Red Lantern for a while. Uh, there's a bunch of books that haven't really launched or I haven't had a chance to read yet. Um, some of them including like Deathstroke is getting a rebirth. I've heard it's really good. It's written by Christopher Priest. I was who, curious about his 52 stuff. And I read, I read so the first uh, series was awful. Okay. Um, like really bad. Um, I think Life was involved. I could be wrong. Um, but later on, he had a book that I, that I have enjoyed, um, that I, where, although he got de-aged and that was never well explained, but the rest of it was cool. And, uh, him, you know, trying to protect his family and ended up going up against Ra's al Ghul. And now I haven't read the rebirth yet, so I don't know where they're going like with it. But he's like still a quanti, like he's still an anti-hero. He's not really... He's still an anti-hero, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Earth 2 Society's still going. Green Arrow's been kind of fun. Um, they've been kind of, you know, sh- kind of pushing him back to what we recognize as Green Arrow, like kind of being, feeling older and not looking as young anymore. Like he was definitely very young when we first saw him in like Justice League and Justice League of America. Oh right? yeah, yeah. Holy crap. Yeah. And now he's got the goatee back. He's looking a little bit older. They're putting Black Canary in the book. So they're trying to get a romance going there. So it's starting to feel a little bit more classic. I don't think you're necessarily a big Green Arrow fan. So I don't think that's going to stop, start you, start you on your way. Uh, there's Harley Quinn. I haven't read it myself. So I can't actually speak to it. There's a big boom for her right now. So. Huge yeah. boom for her. There's new Superman, uh, which is interesting. It's kind of about a kind of a dick kid who ends up getting superpowers as part of a, a program in China. Um, it's different. It's I believe by Greg Bach. I could be completely wrong. Actually, it's not by Greg Bach. Sorry. Superman? It's called New Super Dash Man by Gene oh. Wen Yang. Um, it's it's very different, and it, it kind of feels like it's more of its own beast. It's a new concept, which is interesting because a lot of the concepts we're getting now are just throwbacks, right? So they're actually throwing in a new one just to mess with you. <laughs> uh, we've got Red Hood and the Outlaws. I have not had a chance to read the Rebirth of that yet. Uh, I don't, but it looks like the Outlaws that are going to be on his team is wackadoodle. That's the best word to describe it. Wackadoodle. Yeah. Like, seriously, wackadoodle. Like, it's a dark trinity. Like, Bizarro, like, as there's kind of Supermanish character. Red Hood is the. Batmanish character, and then I can't even remember who this Wonder Womanish character is. Pass. Pass. Okay, I've read it. Maybe it's amazing. I just <laughs> um, there's a new Suicide Squad, 
which I thought Jim Lee was supposed to be illustrating, but I think the Rebirth issue happened, which I actually liked because it felt like it was well-timed because we've already had Suicide Squad, a new Suicide Squad, and now they're kind of putting the team back together again, but now they're bringing in Rick Flagg, who does not previously exist in the New 52. Uh, and he's kind of the classic kind of leader of the Suicide Squad. Well, the field leader, not actually the leader, because that's Amanda Waller. He's in the movie. It makes sense to bring him back. Uh, finally have him show up in this universe. I'm okay with that. Huh. You're not going to read it, so... No. Oh, they might read the Jim, the Jim Lee issues. Oh, the stuff too. will be pretty. And they will be very pretty. I'm trying to remember what else... Uh, has launched already. Aquaman, as I said, didn't feel like a brand new thing. Batgirl is kind of, excuse me, interesting that um, they're taking her out of the Burnside area where she had been for the last, I guess, maybe year or so, uh, which is stories I didn't really like a lot. I just didn't like the, the art and it felt a little silly and it didn't feel as grown up as Batgirl had felt when Gail Simone was running. Now she's basically on, I guess, a trip to learn more about certain styles and kind of go on a road trip to better her skills uh, and learn from different kind of masters around the world and that's kind of cool so pulling a Bruce Wayne absolutely uh, and kind of freeing herself from you know what she was doing and doing something new and then there's Batgirl and the Birds of Prey which is kind of a weird book because they're kind of now trying to say oh wait there was Birds of Prey previously even though when they brought together the last iteration of the Birds of Prey, Batgirl wasn't even a part of it originally. They're basically trying to say that, yes, there was a Birds of Prey where it was her and Oracle. Sorry, she was Oracle, and she was doing it with Black Canary, and that that's a legitimate thing. Um, I'm digging it so far, and they're bringing the New 52 version of Huntress into it, who's the slightly different version of Helena Bertinelli. Uh, but they're kind of still telling a classic story, so it still feels kind of like... Uh, like old school Birds of Prey, but still new school enough. It's it's interesting. But you're talking like Black Canary, yes, Oracle. They have back. They have a history. Basically, they're saying that while Batgirl, before she had her magical surgery to fix her, she was Oracle, and she had a team with just her and Black Canary, and they did missions together. Um, and she, Black Canary was her her arms and legs basically. And then now she she shut that all down because she. Was she could be Batgirl again, so she didn't bother being Oracle anymore. Okay, see, I never knew how they fixed Barbara from 52. In the first issue, they basically explained that she'd had a, some sort of magical surgery. Not magical, but that she'd had cutting cutting edge surgery and that maybe the paralysis wasn't as bad as it was in the pre-New 52, so it was well enough that she was able to get it fixed, and it took a while for a lot of physical therapy, but eventually she could be Batgirl again. Huh. But that she was Oracle in the meantime. Is what they're basically building into her backstory now. Interesting. So, Killing Joke most Where definitely happened. Brown? Spoiler. What about her? She's around. Okay. She first showed up in Batman Eternal, and then she was also in Batman and Robin Eternal, and uh, now she's in was Detective. Was she ever actually a Robin? No. She's, she's, she's just recently kind of come into the world. Okay. And she's just spoiler. And she's starting to flirt with, with Robin. Or Tim Drake, I should say. Okay. Not Damian Wayne. A little young for her. So there's a Red Robin and a Robin. Yes, there is. Okay. And then there's Dick. Oh, and then there's Duke. You remember Duke? Okay, so Duke is a kid that was in Zero Year, or Zero, whatever it's called. I think it was Zero Year, right? Or Year Zero? No, Zero Year, um, which was the uh, Snyder story that happened the first year that Batman was on the stage. Basically, he helped, he saved this kid named Duke Thomas. Duke Thomas has kind of been around. He's very smart. He's athletic. His parents kind of got, unfortunately, kind of, uh, they were victims of 
uh, Joker's rampage in Endgame. After Batman supposedly died, he became part of a youth group, a youth, a youth movement called the Robins that were actually put together by Alfred, which is kind of weird because you don't think he would actually advocate that. And now he's kind of training, training with with Bruce, but not to be a Robin, to be something else. We don't really know what his name is going to be yet. I can't remember if that's in Detective or not, or which, or actually that might have been in All Star. I think All Star is where they have that in the backup. There's a backup in All Star, and I believe it's Snyder writing the training of Duke Thomas. So he's a, okay. So he's around as well. There's a lot of stuff. Yeah. Read Detective Comics. Read Action Comics. Read Batman. Read Superman. Like if you just read those four, you'd be a very happy man. Read, read the the core Batman. The, those core books are very solid. Justice League is okay. Um, it feels very similar to the last Justice League book that we got that um, that uh, Brian Hitch wrote. Uh, now he's just writing, not illustrating anymore. And you have Tony S. Daniel on art, and it looks great. Um, Daniel, yeah, nice. Okay. Yeah, and it's cool that they're kind of the idea that Batman's really doesn't want to add. Or sorry, ask Superman to join the team. Like he really doesn't want him there because he doesn't trust him. He doesn't know what to make of this new Superman, but he knows that he needs a Superman as well. Um, they need his power set. They need his capabilities. It's an interesting book so far. So far, we haven't had a lot of the team interacting. There's been a lot of kind of on their own uh, solo solo things, like going up against like earthquakes and stuff. But uh, it's pulling together, so I think it'll be interesting. Is there a Manhunter in this? No, he's not part of the team. He, who knows where he is? I don't know. Wasn't he a Stormwatch Justice League or Stormwatch? He was in Stormwatch. Then he was in Justice League of America, and then something weird happened in his own ongoing, and I have no idea where he is now. He's not a founding, you know, member of the Justice League. He's not apparently super important to DC's plans, (laughs) which is fine. I mean, he's not going to be in a movie, right? Forgetting Cyborg. He's He's in Supergirl, current TV show. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. But they, they don't care as much about that stuff. Sometimes. I don't know. It's weird. So they're good at that. They're good at small screen. Anything else you want to know about DC? We're uh, at that 50-minute mark. Do you want to even worry about Wonder Woman? Oh, actually, yes. So Wonder Woman's been good. Um, the It's been by, by Greg Rucka. He's doing two alternate... Um, uh, oh, is it alternating issues? Alternating issues, Possibly yeah. Future? Okay. Yeah, so you're getting... So almost, a, to a degree, a, a Thor effect. Just yes. Two instead of three. Yeah. So you're getting you're getting a very good you know current story with her and Cheetah, uh, which is actually really interesting and engaging. And then you're also getting a flashback story by Nicholas Scott doing there, which is gorgeous, which is kind of retelling again the origin of Wonder Woman and Steve Trevor. I say again because I just recently earlier this year they had uh, Wonder Woman Earth One, which I didn't really like. That was Morrison, right? Grant Morrison. And yeah. Yeah. Easy. I wasn't a huge fan. It was. I don't know. Now I do like this idea, and it's played around with in the new in the origin now uh, that um, um, uh, Hippolyta is a, a lesbian. Like I guess that makes sense of them. You know, it's a nation of all women that there wouldn't be men, so that there'd be romantic relationships with other women. Which I don't think anyone's really done that before. I know that Morrison played with it in Earth One, but or whatever that was, uh, but. It's kind of an interesting concept because that makes sense, and I don't know if that's ever really been explored before. And I like that. I think that adds dimension to the Amazons because usually they aren't given many dimensions. They're just kind of there, and then they push Donna, or sorry, not Donna, Diana, out into man's world, and then that's it. Yeah. Um, so I like that they're kind of been given a little bit more to do. So that part I like. But again, it's only four or five, what maybe six uh, months total. 
after reading Earth One, like we just got a retelling of the origin. Yes, it was Morrisonized, but it still was Wonder Woman's origin, and then we're getting the origin again next year uh, in the movie, which is obviously why they're doing the origin here, so we have something that's more in continuity and right. not as Morrison crazy. Uh, but I thought those Earth One books were all their own continuity. Their own they are absolutely, okay. but it's just there's, there's only the stories can only vary by so much sometimes, right? Um, like Superman you know what Superman is. Like They can't be that different. Yeah, the plant blows up, he lands on Earth. Yeah. They, they can, farmers, they, done. Exactly. They yeah. can play it a little differently here and there, but for the most part, it's going to be the same. Uh, you can try to shade it a little differently. Like, Batman definitely tried that in the Batman Earth 1 volumes, but at the end of the day, it's still Batman. Like, there's not going to be a huge amount of surprises. Any other books you can think of that... I'm sure there's many that I'm forgetting. Uh, and it'll bug me later. There is a cyborg one coming up by John Semper Jr. I recently had him on the show. He was the story editor and head writer of the Spider-Man animated series in the 90s. So he uh, got contacted by DC. They kind of brought him in. To, they've been working on getting him to do something for a while. And he's going to be writing a, a new cyborg ongoing. And they're definitely trying to push cyborg, right? Because they have a movie coming up in a couple of years. So it makes sense that they're really trying to put a push on making people care. And... He, even when we talked about that book on the show, he definitely seemed very excited about doing it and being able to write a comic because he'd never written a comic before. I mean, he wrote six, like 65... It was in a big way responsible for like 65 animated episodes of a TV series about Spider-Man, but he's never written a comic before. Well, it's a whole different type of writing. Oh, well, it is, but yeah. there's also a lot of similarities, too. Plus, as he liked to take credit for, he did Spider-Verse before anyone else did. <laughs> Which is true. Yeah, true. Absolutely true. It's very true. Any final thoughts about DC Comics? I know there's so much I'm missing. It's frustrating. Probably. Well, yeah, you may have given me some to look into because, you know, I, I do have respect for some of the core characters, the characters I like. If you like Superman, Lo like Lois and Clark, I think you should read the Superman books because it feels like it pull, pull, takes off from there. I mean, one of the books is written by the same guy, Dan Jurgens, huh. and the other one's written by Peter J. Tomasi, who has a proven track record of stuff that you've liked before. Yeah, sure. I know you didn't really like his Batman and Robin, mostly because you don't like Damian Wayne. And I don't think... Although, i got to say, it's... Tomasi that made me like Damian Wayne. It wasn't Morrison. It was da <laughs> it was Tomasi that made him enjoyable. And when they killed him off, which incidentally was actually in a Morrison book and not in Batman and Robin, um, there's a few, uh, Requiem issue that is absolutely heartbreaking. Um, I remember reading and just being like, oh my god. Like, I never thought I would care. Like, I knew that Damian would be back someday. Like, I didn't really take that seriously, right? Lazarus pit, right? Well, exactly. You have a character whose dad, whose grandfather has a Lazarus pit. It's going to happen. But reading that issue where he died was, or sorry, with the Requiem was so emotional because, and I think at the time, maybe I had just become a dad. I think, I think it was around 2013. So I think I was, I was fresh on the daddy train. So I, I think I really kind of responded to it as well. Um, cause I'm a sucker for that kind of stuff. So it was really emotional. Like this man lost his son and he was really starting to gel with his son. He was, he was his, his teammate, his partner, but it all, above all else, he was his son, his flesh and blood. He'd lost quote unquote family before he'd lost Jason Todd. Uh, obviously he'd lost his parents, but he'd never lost his own child. Um, and it was really affecting. And I think there's a part like where he's like grasping his uniform just in like in his arms. And it's really affecting. Like it's, I know you're not a huge fan of Damien, but that run made me appreciate Damien Wayne. Do they ever... Do we worry about Talia at all? All the time. Mm -hmm. 
yeah, don't worry. Like she was a huge villain in Batman Inc. back when that was running, and she was also showing up in Robin, Son of Batman. Um, so she's definitely out there. She's still a concern. She always is. She's a crazy mummy. <laughs> crazy mummy. All right. Well, I think uh, I think we're good for DC. Okay. All right. Can them their due. Hmm. We've given them their due. We have given them their due. I mean, we talked a lot more about Marvel, but we gave them almost an hour. That's pretty fair. That's pretty fair indeed. Well, I'm excited to hear what you think of uh, the Superman books, because I think they're worth looking into. More so than the Batman books in some ways. Because Superman feels different. Like, Batman feels like it could have been six months ago, like it didn't need to be now. Whereas the Superman books feel different because it's pre-New 52 Superman. There's a... There's a di- it's a different character. Yeah, 100% it is. Yeah, so you know? And we like sure. that character. And the way that they write that character feels classic. Right. It feels like you're... That's what draws me towards it. You know what I mean? Like, you're getting a legacy thing. Like, it's like they brought back a, an old television show and everything feels right. Instead of feeling like it's weird. Like, it feels like everything's just falling right into step like you never missed a beat. So. All right. Okay, so, my cover? That's it. We're going to sign off on this segment. Well, let me just throw in one quick thing. Uh, Boom Studios. Yes. Kyle Higgins, the Power Ranger book. Okay. So it's four or five issues in. Yes. This is the zero issue. Um, Isn't there also a Pink Ranger book? Yes. Yeah, so I don't know if the first issue's come out yet or not. Maybe it's okay. just it. If it did, I haven't read it yet. Okay. It has. Um, but you know what? A really decent book. Um, art's nice. I was worried about it at first. Um, they're very vicious on the number of covers. If you're an incentive cover collector, they like every issue has like eight covers. It's, it's oh my God. insanity. I'm not surprised. And the, and the and the Tommy love is insane. Um, again, my little my, my big question to Higgins would be because this is almost a uh, Ultimate Power Rangers in a way where mm. it's you know Power Rangers but set today, not obviously yeah uh, in, in the, the early 90s. 90s when it started, um, which is fine, which is cool. But he starts it at the tail end of what was the Green Ranger saga. Now, any old-school, hardcore Green Ranger fan knows that. But any any kid or anyone else picking up the book today doesn't have that real backstory to no. it. And I'm just curious as to why he didn't just start from the top. Because the Green Ranger chart doesn't start that far into Mighty Morphin. Yeah. And, I, and, and maybe they just, you know, they felt they needed to have Tonga right off the bat. And and the Green Ranger was money money, so maybe they figured that was the yeah, yeah. where they had to go. But it's curious why they went there first. Is Tommy in the movie? There's no Green Ranger confirmed for the movie. Okay, so we've seen all the other colors, but no green. No green, but we do see Rita in this green. Like she looks, she looks more like Scorpina than okay. she does Rita in this armor, but it's green. And the hypothesis from some of the fandom has been that this green suit will then become the Green Ranger powers in the sequel or something. Because there have been pictures of her in kind of a, a raggy, more mm. witch-looking like outfit as well. And then she uses, I guess, initially Green Ranger powers to kind of fit the Rangers and fails. And then they maybe get it back to use for whatever. Um, Interesting. So we'll see okay. if that's... So it's a, it's a worthwhile book to check out? Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, if anyone is a... Because this is obviously... A, Higgins has said in an interview I read on Newsram uh, or something, was that he is uh, a Ranger fan, and uh, he is giving the, the, the book its due. We'll, we'll be curious to see if they go 
past Mighty Morphin, if they do, you know, Zeo stuff or Turbo stuff, or if they, you know, will they part with um, Zack and Trini and Jason, bring in Rocky, Adam, Aisha, I don't know if mm. they're going to go that far. Obviously, um, they'll see how the, how the books kind of go. Um, but you know, it's not... Uh, I, I was concerned they might just write it like episodes, but it's not. It's more ongoing story arcs. Okay. Um, they're really fleshing out some of the characters. Stuff you couldn't do in the TV show, right? Because you always had Monster of the Week. Yeah. Um, so uh, right now, uh, the last issue I read ended in this new, totally new villain we've seen before. You know, blew up half the command center, is ready to face the Rangers, and we'll see where it goes. So it's it's a very fun modern take of of the classic characters. Um, you know, we get to even see Tommy's mom at one point. Like oh. he gets, yeah, abducted by Scorpion in his own house. It's kind of creepy but interesting. I mean, like, never, never seen any of the Rangers' real parents. They've been referred to. We never see the Rangers' parents for the most part in the story. I think see Kimberly's parents once. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so, but it's really cool to see. Uh, as a hardcore fanboy of, of of the classic Rangers, it's, it's, it's been a good read and a good ride, and I would recommend it for people. Okay. Perfect. Thanks, Paul. This has been Paul's segment of episode four hundred, <laughs> the second segment. Yeah. You've uh, you've already you've been on here a long time. I have been. You've been on a lot of episodes too. You're you're not quite at the top, but you're close. No, Nate probably still grand. He's still on the top. I think you're about like I don't know, less than twenty away. Less than twenty away. He's been on almost fifty episodes. I think like forty nine or something. I think you're close to. I think you're on thirty. Or maybe you're only like eight or ten away. Really? Yeah. There that many. I've done 400 of these. I know you have, but like, how many have I really been on? Uh, more than you imagine. I, I guess so, eh? I, I did the numbers when I was at home one day, and I was just like, this is insane. <laughs> yeah, no, that's been crazy. And there's a giant like leap after you guys, because no one has been anywhere near well, I, Yeah, I would imagine that, yeah. Well, no. We're right. your easiest co-host and guest. We'll, we'll make sure to have you on uh, with more episodes, especially once Marvel Now comes out, to actually talk about the books once they've actually happened. Uh, to actually kind of do a post-game. Because I think we did that last year with Old New Marvel Now. Mm-hmm. We started to. We did part one, and then we never had a chance to, part, to do yeah, part we, two. Yeah, we got interrupted. We got many interruptions. That's what happens. Yeah, kids. Uh, but yeah, no, I'm excited to see what happens there. And then obviously you'll be back next year for episode 500. God. It seems so far away. Yeah, but do you? I can still remember sitting on the dock and doing you know, yeah. 300 years I ago. I remember. Like, it was like, you know what I remember? I remember So we, you and I had done a couple episodes in the first like 10. And then we hadn't been able to get together for like a month or two. And then we did the AVX part one. And I remember you came in and I said that this is episode like 18 or something. He's like, oh my God, man, like that's 18 episodes. And I'm like, I know, isn't that crazy? And now here I am at episode 400. And that, and there's also two like special episodes that don't factor into that numbering. So really it's the 402nd episode, but whatever. So that's a lot of episodes. So it's amazing that there was a once upon a time we thought 18 was a huge number. Yeah. And we thought... Uh, well, it's a quantum leap. You went from, like, here's my comic reviews of the week to interviewing legit talent and having movie podcasts and, you know, specials on comic book events and stuff like that. So it really, you know, from... Try to do other things, yeah, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, the one thing that did fall by the wayside is a Heroclix discussion. <laughs> we used to do a lot of that. And uh, because I did so many interviews over the last year... I didn't really do anything else. I was just kind of reviews, interviews, review, interview, and then movie, <laughs> and then an event. But like it, it used to be, I remember like having to like pump for content. I was like, I got to figure out something to do, and uh, haven't had to do that in a while. I'm knocking on wood. If I can find it, I don't, where's the wood? There's no wood anywhere. Okay. 
Anyways, thank you for, for joining for episode 400. We'll catch you soon, I'm sure. And uh, thank you for listening to this segment and move on to the next one. I feel like this is an old-timey book where there'd be a chime and you're supposed to turn the page here. Yeah. Well, can you give me a chime? Welcome to the final installment of Comic Shenanigans episode 400. And if you're still listening to us, you're almost in, uh, we're almost done a full, complete five hours. So I cannot imagine this would be done in one sitting. This must be multiple, multiple, multiple sittings. I hope this is like two weeks of someone doing their commute. Uh, I am joined by Tibor Mate. Tibor, say hi. How's it going? So, for our last installment, to close it out, to bring it home, we're going to talk about Star Trek Discovery. Right on. So there's still not a lot that's known, but a lot more is known now than like even the last time we spoke. Yeah, about Star I guess Trek. the last uh, like month or so we've had some news. Absolutely. So what do you want to what do you want to start with Discovery for those who aren't aware? What is Star Trek Discovery? So Star Trek Discovery is the new Star Trek series that's going to be coming out in January 2017. Television series. Television series. Although uh, streaming series. Yeah. So basically, in North America. In Canada, we'll be able to get the premiere episode on CTV, National TV, and National Network. Mm-hmm. Then uh, the following episodes will air on Space Channel, which is like a spe- you know sci-fi specific channel. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the States, it's going to be uh, available on CBS, the first episode premiere. And then it will be available on CBS All Access, which is sort of CBS's version of Netflix. Okay. Which is kind of interesting because the, U- the U.S. is kind of getting the screwed the most, yeah. which is the origin of... The, the show, right? Yeah. And uh, the rest of the world is even getting it even better. Because mm-hmm. they just, like, most people have Netflix. Yeah. And uh, it's going to be straight up distributed through Netflix. Isn't that kind of crazy? Like, I guess it just was easier for CBS to do that. But it just seems interesting that they would fragment and make it harder for people. Yeah. To well, it. I thought for sure we were going to get the CBS All Access thing up mm-hmm. in Canada here. Um, because we have access to it, you can you can get the subscription to it. It's okay. Canada and U.S. What's on it? It's just CBS shows, so okay. like streaming like, anything. Like, oh, okay. They, they have a ton of stuff. Like they have a ton of back catalog too. So. Okay, so I guess another. I mean, it's interesting though because in the states, like CBS is one of like their main channels. Yeah, it's a main network. So it's, it's like RCTV. That's what I mean. Like, yeah. I, and if it, I would imagine like the most basic cable package you could possibly have, I would imagine would have. CBS. Yeah, that's why. I mean, it almost seems like they're doubling down. Like sort of like, well, like it, let's like try the was, experiment and see if it works. Like I feel like if it was someone like CW, where it has a much narrow, like they're not as big a network and they're not right. necessarily held they carried everywhere they actually came off of uh, UPN right well exactly CW used to be the old Star Trek network apparently. that's, that's right yeah, network, yeah. right exactly it's cool. so it's just interesting that like you have these other networks where I think it would make more sense for them to have content like that although I guess they can't really afford it in the same way yeah it's a weird thing I mean, although like, they're part of CBS too like the mothership because you had like a show like Supergirl going from CBS to the CW right yeah because it's weird because I guess it's kind of funny going back a little bit like so at the end of Enterprise there, before it was cancelled, like, UPN was dissolved, basically, right? And then, um, like, United Paramount, like, uh, Network was dissolved, which I just said. Um, it joined up with WB. Yeah, like, so Paramount, Paramount reorganized stuff, right? So, funny enough, like, CBS got all the rights to the Star Trek television series, and the movies ended up st- staying with Paramount. So the movies and, and TV series are split now. 
Which is kind of unfortunate in a way, because like back in the day, it was kind of cool. Like you mm-hmm. had Worf transition from. That's true. Yeah. I don't know if that will happen in the same way. Like I mean, I doubt it anyway, because it looks like we're going prime universe here. Yeah. For the new series, um, that, but and that can only be a good thing too. I think you. that's a good thing. I mean, we'll see if it's a good thing. Um, but yeah, it's it's kind of neat, and then it's it's also kind of weird too that CBS has the rights now because they rejected the original, in back in 1966, way back when, right? Yeah. So it's kind of funny that it comes full circle. It's a valuable property. Absolutely. It's still viable. There's still a lot of stories I'm sure that can be told, and hopefully there'll be good ones on the new series. Um, and I'm sure they still make a lot of money on the, on the back catalog. is huge. Yeah, well, right? I mean, part of the Netflix deal was, I believe, by the end of 2016, like, Star Trek the series will be on every single Netflix wow. around the world, which is pretty awesome. I mean, like, we, we just got, a couple weeks ago, we got all the series. Like was, right. We had Next Generation for a long time, mm-hmm. um, and we had some of the movies... Like how many but, episodes uh, of Star Trek television are there? It's something seven hundred and something. I think, yeah, is a total. It's a crazy, crazy number. So yeah, and the cool thing is now uh, TNG's been upgraded to HD on the streaming as well as uh, the original series is in HD. Kind of too bad for those of us who kind of went out like support. Yeah, the- I mean, what's it? it? It sucks if you supported the things in one way, but at the same time, like I was supporting the Blu-rays regardless. There's so many cool features on the Blu-rays for big fan mm-hmm. like fans. Which you don't get on Netflix. No, no, that's true. Some um, of the behind-the-scenes content was fantastic. They, they went all out with the behind-the-scenes content. Like, they did a really good job. I thought, it, like, so if you're, like, one of those people that's debating on getting it, and, uh, like, there's a lot of good quality extras mm-hmm. on the uh, on the set. Plus, they have put out some, like, smaller Blu-ray sets, too, to comprising it, some of, like, the best. Yeah, some of the best episodes. Like, which, a lot of the two-parters. I like, mean, not a big surprise, the best of both which worlds. Which had exclusive uh, content as well, so I purchased those as well. Exactly. Which kind of bugged me a little bit, but at the same time, you know what, like, I re- what really bugs me is that it didn't pay off because now we're not like DS9 is on hold for Blu-ray yeah. release or HD conversion, which is too bad because I'd love to see. But didn't it always feel like that was always going to be kind of a. Well, that was the logical step, right? It was if TNG did yes, well. But it also felt like at the end of the day, TNG sh- struck a, co- a major chord culturally. True, yeah. Deep Space Nine and Voyager are probably. Well, actually, I would say Deep Space Nine and Enterprise are probably considered more of the lower key series. Really? More than Voyager? I think Voyager is more popular. I think Voyager. Like, Voyager, I think, in the casual sense, is more popular than either Deep Space Nine or Enterprise. from a very casual sense as well, it would, quote-unquote, feel more like, you know, the quintessential yeah, I, I sort Star of Trek exploration. Like, yeah, I feel like Voyager's kind of TNG light in a lot of ways. Like, yeah, I can It had a lot of similar sort of episodes. It's a, it was I, about the exploration, whereas you didn't get as much exploration in DS9. It was very yeah, different Yeah, DS9 was a bit more political. It had the overall A arc. bit more political? Yeah, okay, a lot more <laughs> political, I guess. It's a, Especially like, considering when it aired. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to look back at it and think that it's a pre-9-11 show. Like, it has so it doesn't many of the, feel like it. It feels like there's like so much foresight there to like our future, which is weird and pretty awesome at the same time in some ways, but it's kind of creepy in some ways. I like, mean, the whole nature of the DS9 like station and how like there's a presence that they have there, and there's this previous conflict that had happened, and they're kind of on the outpost there, and there's still like there's these issues, these deep-seated issues between these uh, these races. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean it it obviously familiar, they pull from real it? life experience but like some of the terrorist aspects of it mm-hmm. like the, the maquis and stuff oh, yeah. you know I mean terrorists weren't popular in in film and television until after 9-11 but it was there it was it's a weird there. sentence to use I know it's a weird sentence to use but, <laughs> terrorists weren't popular but I mean that theme wasn't as popular to use I guess right like it wasn't as, as now it's kind of go to right? yeah it can, it can be kind of go to and it's you know it's kind of unfortunate but you ever thought about the fact that I mean 
typically most Bond films have always dealt with an element of terrorism, but they never really called it. True, such. yeah, yeah. Like Spectre was basically a terrorist organization. Yeah, but they never really ta- called it that. Yeah, yeah. Like no, it was just global domination. Exactly. Yeah. Which is, but, but they did it through terrorist means. Yeah, pretty. Like, much. No one ever called it that, yeah, and now it's like everything. It's terrorist just, light. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of funny. So quaint. Yeah, but like for me, Voyager to me is like I, there's some gems in Voyager for sure. Um, just as a series overall, like. It, like if if you go into rating individual episodes, there's definitely some of Voyager episodes that are stronger than any of the other series for sure. Mm-hmm. But as a series overall, I, I, Voyager bugs me in the sense that it failed the most on its premise. Who is your favorite character though? Of Voyager, I mean, character-wise, there's a lot of good characters, and then some of them I think got w- worse treatment than others. I mean, poor Harry Kim, you know, had to stay the ensign because you know, God forbid, he got promoted because like, there's no one else to be an ensign. Yeah, I mean, it was kind of shitty. Which kind of makes sense. To be fair, yeah, I mean, like, and what do the ranks really mean when you're out in the middle of nowhere? Yeah, especially by the end, like he's like a whiz. <laughs> like, I almost feel like in some ways that show could have like done better, like. You know that if if they would have dropped the rank a little bit in some ways, I think. Do you think this is a weird comment? But do you think if it had, if Firefly had happened first, do you think it would have informed a lot of the, like made it more almost like a western? Because like it could yeah, have been more like that, right? I mean, Firefly is such a unique universe, and I mean, like what a yes, shame that. But that, just looking at that ship, right? Like the idea that that a ship yeah, goes a little bit more hell. beat up. Well, I mean, I think the the better parallel is Battlestar Galactica, to be honest. Okay. Because I think Battlestar Galactica, like. You know, You're right. It was, it was done by Ronald D. Moore, right? Yeah. Ronald D. Moore worked on TNG and then Deep Space Nine. Yeah. And then went over to Voyager when Deep Space Nine finished. But I think he only did like three or four episodes because he had some conflicts with Braga. Okay. Who they wrote a lot of stuff together. I mean, they wrote All Good Things, which yeah. is one of the greatest episodes ever. Uh, they wrote Generations simultaneously, which is fucked up. And probably why Generations ended up being kind of fucked up. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, those two guys, like, did a lot for Star Trek, right? And, um... But yeah, they had some conflict when they went over to Voyager, and mm-hmm. I think part of it was because he wanted to do some of the things that he did on, D- on Battlestar Galactica yeah. that they wouldn't do on Voyager. I think they pl- kind of played Voyager a little too safe. Yeah, and maybe that was partly because it was on UPN, being a network show. Well, it's interesting too not that syndicated, considering that it was going on at the same time as DS Nine, and DS Nine was and way ahead of its time as was Babylon 5 but they started doing more longer storylines right yeah, yeah. it wasn't done in ones you could just pick up an episode no everything yeah like Babylon 5 was really heavy on story oh, arcs super after heavy after the first season the first season like you can sort of pick and choose what you watch out of it but yeah yeah, after the first season, it was one continuous. So, story. do you think it was because DS Nine was already kind of going in that direction that Voyager was almost a conscious the opposite, a conscious decision to make sure they gave you something where it was it was episodic, you know, it was just yeah. kind of freak of the week type of style, like to me, adventure it, it, of the week. The unfortunate thing about it is, I guess, it's like Next Generation had ended, right? And Next Generation ran congruent like for two years, right, with mm-hmm. Deep Space Nine, and then Deep Space Nine only got one year on its own. Yeah, and that's why we always played second fiddle, sort of, to yeah. to the other shows, and I think. Um, you know, it just had a different feel to it, but I think what I, like that's one of the things I love about Deep Space Nine was that, to me, it still feels like Star Trek, but it pushed the envelope of Star Trek, what Star mm. Trek could be, right? Like, Absolutely. they brought in themes, but they still kept it, I think, at its core, Star Trek, right? Whereas these other new movies, I feel like they've just, you know, they've, they've made them, they're just blockbuster, you know, action movies that they've slapped a Star Trek logo on. You know what I mean? They're, they don't feel like Star Trek at their well, core, and I to think, me. And I think a lot of what that can come back to is the idea that Star Trek's always had a lot of running themes underneath it, right? Like yeah. It's, like, yes, there's fun and adventure and action. But it ultimately, it has a bit of seriousness to it. Yes. And, and I think the new movies don't really take it seriously. And there's deeper themes that they kind of examine in the part of that, right? And I think that's what makes Star Trek good, is that, you know, it isn't just this, like, stupid, no. mindless entertainment. Don't get me wrong. I love stupid, mindless entertainment sometimes. But you, you just don't want to have a variety. Star Trek either. 
Yeah, I mean, you want to have some of those funny episodes and stuff, but if they're done well, I mean, look at Trials and Tribulations. Like, yeah. you know, but I guess that, a bit that's of what makes it harder when you have, a, and what we've talked about before, is that Star Trek works better on the small screen because I you think can so. do that. Where, where, you can, where you can take the time to build different things. And, and you can build things, characters, yeah. you can build relationships. Yeah, I honestly can, feel that Star Trek almost in some ways, like the big screen, like, you know, the classic movies, it works to some degree, but like the next generation movies, not so much. I think I think it's like Star Wars. I don't think Star Wars would work as well on a small screen. I think no. Star Trek should stick to the small screen and Star Wars stay on the big screen. So, given that Discovery is thirteen episodes, yeah, that's what we're hearing. It's like a short run, right? So, Which I think is good. And actually. apparently, they've written it all. Like they, they, they it was it's already. It's one yeah. big story. And yeah, it's they, a continuing. Art. They wrote it all down. So, I mean, this is a very different. Uh, T- TV in general is completely different than it was last time. Yeah, we had Star Trek absolutely. On yeah. the air. It's it's adapting to current. Yeah, Tell and me. and the streaming model or or uh, the streaming light model here, like it's not. Yeah, it's a all weird model compared to like it's, it's not a straight up Netflix show where they're no. dropping everything on one. But week. we're getting a lot more shows like this. Like there's uh, shows on I don't know if it's Hulu or not, but like there's shows like Casual in the states, like where we're getting an episode a week, but it's uh, on a regular but schedule. Service, but it's yeah. a streaming service. Um, but it's also easy to go back and watch them because it's they'll yeah because you can yeah which is a smart thing right which is kind of cool that you have access to yeah. the episodes right away to watch them again so they're gonna be like I guess here's a, a question for you are you gonna watch them every week yeah, or I mean you, you're talking to me. I know right? I know but yeah <laughs> I know it's you but don't but because our, our viewing habits have changed and because even the way they broke out the story and what we're hearing from Fuller is that he they they've already written it all they all wrote it all at once. Yeah, so they yeah. didn't do it in pieces. They no, kind of, that's they the way broke it, it all done. down. A solid, and be, hopefully, it's a really good well, story. Right? And that also is because it's one big story, right? Yeah. So they write one big story. So and that's, then break it up and that's episodes. kind of why I ask if if you would have it in you to want to wait no. because it's one big story. Do you I want, can't wait. Okay, I'm not going to be able to wait. I'm going to watch it week by week, and I'm going to be okay. excited as all hell. Okay. Hopefully. Okay. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm kind of excited. Like, I'll be honest. Like the X Files when the X Files came back, and mm-hmm. it was like. That's the first time I've sat down to watch television every week. Like, I, yeah. I haven't done that since no. I don't know how long ago. And it was kind of weird. I mean, I was a little disappointed by yeah. the X-Files, unfortunately. And I'm hoping that's not going to be the case. With but it was something that brought you into, like, But I still watched it every week for the six weeks it was on. Yeah. And it was, it was fun in uh, some ways, right? It was yeah. kind of like... Well, it was, it was kind of sh- retro. Right? Yeah, six episodes is too short. I think the 13-episode model is a good number. Uh, I think it's, you know, because... When, inevitably, when you have 22 or 23 episodes, I mean, it was 26 back when Next Generation oh, yeah. was it's doing insane. It. It's an insane amount of episodes. You're going to have a few stinkers. Like, it's just inevitable. You can't... That you is, know, the, there is more pressure when you do less. That they all, I mean, that was part of the problem true. with X-Files, right? Is that if you only have six, they got to be your six best ideas. Yeah, I mean, I think X-Files was originally scheduled for eight, and then they had some issues about scheduling, right? Okay. So they weren't able to do them all. Because they they couldn't get the I think but the if these if these were the best six of the eight though then yeah no I, well for sure I mean there's definitely some problems with so with thirteen I think with I think with, uh, with X Files I think the problem was that it was trying too hard to go back to its formula yeah right like what made it popular back in the day but at the same time you have to move forward to some degree right so like bringing it to Discovery like what we're hearing is. Fuller saying, yeah, the ship isn't going to be... like So the time period from what we know... Is they've, prime they've, they've said era. it ten, 10 years prior to Kirk. Okay. Right? So it's post-Enterprise, 10 mm-hmm. years prior to Kirk. I mean, the big reveal was the, the new ship design. Yeah. I don't know. What do you think of the new ship? You, you've seen it, right? Uh, I can't even remember what it looks like now. Uh, I don't remember. So it's kind of got like a triangular secondary hull. Okay. And then it's, um, it's basically a Ralph McQuarrie um, concept piece that okay. was... Um, Supposed to be for 
the first Star Trek film that ever ended up happening, which was like Star Trek um, Planet of the Titans, I believe. Okay, yeah, yeah. Right? So Ralph McQuarrie had done some work. Uh, okay. And so they've, they, it's sort of a retro... It's a legacy design. It's a legacy design, yeah. Okay. So it's a, then the big reveal was the, the number on the ship, the NCC. Was, yeah. I'm not sure what... Uh, it's 1-3-something, I think. Okay. I have to look it up. I don't know offhand. But it's a... Um, which sets it prior to the Enterprise if the yeah, numbers yeah. are congruent properly. For sure. Right? So that was the first thing we know, but now they've confirmed it 10 years before Kirk. So it's a... Uh, Were you surprised they didn't go to the future? I mean, it's tough, right? Like... Uh, I mean, uh, this some, makes some them people a little are saying clearer, they should right? go to the 25th century, but like, how far do you take the technology, right? Like, how, you know, I mean, I guess, like, you that's know, part of the fun, though, right? It is, but I think also he, what they're saying is they're not going to make the technology retro to classic series Enterprise, which I think is the right move to go. Yeah. I know some people didn't like that in Enterprise, like Enterprise the series. Yeah. Um, but I think that's the right thing With to the do. Manual, you gotta, you manual gotta, turbo lifts? Yeah, I mean, what I, th- I think they did a good job in, in Enterprise the series to try to make it still have some retro, but also keep it cur- current. Like, yeah. And you, you have to. I mean, they're all products of their time, right? So they're, they're all going to be futuristic to the current time that they're in, right? Mm-hmm. So I hope this does push the technology to a certain degree. And I still hope it's got a bit of, you know, trueness to the to the series, sort yeah, yeah. of, I guess, series history. Um but yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they make that blend, and if they, if they can pull it off, right? Like, because some people get turned off by that, right? Like, I mean, some people were turned off by Enterprise just because of that, right? So. This is true. Now, we don't really know much about obviously what exactly it's going to be, but we've told we've been told that there's an event that we've heard people talk about, but that it's going to yeah, be focused so on this. Yeah, so there's. A, I, I mean, I don't know exactly what the speculation is. What's it? I guess could be Romulan War, post Romulan War. There's been a lot of discussion. Um, you know, there's there's apparently one of the events from that we've heard about, but haven't seen anything really about. So, which is I kind mean, of exciting. Yeah, it's unfortunate that Enterprise didn't get to the point where they were going to talk like. Uh, do the Romulan War because that was on the on the on the list for sure. So I mean, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what. Uh, I mean, it could be something about uh, the Klingons as well, uh, the, the the peace treaty, right? Which mm-hmm. are, you know, I guess could, being before Kirk, it probably is not quite peace treaty yet time yet. Plus, but. I think I mean, isn't there an um, when we think of space travel? I mean, it's almost like we're thinking of a straight line, but obviously there's many different ways you can explore too. So it's not like right, yeah. I Kirk mean, went one direct one direction. Absolutely, this could be a, maybe a further deep space mission. Who knows, right? Yeah. Like. Um, but yeah, we, like we don't know much. I mean, one of the things that they've said is the captain won't be the primary character. Pretty cool about that. I, I think that's a kind of cool idea, right? Like, yeah. I think the thing is too, you got to remember, like, you can't just stick to formula always, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you got to shake it up a little and do something different. So it's interesting. It makes me think of uh, kind of like uh, the well, the earlier years, especially of a show like The West Wing, where originally the president was not really supposed to be main character at all. Okay, he was supposed to be more tertiary, and he was going to be there because you could not have. Well, obviously, yeah, yeah. Um, but now, as that show progressed, they realized, well, um, Martin Sheen really likes this, and we, he's great on camera. We're going to make it more about him. But right, originally, right, right. he was still important, but he wasn't taking a lot of screen time, yeah. and it was more about the senior staff that was running the things around him. And he, he was there because he needed to be, but he wasn't necessarily your major he wasn't focal the main character, point. Yeah. Uh, you had other characters that were kind of the main character for the, the viewer to watch. So this kind of feels like that. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Like, I'm wondering if she's going to be a bridge. They've also said it's going to be a lead female character. Right? Yeah, and she's going to be a lieutenant commander. Yeah, which is cool. I mean, does that mean she's a bridge officer or not? I mean, I, I honestly kind of hope that she's not a bridge officer. I hope, like, you know, that would be kind of neat to see a different department mm-hmm. and see, like, 
the people that work under her. Yeah. So she's the command officer of that department or and something. And they said so she, she's a, a female minority character, too. Yeah, they were. I think they want a black lead, right? So, it's a, which I think is kind of neat. All right. Like, who, so, I, I, mean, I, it, I really could care less. I mean, as long as it's a good show and it's well written. Yeah, absolutely. And a good I mean, actor or actress. Like, that's. Yeah. I know he was talking about, uh, was it Rosanna Dawson, I think he was talking about, was it the, um, that he wanted, possibly, mm. and um, there was somebody else, and I can't remember now, the lead, but either way, I think, like, yeah, as long as it's a well-written character, and it's it's well done, and, uh, you know, the best thing about Cisco was it didn't matter he was black. No. Right? He was just a great commander, right? Yeah. I mean, he, he was, you know, he's a legacy captain, he's one of the best, right? So, Absolutely. So, so, again, just do a good character, it's cool that they're not the captain, later on you could always promote them and have their own oh, show. It could become right? a different show. Mm -hmm. So there's potential to grow and do th different things, right? Because obviously the captain in the past is always going to be the captain, right? Yep. That was one of the problems with Kirk, right? When, mm -hmm. like, I, though in the movies they just quickly addressed the issue, but like, yeah. but they still made a point of like, he always wanted to be captain. He didn't want to be promoted. So yeah, it's yeah. sort of, you know, and then Picard never even really looked at being Admiral. Right? No. Like, so you, you he was gotta, an explorer. You got to keep them in that their place, sort of, right? To keep the show going, right? Yeah. Uh, I guess Cisco was the only one that he started out commander and then became captain later. Yeah, on. that's true. Yeah. Right? Actually, so. to go back, it's interesting. Also, looking at the original Star Trek, I mean, obviously, both Star Trek and TNG were all about the exploration, but you can see how Starfleet itself changed their view towards exploration. Like it was the Wild West, literally. Right. Yeah. When yeah, Kirk the was there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and obviously, that was part of the time it was created because yeah, absolutely. It, it could have just been a western like it didn't even yeah, it was a be... space western exactly just yeah um and so it feels like starfleet uh, on its own kind of had that way of looking at it yeah and then as they became more civilized in, the, in and of themselves yeah then when, by the time you have an explorer it's a bit like more bureaucratic much more and much more careful uh, yeah. and not just jumping into things it's interesting to see an elevation um sorry uh, evolution of starfleet yeah and i mean which is part of gene ronberry's absolutely personal evolution too right mm -hmm. like, and outlook on life and change. And what he was able to get produced. Yeah, I that mean, too. people didn't maybe want as heady a sci-fi sci drama back in the yeah, day. Yeah, well, I mean, that's what a lot of people criticize uh, motion picture, right? Because mm. it's, uh, you know... It's uh, a very big departure from the show. Yeah, it was more cerebral. It was a thing. I mean, it does have a lot of lingering sort of things, but it was Special also effects. sort of a hom homage to 2001 in some ways. Absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, it's yeah, it's interesting. I, like, w Would that get done today? Probably not. No. Right? no. I mean, look at the new movies, right? Yeah, like, a so. lot faster. <laughs> a yeah, lot faster pace. I mean, to be fair, like, yeah, things change, and you got to sort of adapt with the times. But I think you can also still, like, you can keep the, you know, the core elements there, right? So, mm -hmm. as long as it, it keeps the core elements and sort of, you know, I, I, I think change is good, too, right? Because otherwise it gets stale. Yeah. I think that was part of Voyager's problem. Was it sort of, even Enterprise, I think, suffered from that. I think yeah. Enterprise got better when they started making changes, right? Absolutely. When they, they, when they did the whole Zindi arc for an entire season. That mm -hmm. was kind of cool. It, changed, it took a departure from... And that is everyone's literally went off progressively script. better. It went off script from what you'd expect, right? Yeah, As you said, it's about not being predictable. It's about taking chances yeah, and trying changing to, it up a bit, right? It's trying to you know push the boundaries of what you think it can be. Yeah, that's kind of why I like the uh, like I really like the idea of it not being the captain being the main character. It's kind of keep cool. It's going to be interesting to see how they make that work. Yeah, I mean the captain will obviously be there. I would, yeah. I would assume, but how much we see of the captain will be interesting. Yeah, that's why I think it would be interesting if she's not actually a bridge officer, and like you get to see the people that she has command mm -hmm. over. For sure. So that, that that could be really cool. Obviously, very different. But uh, I did always like the Babylon Five episode with the the, the, the two guys, the regular guys, like the engineers or whatever, or just working. Oh on, yeah, like the, the loading station. dock guys. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a cool episode. This is sort of like uh, TNG when they did the lower. Depths Absolutely, yeah. Episode, right? I let that kind of. I mean, and to a very different extent, almost kind of. 
like what uh, Whedon did in uh, Buffy with the Zeppo. You know, you see the main yeah, action, yeah, 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 yeah. But you have it from a kind of a, a different character's perspective, a very different character's perspective, yeah. who's doing his own thing. Now, obviously, in the case of the Zeppo, he's still got to do something pretty crazy on his own. Yeah, yeah. Whereas yeah. in the other ones, they were really just doing their jobs. Yeah, a lot less crazy. But yeah, no, those are cool episodes because, like, yeah, you don't usually get to see outside of the senior staff. I mean, that's one of the sort of. Well, with Whedon, you got to also poke fun at everything, too, right? Like, yeah. poke fun at the, how ridiculous their everyday lives is every week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Whereas on a show like TNG or um, or Babylon 5, it's just a different perspective. Well, it's sort of one of the criticisms, too, with Star Trek is, like, the away teams always have the most important people on them, right? Because yeah. they're the main characters. But That's true. I wonder if that will change now, right? You yeah. You can maybe do something a little different there, right? I would, uh, what I would really like more than anything, and I think in this day and age you could do it more, is to... Uh, have a cast that's more unstable. Have people die. Uh, have well, things happen because that doesn't really happen that often. Yeah, I mean that's always a thing with series, right? Like it's yeah. Like I mean, Tasha Yar was do. kind of an interesting yeah. death. I mean that was because the actress wanted to leave. But, but can you imagine a show where like you you have people on only on for like certain arcs? Like and yeah, you, you, well, don't, you, uh, don't, you don't know it as a viewer a, until they're dead. Battlestar Galactica was very much like that. There that's was a true. lot of like holy shit moments in that show. That's right? true. Yeah, and, and that was part of I guess. You know, they were less afraid. More. Yeah, there's something about. I mean, one of my favorite comic book series in the last 15 years was was a show. Uh, sorry, a show um, was a comic called Exiles, and its whole premise was basically a combination of quantum leap and sliders, where you had oh, characters yeah. going through time and space to different realities to try and fix things that had come un, come unstuck in time for whatever reason. Right. So you had uh, what we used to call in comics what ifs. So uh, if something had gone differently on a st- certain story in the past, this was a different timeline where this went different. Right, right, right. So you'd see familiar concepts and things, but it was always different. But what I liked about it as well is it was so unpredictable because you had a cast of six brand new characters that were from all these alternate Earths and they would just kill people off. Like, you know, yeah. end of the third issue, someone's dead. End of the you know eighth issue, they'd lose someone. Like, you're always losing someone. The problem yeah, is... The longer a series that that runs, the more popular it gets. You have characters that start to become, yeah, you know, kind of the bedrock, and then they don't get rid of them, or when they should die, they come up with some way to make it so they don't die, but there's still a repercussion, but it kind of feels like they cheated. So yeah, it all pro- depends, right? Once it becomes popular, that's the problem. Well, it'll be then, interesting to see who, like, the main characters are. Like, how big is the cast going to be? How small mm-hmm. is the cast going to be, right? Like, we really don't know. Like, Do you think they're going to play any connections, like, any historical Oh, I think so, being, like, I mean, they've, they've talked about it. They were saying, I think, that some they're probably not going to do it... Um, they're probably not going to do much of that in the first season. Like they really want to establish the show more, which is a smart which idea. I think is good. Thank yeah. God. Like I mean, Enterprise, I think it was sort of almost shied away from it too much sometimes. And then yeah. it was like really later on, like they did make a few connections. So the I'm fourth hoping, season was like the hello. fourth season. They made a ton of connections, um, and I think a lot of them were good. So yeah. that's the thing is, I think like again, there's that balance. Like how do you balance it, right? I think mm-hmm. in the first season, yeah, you sort of got to establish the show. Um, but yeah, there's potential for like any of the younger. Mm-hmm. versions of Kirk, Spock, McCoy, any of them, right? Like, um, And yeah, they did talk about uh, Spock's mom, which yeah. is an interesting character. You could also have, like, you know, ancestors of people we know from, like, TNG. Yeah, like I that. mean, we could even have Enterprise guys, right? Yeah. Like, it's potentially the close enough that we could still have old versions sure. of those characters. No, I can't remember at all, but Nunyan Sung. Yeah, well, that was an interesting... Uh, I can't remember, though. Can you... like? Yeah, he so was on was Enterprise. Brent Spiner came on in so the fourth she, season. Okay, so he's the creator of Data and Lore. Right, so he was, like... Nunian How Soong's, old was that guy? Like, Oh, Nunian he was really Soong's. old when we like when we see him in Brothers. Like, he was, yeah. he was a really old man. But isn't point. Enterprise, like, 200 years old? No, no, he wasn't that Nunian Sung. Oh, he was another Sung. Oh, like, he was right. He was an ancestor okay, of yeah, Sung, yeah. right? So, which, again... They uh, could bring him back again. <laughs> 
for potentially, an, yeah, or a, it's a, a different ancestor. Yeah, because he was uh, he ended up being um, part of like the eugenics thing, right? right they linked yeah. him to Khan, uh, and then at the very end yeah, of the like, it was a, I think it was a two or three episode part. Like, like I think it was longer, like two or three. I think, I think that's it was right. three episodes. I can't remember, but it, I think it was three. So anyway, um, but yeah, at the very end of the episode, he's like, yeah, maybe genetics is not the way to go. Maybe yeah. we should go positronic. Right, which is, of course is the link for to sure. data, right? So maybe we could, I mean, maybe for so a yeah, second. So yeah, there's or... definitely potential for that. I mean, I don't mind if it's done well. Like, I know a lot of people didn't like the Borg episode of Enterprise. Don't remember it. There was a two-parter, I think, or no, it was a single shot, I think, actually. It was a one episode, and uh, they linked the events of Star, of Star Trek First Contact. Wasn't there a link to Ferengi, too? Yeah, the Ferengi link was a little weaker. Like, that one kind of... Like, that one's tough, too, because, like, we see the First Contact. Yeah, you see the First Contact of the Ferengi in the original. Although, like, they quickly changed that. Yeah, they were supposed to be the original villains for Next Generation. They were supposed Although, to be, like, the Klingons. I guess we saw... I mean, the 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 first time we saw the Ferengis isn't actually the First Contact, obviously, because they were involved was with the Stargazer, first... weren't they? Like, as True, like a retroactive yeah, kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, it's sort of weird. It's kind of weird, right? Because yeah. it's like it's the first time they meet them, but... Then the the yeah. were behind the but they were behind the stargazer thing. So yeah, how long ago did they meet him? I mean, Stargazer's not perfect. <laughs> no, I mean it's hard to make it perfect. And I guess yeah, there was some criticism of the Ferengi episode, but I and there was criticism about the Borg episode, right? Mm. Um, which I thought the Borg episode was a clever tie-in. The way they linked the the events of First Contact, meaning that like I guess I don't know if you want to get really technical, is that an alternate timeline altogether? Then because mm. the way the events played out, right? Because the sphere in First Contact gets blown up. True. And the idea was that pieces of that sphere ended up in the Arctic. Yeah, yeah, And then the drones there were frozen, and they find these frozen drones. And yeah. they, once they dethought okay, them, they become active remember. again, right? Yeah, yeah. And then they quickly take over, like, the spaceship available, which was, like, a small yeah. like, shuttle. But they build it up pretty quick, and then they take on the Enterprise. Huh. I don't so remember that a, So, yeah. I mean, some of the effects in that episode were really cool. When they, yeah. like, beamed aboard the Enterprise... And they start, like, dismantling stuff and, like, and assimilating it, right? And people saw them? Yeah, that's the thing, is people saw them. And then it was kind of cool, though, because um, it well, links guess, back to, like... To uh, be fair, I guess it is, like, 200 years later. Like... Yeah, I mean, the, the the thing is, like, well, how come Starfleet had no record of them sort of thing? As they, uh... They wouldn't know what to call them, though. Yeah, they don't actually call themselves the Borg. They're not... Like, it's funny, because the transmission, I think, they don't say we are the Borg. Okay. They just, like... I think it cuts in, and it's like, you will be assimilated. Oh, really? Like, they just specifically, like, cut it yeah, in yeah. so that they wouldn't hear that they're the Borg. I can kind of buy that, then. Yeah, like, 200 mean, years ago, there was a techno-organic creature. Yeah, it was a one-off thing. They tried to do something, event. and it showed up, and then it was gone. Like, Yeah, it's a pretty small event. In if the, they don't have a name for it, and there's 200 years of history, like... Yeah, I mean, I mean the argument, I guess, though, is that... Archer remembers, like, a thing that uh, Saffron Cochran apparently had, like, a commencement speech at a university. Okay. And he talked about the events of First Contact that actually happened. Really? And then he recanted it. Really? So, oh, okay. so, so like, he's talked about, like, how, you know, the Enterprise came back in time. Like, he, like, oh. he doesn't actually, I don't think specifically, I guess, in the commencement yeah. speech say, you know, but he talks about how people came from the future and helped him with oh. First Contact. And then he recants the thing, right? Okay. So Archer remembers this speech. But did he actually mention the Borg as part of that? Yeah, well, he talks about the cybernetic beings that, that came uh. back, right? So Archer remembers this small link from... But that's still but, relatively but again, recent, right? Yeah, I guess it's pretty, like more recent, right? Because Cochran he, had recently died. And he saw the address. And, like, and he was a big fan of Cochran, right? Because him and his dad... So that were, makes a little bit more were, sense, yeah, right? But like, it's just kind of funny. You can kind of, you know, if, if you... Uh, to use a comic book That's term, why I think like, it's you can like, no-prize it. Like, you can, yeah, exactly. You can sort of overlook it a little, right? You, like, you can explain and understand why he would know and why 200 years in the future people wouldn't. Right, exactly. I mean, what happened 200 years ago that we don't know? 
Well, exactly. Yeah, that's the thing. It's one small event in a computers massive computers universe, then, but, right? Like, yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's it's. I think it's plausible. Like, I think that's it. So I think it got a little. I mean, I'm, how I'm sure there's events of like 15 years ago that in the information age that we still would forget. Absolutely. Yeah. So I mean, there's a huge database out there, right? Not like, to mention a huge entire universe. Yeah. So I, I think it was totally plausible, and I thought it was a clever link. Like, I thought it was kind of cool to bring those things yeah, together, yeah. right? So again. They do that kind of stuff. I think it will be well done, right? What like, races do you want to see on the new show? Well, I think we've already seen that the Andorians are going to be in it. Okay. So they've also said that they're going to have new takes on old aliens, okay. which I think is going to be interesting because I don't know how they're going to pull that off. Like, yeah, even the Andorians, I don't know if the antenna are a little different. They look a little bit different than the ones that we Enterprise saw in Enterprise too, right? Yeah, in Enterprise they actually got more flushed out because the Andorians yeah. were that race that we always saw in the background. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Even in the original series and like in the, into the movies. Like, yeah. we would see them here and there, but we never yeah. really got to know them. And yeah. it was a really enterprise where they, they how many, flushed out that species. How many aliens do you think we'll see on, like, on the ship? Yeah, they were saying that, that there was going to be more aliens. And I'm kind of worried about that. Like, because in the original, there was, wasn't any. Outside of Spock, yeah, we didn't really see any. And I he mean, was a very humanoid alien. Yeah, and I get it. I mean, I don't know. I, like, I don't like the new Star Trek with the, like... I feel like they're just like making up these aliens just for like look at the background funny looking alien almost feels like Star Wars feels like Star Wars like I, the one with the the, 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 the head opens yeah, up and that, you can store stuff inside yeah the, the crab headed alien <laughs> that again which weird which is right? purely there for that one like, reason like plot point right yeah exactly it's like so we can stick this thing well, in our like, head like you know right? how we talk about like you don't want to have like the token gay character the token black exactly yeah you the don't token want character, token weird alien right? the token weird alien whose head opens up so you can hide something just in so it just so it conveniently happens to be there when Kirk needs her and why he knows that he can put yeah. that thing in the back and of her head. And it's super intimate. It's it's weird. It's Mind really if I open weird. up your skull and put something Again, in there? Again, not thought out. It was just like, let's that's put like, it That's like it. saying, hey, can you can I shove this up your so ass? I, I read this later after after we had seen it. Apparently they had 50 new aliens wow. in the movie for the 50 years of Star Trek. Oh, that's kind of interesting. Yeah, so-so, right? Like, I mean, just for the sake of having them, though. Yeah, kind it of, feels very much like... like they were just trying to dot the eye. Like, yeah, exactly. Know. It was like, oh, look, we got 50 new characters. You know the last 10 were just a stretch, right? <laughs> yeah. It's like creating how many Pokemon are there now. Yeah, like, yeah, It's just getting ridiculous. After now a while, they have, they'll now they have Sandcastle Pokemon, right? What? Like, yeah, he's a new Pokemon coming out in the new game. Jesus. So anyway, but yeah, like, I mean, it's at some point it gets, like, too much, you know? Fuck. So again, where's that balance is going to be interesting to see. I don't mind having a few more aliens on the ship, because, like, out of all the main crews, we never really did have that many aliens. No. Next Generation had, like, no aliens. Um, no, except Worf, I guess. Worf is the they only a alien. They had a few, didn't they? They had a skinned alien. Well, like outside of Worf, he's the only alien, and uh, Data's an android, right? I could have sworn there was a blue skinned one. Like on the as the main cast? Well, no, not sorry, not as the main cast. Just but I, mean, I just mean main cast. You're right. They, we never really had one though. Yeah, like they had the Bullions, which are the blue skinned guys. I'm yeah, yeah, talking okay. about. Like the barber, which yeah, yeah. the barber, but not the main character. But no. like, I mean, outside, of, they were all very secondary characters. Like, uh, I mean, I guess. Um, Ensign Row when they introduced the Bajorans. Yeah, okay. Um, but yeah, like the main crews were very human centric. Until DS9, right? DS9 had the most diversity, I guess, out of the. like Odo, and you had Jadzia, who was. Yeah, like, Trill. I mean, she was still human ish. Yeah, I mean, but that's the thing is Star Trek aliens are always sort of humanoid, right? And so, it's easier. Right? And I don't mind. I don't mind them doing slightly like different things because it's like, TV. You kind of expect it, right? Like, you, yeah. I mean, I just don't having... like. I feel like the humanoid alien thing is the Star Trek thing, so kind yeah. of stay with that and don't try to vary off of it too much. Like, True. You know, like I thought that was kind of cool that they brought the Tholians mm-hmm. in Enterprise, and they actually we saw the whole Tholian, yeah, right, which was kind of cool. Like, yeah, you know, so I don't mind it to some degree. Species eight four seven two, right? Like, yeah. Well, it's easier when it's a villain, right? It's easier. I when guess it's they like were a one of villains, right? But I mean, yeah, like. 
Like even the Borg, if you had a, I mean, I mean obviously maybe a species of me though. Then a species that would be to say that like, we should only have yeah. humanoid aliens. But I don't maybe. know. It just feels like Star Trek to me that way. Like I, even when you had uh, Seven of Nine, Borg, yeah. she was very like stripped down. Like you didn't show much of. Yeah, she just had the like thing about just, her you, eye didn't, and, you didn't have to worry about having a lot of you know extensive. She was yeah, aesthetics or anything. You had to yeah. build on every episode. Yeah, I, well, I mean, yeah, it's like uh, obviously it was a budgeting thing too. Like way back in the day, for sure. But I think that it became a part of the show, and mm-hmm. I think they should kind of keep it as part of what Star Trek is, I think, in some ways, right? You're really species against I guess, maybe. I like humanoid Non-humanoid aliens. aliens, man. But, I mean, I don't mind seeing a few more aliens. Make Starfleet a little bit more diverse than yeah. it has. It's always supposed to have been. Although, I mean, again, because it's set around Kirk's era, where we didn't ever Right, exactly. It's going to be less... Uh, it would naturally be less uh, thing because mm-hmm. there won't be as many aliens. Although, I mean, again, I, I mean, I would like to have more of a ethnically diverse cast of, of humans. I'm That's true, that. too, yeah. I mean, it's funny because, like, the original one was, like, it was all white, generally, except for... The original the series? Yeah. No, well, the original but, series... But different types of white. Like, different... Well, no, yeah, you had... Uh, but you had all different, like, you ethnicities, had, right? Sorry, yes, yes. Yeah. But in terms of, like, visual, if you're looking like kind of a color well, you had line, the Asian guy, you had yeah, I guess said, you, you had the black girl. It was a, it was a very diverse cast. Yeah, did, it was yeah. the most diverse cast, I think, ethnicities wise. Uh, I don't know. I think so. It's a, more than DS Nine. Well, uh, I, I guess, guess maybe. What's a? But I mean, again, it's a product of its time too, yes. right? So yeah. that was a oh, big yeah. thing, right? So it's a. Um, I mean, that was one of the positive things of that show. I guess, I guess you didn't have a, a lot of diversity in TNG. TNG was more mostly white people. Yeah. So the, well, I guess you had Worf and uh, and Jordy. Worf and Jordy, yeah, and then you had. And you but again, had a, Worf was an alien, so I guess it's a bit different. I mean, yeah. I don't know. And you had a bunch of women. I mean, you had you had more women, yeah. But I, I well, they two. weren't really in command roles until later. Yeah, well, yeah. they had head doctor. Yeah, like, the, the main doctor a, was, was a, considering that was con- and she was a high ranking doctor too, right? Absolutely. So she was commander. Well, except Doctor Pulaski. Yeah, well, Pulaski was a commander as well. I think. Was she? Yeah, or lieutenant commander? No, I think she was commander when she came on board. It's interesting. I, I don't like a lot of season two episodes, and she's in all. She's obviously only in season yeah. two, so I kind of tip. The, remember, she was supposed to be the female like McCoy, right? Like she definitely feels that way more so, right? Yeah. If you look at it that way, she like actually she's a lot more tolerable if you feel of it. If you think of it that yeah, way, yeah, absolutely. She was the female McCoy. She totally so does have that sensibility. That's to her. exactly what they were. going for. She almost for. looks like a female McCoy. Yeah, that's what they were going for. Was that was what she was going? I for. never thought of it that way. Yeah, and if you look at it that way, she works. Why did no? And she kind of grew on me. Like actually, did Gates McFadden choose to leave? they replace her I believe they there was an issue and like they, they sent her off like they okay. it wasn't her choice so and then the fans wrote in and were really pissed off like they didn't like Pulaski so it brought her back which is kind of cool it's, it's, well. it's almost fascinating that they didn't just get a new character but they actually brought back an old character like if they wouldn't have said oh Pulaski didn't really work oh, yeah, let's try to, something different well people wanted Gates McFadden which was cool wow. I mean I'm glad that it happened in one way right I mean because once they brought her back they developed her much better like that first season yeah was it's rough. true yeah if you look at the first the first two seasons of Next Generation are pretty rough in a lot of ways but it's a, the, the ideas are starting to be there but it's not quite yeah. gelling yet right again that's an interesting thing too right is the Next Generation was very much like the original series in the first couple like there's a lot yeah. of like similarities right? yeah, actually, so, well it's one of those things where like back in the day shows I mean obviously it was easier if you were writing to syndication but uh, shows got to find their legs more and nowadays if you're not a hit that's why streaming is actually yeah, better, right? Yeah. Like you're more insulated from that, and the Netflix model works because it almost doesn't matter. It's right. just like you dump you dump it all out at once. Yeah, if the it's audience great, is there, they're there, right? Yeah, yeah, and they're always and it's always kind of there. It is interesting how that's already like sort of come like yeah, it's almost like 
back in the day there was more time to develop shows and then now then there was that period where it's like it's if it's not a hit it's gone well if it's on network that's and so now true. it's coming back like where Netflix, Netflix well Netflix still has that problem but it's all the new stuff it's all this 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 hotbed of new to, new hot highly acclaimed shows which aren't on major networks yeah which are having the the ability to kind of find where what they want to be and then just dump it out there yeah in a way that ne- I mean there's so much pressure on network shows that if you don't you're not hot you're going to be out and I've said this before I think even on this podcast but I mean Cheers was one of the lowest ranked show of its season like it yeah. was it only stayed around because the the head of NBC really liked it yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I like this I believe in this well the original series of Star Trek oh yeah like, Same thing kind of happened, right? But it was, it was on syndication, wasn't it? Originally? Uh, not the original. Oh, not no. The original, no. right? It's a, the original was canceled, right? That's right. And it almost didn't get a third season. So No. It's a third season had the huge budget cut. So That's was, right. And Roddenberry said, fuck you, I'm out of, out of here, right? Yeah, and yeah, He yeah. walked away. Because he was arguing. Yeah, so, yeah, it's, it is kind of weird that, like, yeah. And who would have thought that show did better in reruns, right? And yeah, back hit. when that was a thing. So that's yeah. that's what's interesting too is that people used to discover stuff. Like there's a reason why you and I like grew up on Adam West Batman. Like that yeah. we were watching it twenty five yeah. years after or twenty, twenty five years after it was the first day. Yeah, it's true. We watched a lot of rerun shows, which I guess I don't wonder if how how much of a thing that is now with younger people. I I don't think reruns themselves are, right? But I think a lot of it's making its way onto other other providers. With Netflix now, like people uh, are watching or, shows. Yeah, exactly. Or plus people are kids are kind of growing up with parents who now have the ability to go back and buy shows they loved as children. That's true, yeah. That's and so they're, they're exposing them. them that way, yeah. Exactly. Like, I've had, like, my son has watched, I mean, he's only turning three, and he's already watched, like, the 94 animated series of Spider-Man, because I love that show. Yeah. He's watched, like, a bunch of different Spider-Man shows. He's, I'm, like, having him watch, like, old-school Looney Tunes, which, I mean, unless you know where to find it, or have a Blu-ray yeah, yeah, yeah. stuff, you're not going to ever watch them, because... Yeah, when I was growing up, anymore. you would you would have stuff like the Bugs Bunny Tweety Hour. Yeah, I guess there's so much content now too, right? Right, like, like it's the other thing is there's so much content. Plus, back now. in the day, like we had like Saturday morning cartoons. That was yeah, a huge which thing. Which is not a thing really. No, anymore. and also like after school cartoons were a huge yeah. thing. That's not a thing anymore. Like now, there's so much content. There's so many different providers. Yeah, and on demand content too. Like it's, it, I mean, you almost, yeah. How do you pick what to watch? So as, a, so as a parent, I'm already being like, well, I, I like this, so maybe he'll like this. Right. And a lot of people are starting to do that, so that's what's well, kind I mean, of pushing people Obviously, Star Trek it. is one of those things that's generational, right? Like, yeah. people like how did up. you watch Star Trek? Well, like, yeah, it was my mom that got me into it, right? Right. So, like, back in the day. But it's interesting, you didn't like the reruns of Star Trek. No, I hated it, man. It was Sunday mornings with uh, Star Trek and church, and I hated Star Trek. Yeah. Really. It was boring. It's funny for me. I equated um, my in growing up. My parents had like their main TV was a black, was a color TV, and we only had one major TV in our family room. And then we had another TV. It was like a small old black and white TV, and it had like back. It only had like a dial. Yeah. And then we had like an extension for it that you could plug into it, and it had like a different like slots you could pick so you could actually get like 30 channels instead of just the six. So I always think of in the Sunday mornings just like you watching that, but on this black and white TV. Right, so right. even though I know it's in color, it's always weird to me when I see it in color because I'm so used to it in my mind watching in black and white, which is weird. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, I mean, we only had the one TV, right? So yeah, it was always like, and I, I, I thought it was boring as a kid growing yeah. up, right? But then obviously like Next Generation came out, I really liked that. Mm-hmm. And then I revisited the original, you know, I think I did a full rewatch in high school. And I was like, holy shit, oh, yeah. like now I really understand. Like someday so I'm... Awesome. Someday I want my son to watch Star Trek. I don't know if I'm going to go with TOS because I know it's I know it's 
it's just so of its time. I don't know if kids can really enjoy it. Yeah, I mean, you, it'll be interesting didn't. to see. I, well, no, it's true, but I mean, I think like in high school, I really appreciated it. Yeah, like, it was, but as a kid, that wasn't like. No, yeah, I mean, it's well, tough to say, right? Like that like, didn't that didn't hook you, but TNG did. Yeah, no, and again, I think TNG too. It was more. It was modern. It was, it was a, like at the time, right? So, so this is my question to you. So, my son's three years old. So, yeah, I would get him to watch Discovery, right? Probably. Would you? I though? Mean, but it's, it's probably it harder to go probably backwards. Too, it's a, well, not now. Too young now. I'm but. saying maybe like let's say when he's like six or seven, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's tough to say. I don't know which one would appeal the most. Because I, no I mean, idea. TNG started when you were four. Yeah, I know it's crazy. Yeah, it's to put it in context, right? Like, so my son's own, like in a year he'll be the same yeah. age you were when Star Trek TNG started. Yeah. So yeah, it's weird. That is weird. I don't know. And in fact, actually, so he I think turns... Discovery is going to be. It'll be interesting to see like too. What what is it? How adult is it going to be? I guess mm-hmm. compared to. With TNG, it can be pretty light, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, I mean, TNG's, like, it started, like, next year's 30 years since it started, right? Didn't yeah, it didn't start in 87. 87. Yeah, that's crazy. So my son will turn four, and Star Trek turns, TNG turns 30. Like, that's yeah. crazy. Like, if I've always liked the idea of doing the math in your head, and you think, okay, so, like, I want to have my son watch Back to the Future at some point, right? Yeah. So by the time he watches it, so let's say my son watches that when he's, like, seven. That seems like a good age for Back to the Future, right? So that'll be 35 years since it's came out yeah that's crazy so i want you to go back and think okay would you have watched something 35 years before you were born like something from that year so if we go back yeah that's no, I mean, 1948 that's what's like the comparison so if you were to watch yeah like that's how doesn't that seem crazy up, to yeah. you like, yeah i mean yeah that is weird yeah because for think us about it's it like way. well that's when we were kids and it doesn't feel like it's been that i mean long. to be fair 48 what was available well, in 48 oh but, no nothing but even movie wise right yeah like, yeah yeah because Back to the Future is yeah, a movie I mean, yeah I know I know but I, and I've seen a lot of older films too and stuff so yeah, for I mean, sure well, I guess it all depends but that's right? what I like to keep in my mind is like that's how crazy it is like no I grew up also watching Leave the Beaver that was in the 50s that's true yeah so and I, I did watch a lot of those shows growing up too like I Lucy missed out and yeah, like, I know, oh, for sure. All of those kinds of shows. So I will say, if you are ever on Amazon and see a one day deal and leave it to Beaver, tell me because I last time I didn't <laughs> do it and I kicked myself for like a week. I'm like, oh, I should have bought that. Yeah, because I want to have that. It's wholesome. It's great viewing. Yeah, it's I mean, it's classic. Right? I watched it as a kid and I'm like, I don't think Zach would care, but he might. He might like it, and then I can be like, Zach, this is 60 years old. Yeah, Andy Griffith show. Like, yeah, there's oh, a lot yeah. of good shows, right? For sure. And again, why did we watch them? They're in reruns. That's true. Yeah, they that's were on, how we right? saw this content. Like, the world is so different. Like, I don't know how kids get exposed yeah, to Yeah, it's true. It is a weird, like, you know, the whole on-demand thing has mm-hmm. totally changed the game, right? And but it's, know, but same it's, with con- just the amount of content and the amount yeah. of entertainment that's available now. Yeah. It's like, it's just, but Netflix is how people are doing it. Like, people yeah. are discovering things. People are discovering things like, Oh, well, it's know, true. Like, Star Netflix Trek. does have a lot of cool older shows, too, right? Mm-hmm. Which is good, I think, because, yeah, people have the chance to see them, yeah. right? Which like, they may not Obviously, have U.S. Netflix usually has more. Uh, uh, though I think Canada's getting we're, there we're getting there. We're, we're getting there I don't think it's as bad as it no. used to be so. like I know um, I listen to a, a podcast called the West Wing Weekly and it has one of the uh, cast members from West Wing from seasons I think four to seven he's on it with a guy he knows who's always been a huge fan and so they're just going through every episode and they're saying that right. they get so much um, you know kind of people directing to them saying this is the first time I've ever watched this like right, I, right, right. it's on Netflix now and like they're young and they're watching and they're also listening to this podcast and they're referring to things they never would have known yeah. and it's content again like years ago and if you did if you didn't buy the DVDs before you would never see these shows well I will now, say this for the new Star Trek movies. Mm-hmm. Like I, I have heard of a lot of people going back and watching. Really? And being introduced to Star Trek through the movies. That's, so if it's done that, it okay, can happen. Great. You know what I mean? That's a good thing. Yeah. I, like, I personally don't like them that much, 
But at the same time, I have no problem with anybody that does like them. No. They, I mean, they're enjoyable for what they are. If it like, just to me, they don't feel like Star Trek to no. me, right? Like they don't feel like what I enjoy about Star Trek. No. So I mean, and obviously you don't hate Voyager, but it's not your. No, favorite. I don't hate Voyager. I think Voyager has some great episodes. But if someone had been I like Voyager's my favorite, overall. if someone like came in and loved Voyager and then it brought them back, it's the same type of thing. Right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just everybody enjoys something for different reasons, for right? Sure. So and I like just to me, Voyager, I think is my least favorite series as a series as a whole mm. because it failed on its premise. Yes. Right? Oh, absolutely. So it's a... Whereas I think Enterprise was more true to its premise. If it had been allowed to be more serial like DS9 was, I think it would have succeeded. Maybe. I mean, I think also there like, there was a couple issues. I think a lot of times they went sort of back to TNG type stuff. Yes. Which they could have... Like, again, it's that balance, right? I this, don't know. It's the stakes should have felt higher. Yeah, I just... I would have liked to have seen sort of that grittier... Mm. You know, again... Battlestar Galactica, what's it, like, sort of having, like, they're away from everything, right? Yeah, so the ship should have been a little less apart. civilized, you know what I mean? Oh, like, yeah. the ship, yeah, how is it that the ship, like, goes into battle, mm-hmm. and they're, you know, they walk out unscathed, like, yeah. at the end of the episode, you know? And you're like, right, eventually the, the chain of command should become more frayed. I think it would have been a little looser, you know, by the end yeah. of the series, right? Like, because, I mean, Actually, they did feel a little to bit... To bring Beyond, uh, Star Trek Beyond, where you saw, like, how the crew was starting to feel after they'd been away for, what, two or three years? Yeah, yeah, three the years. The relationships that, yeah. you know, come up, and... Like that—that's what that should have felt like. Like yeah. seven years stuck together. Yeah, like, and I thought that like even like the assimilation of the Maquis into the crew oh, it was way. Like over. in the first episode, Chakotay's already like, "All right, cool. I'll be the. I'm I'm cool yeah. with first officer." You know what I mean? Like there was, like they they built this tension Can in you there. Imagine if that had been done now. Yeah, like, I how mean, different like, that yeah, show it would have been. been different. It would have been more gritty, I think, and whatever. But uh, like maybe it was Deep Space Nine. I guess a little. I think Deep Space Nine was a little grittier, right? It had that. I think that's where it was. It was a war. Well, that's, right? that's why it's crazy that it was predating nine eleven because yeah, it was part. It was the it war. Was, it was a war show, and maybe that's why. But that was later on too. Even at the beginning, though, I, like it was. Yeah. It was the post occupation of Bajor, right? Yeah, and you had these outside uh, Starfleet characters. It was the biggest exploration of religion that we'd ever really had in this. Yeah, absolutely. Show. I think that was kind of a cool thing too. And I'm not a religious person in any way, right? No. So it's that. So I thought that was still an interesting aspect of the show because. Religion was really not touched on. So here's this whole species that's like, you know, they're very religious people, right? So Absolutely. that was a cool way of... It's a and the whole, the whole thing of um, Cisco being the emissary. And at first totally rejecting. Mm-hmm. Like he had wanted had nothing to do with and it. No, they didn't want him either. Well, no, well, not everybody. Sorry, I think the, the, a, the, like, the general populace didn't really... Yeah, I mean, some, like, I think outsider, like, you know, who's this outsider talking to the prophets? For sure, there was a bit of tensions there, but I, like... It just was an interesting thing, and how he embraced that later on, which, which was kind of cool. There's a lot of sophisticated storytelling going on. Yeah, I mean, again, I think that's one of the great things about Deep Space Nine was that those characters really grew, like mm-hmm. the whole cast. Oh yeah, from Cisco right down. More than any other Star Trek show. I think more than any of the other. Absolutely, shows. like, like Cisco, especially. You look at like, Next Generation, like original series, they're more archetype type characters, right? Like they're yeah. not, they didn't grow as much. Like they all had growth, but yeah. like Data, I think on the Next Generation probably had the most growth. Absolutely. Even Worf, I think, as a character, grew way more on Deep Space oh, Nine than absolutely. he did on, on Next Generation. And that's why I love that Worf came over. Oh, yeah. Because that made him a whole character, yeah, I think. Right? Sure. With him, he started out as, like, that kind of grunting guy in the back. Yeah, he's you know, a little... one-line guy. Yeah. To, oh, yeah. like, he had a bit of a story arc with Troy and then the relationship. Well, and, and his And, and, his, and his son. And... And was, so they added some stuff. But then he really grew on Deep Space Nine, I thought, a lot more. It's interesting, again, that DS9 and Voyager are at the same time, but again, you have so much They're less such different shows, growth. Though. Yeah. 
I mean, some characters grow a lot on Voyager. Like, I think... Well, yeah, Torres again, and, it, it goes uh, back to almost like not all the characters got the same service. Whereas yeah. I think Deep Space Nine had such a great, like, core cast, mm-hmm. and they all grew and, and changed, and, like, you know, they were more complete people. Who do you think had the most change? In Deep Space Nine? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Like, I think Cisco changed a lot, like, from the beginning to the end, right? Oh, and and at first, he, especially he looking at how he, he went out. He didn't want to be there. No. Like, he didn't want to be there. He was just kind of, like, you know, he, he lost his wife. He was a bitter human being. You know, yeah. he, like he, he didn't want his son being exposed to this piece of shit station, and yeah, yeah. you know, and whatever. Uh, he like ends up being the emissary to this people that he has, has nothing. He doesn't want to have anything to do with. Yeah. And then in the end, he ends up embracing all that all that stuff, and like True. you know, ends up becoming a god, yeah. essentially. Yeah. Right. So it's a, yeah, it was, it was it was kind of a cool thing, right? Mm-hmm. It was a different, and it was different, but it was well done different. You know, um, like it was draw a parallel that won't actually make sense to you, but uh, hopefully it makes sense to someone. It kind of reminds me um, uh, of um, the major character arc on Lost for the main character, Jack, was that he was kind of a man of science, and by the end he became a man of faith. Yeah. Uh, and for much of the of the show, he had major conflicts with the other guy who was kind of the, the kind of figurehead for the faith side, and kept not believing him, and not believing in that side. And by the end, he believed in it. And yeah. so it was this reconciliation between what he believed before, and how he outright oh, right, rejected the faith side and then he became over to be a full-on believer um almost to the detriment of his own health and well-being right Um, right. so that you kind of see elements of that with cisco again of being rejecting that kind of whole idea and then by the end fully embracing it yeah it was interesting like that's it and then they also toyed with the idea which i really glad they didn't end up like it didn't end up being the last episode was Mm -hmm. it that the the whole thing was it was in the mind of yeah, yeah, yeah. of um, what's the character's name I can't remember now was it like Cisco he was like a sixties sci fi writer yeah, yeah, yeah. and they the did, whole thing was just a they like, did a lot of time travel they, type of stuff yeah like, well, which that. was a cool concept I'm glad it didn't become the like because that would just cheapen the show to me absolutely know, right so I'm glad it didn't become that and they ended up working that into the prophets as well which was kind of oh, yeah, cool yeah, yeah, yeah. so it's a um, but yeah Benny was it Benny what's it um, Goodman no not Benny Goodman. I can't remember now the the, uh, the name of the character but it's a, I'm thinking probably the other one there was a but yeah they did some cool that time travel episodes Bell, right? that was uh, Gabriel Bell yeah and it was Ben Bell. I guess yeah they called him Ben something right because I guess his name is Benjamin right yes so it's a, so it was Ben something and I think it was his um, I don't think he was called Cisco right no I don't I think that would have been he too got, obvious yeah so he was like he he used his first name I guess for the character of, of Benny Russell yeah Benny Russell yeah so yeah I mean that was a cool thing so it's a yeah I, I mean this show's gonna be interesting there's so much potential right like the the slate they could do a lot of things right so and the creative team makes you happy yeah I'm really happy with the like the, they're definitely trying to appeal to the uh, the old fans I think right it definitely like, looks like they're trying like I, the people involved the people that they've picked are not people who are just gonna do a shitty job yeah like they're when people... I first heard Alex Kurtzman was like the first like the only guy on the show I was like ah oh, fuck's sakes like yeah, here yeah. we go it's gonna be in the new universe mm-hmm. like, and then it totally turned around which I'm really happy about I love that Nicholas Meyer's on it mm-hmm. uh, I mean Nicholas Meyer Star Trek 2 he co-wrote Star Trek 4 yeah, yeah. Star Trek 6 his it, so. Star Trek pedigree cannot be overstated no yeah he's he's like one of the guys that really he turned his Star Trek into what it is today right? yeah. like he had a lot of influence so. and then we have obviously Brian Fuller and I know him. I didn't even yeah. know he'd worked on Star Trek I had no before. idea that he had worked on Voyager either but it's kind of cool that he, he did do he's, some he's kind of coming so. home and that makes me feel better about it right like the, yeah I mean yeah. I haven't watched his other stuff really I know, so it's a, but I know he gets a lot of his Hannibal's so good yeah I've heard like uh, I've heard all his stuff is like, really good Hannibal so. is uh, one of the most like 
if you watch it, you'd be like, really? This was on NBC? Yeah. yeah. Like, it's such a non-network show. He also did uh, Pushing Daisies, which is great. Like, he's yeah. he's a vi- What I will give him credit for, especially, is he's a very singular type of guy. Like, his shows feel different from each other. They don't always feel like this is a definitely right, Brian right. Fuller show. But he, he brings a, an energy and a passion to it. You can tell that he really loves what he's doing. Yeah. So I feel like that's that's what I want on the Star Trek. I want it from someone who feels yeah, like Yeah, absolutely. Is, you got to have passionate people, right? It's like, kind of... care about the show. I mean... Say what you want about Force Awakens, but that's J.J. Abrams loves Star Wars. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. So you can feel, when you watch Force Awakens, yes, the plot may not be the most original, but you feel that he no, no, loves yeah. what he's doing. Yeah. Like, this is a fanboy's dream. Like, he's going to do something that he imagined when he was a kid. Yeah, I know, it's cool. I mean, it's, uh, it's going to be interesting. Yeah. Like uh, The other thing that's kind of neat is, like, I wonder if the Hannibal connection, because Hannibal was filmed in Toronto, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that, I wonder if that was part of the decision to bring the show here which is I think is kind of wild that like for the first time Star Trek is being produced and it's in my home go city. be an extra come on uh, dude I don't know if I can get on the bridge of that ship that'd be pretty find cool find out where the extra casting call yeah, is yeah that'd be absolutely crazy but like, I think that's kind of a neat thing that it's, it's being filmed because then you could always say like I was I, I, was, I, I, like, I was in Star Trek yeah who knows Let's, uh, we'll see what happens but I want that for you I want don't, if don't put it out there that I'm gonna like sneak in at night and you know <laughs> sit in the captain's chair you know <laughs> take selfies that would be crazy but yeah um, but yeah it's cool I mean like uh, there's so much potential there's you know the slate is clean in some ways like Mm -hmm. so it'll be interesting to see what they do with it like I'm really uh, it'd be nice to see Return to the Prime Universe you know because yeah I mean I think that's again one of those things that like I get why in the films they were like okay because that was the worry originally was that we were going to get a new universe show before we knew anything right yeah no absolutely it, and the thing i mean like i say i get get the idea of like trying to wipe the sake, slate clean and like do new stories and stuff do you think it's but kind of a radical time, decision to do that considering that the movies have had a bigger splash lately and that's what, what was so know. stupid was the second film went and did con again yeah that was that's why the stupid that was another thing about the film that, but like, as you said there's people who've never seen the originals and may never but that was the whole point is you had to have seen con to make to have any darkness have any meaning to you Right, well, because just, when the big reveal just, happens, just the con reveal, right? But the rest of it can ah, function. Say, but I mean, the whole point is like the con character is so iconic. Yeah, like, I mean, obviously it was they, a stupid move. Obviously, it, the death reversal only means more to someone who knows that it was supposed to. Yeah, go the other I mean way. that translates, I guess, as a new char- thing. But again, the the whole con thing. They even said that they went back and forth on it. Yeah, like when they were writing the damn thing, and it totally shows because. Other than him being named Khan and have, being a genetically modified yeah. person, he's not Khan in any other way. No, he doesn't right? look like Khan. He shouldn't look different. They, yeah, well, I mean, again, that was like, they had uh, apparently, uh, what's his name? I can't remember the actor that was like, and then he turned it down. Oh, really? Um, yeah, who was, uh, you know, would have looked more like Khan. Okay. It's a, um, but again, it was a stupid thing. Like, you know, you, you wipe the slate clean to do new stories mm-hmm. and then go back and do the same story. I will say it's nice. It's, it, it's probably the most physical I've ever seen Cumberbatch be. Yeah, well, I mean, I didn't mind Cumberbatch's Because he usually plays more well, I feel like characters. all the, uh, the villains were wasted in, all, in every single one of those movies. Like, they never flushed them out well. And again, it's... I guess nature of the blockbuster movie. Like. The blockbuster movies these days, I mean, as much as we all love Marvel movies, how many of them have had good villains? No, that's true. Even the Marvel movies I suffer from that. Like, sure. besides yeah. Loki, like, has yeah. it really been like a... And again, going back to the series, yeah. like, how awesome was Gal Dukat as yeah. a villain? Oh, yeah. I mean, he was such a flushed out character. He was given room to People breathe. People were, like, actually sympathizing with him because he was that, yeah. you know, that solid a character. And, I mean, that's kind of scary in one way because he was a bad guy. 
But at the same time, it's also like, holy he shit, had, like yeah. he did such a good job writing him that he was, you know, kind of like He was the bad guy because he needed to be, like, he because he was on the other side, but he had his elements. Like, he had his elements of uh, thing, but he was, he, like, was a Nazi, basically. Yes. So, you know, you like, ultimately he was a piece of shit. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> but it was a dumb, but I mean, and, the, and then there was actually a point, I think I was reading something where, like, the writers were like, holy shit, people are liking him too much like yeah, we have yeah. to sort of take him off the deep end a little because we want to make sure that people understand that this is a bad guy like he executed people and had people executed like he yeah. was not a good like he was not a good person well, he had like I mean it's he was a real person though in the sense that people believe like yeah well, he was a rounded person right because yeah. no one is pure evil no. or pure it's a, like they have elements of good and bad in them but well, like, going back to the there Hannibal. are things that are unexcusable right like, going back to the Hannibal connection I mean if you watch Hannibal you, at times, you almost sympathize with him yeah. because, like, you almost like, oh, they're going to catch him. Those are the best villains, right? Absolutely. Those are the best villains. So again, you're never going to get anything complex like that out of uh, out our of these movie. new movies, right? Yeah. Or you know, and that's fine. I mean, that's unfortunately that's the nature of the movie. But like, that's why I think Star Trek works better on a small screen when you mm-hmm. can have those kind of three D, like three dimensional characters, Absolutely. and to have that. And I hope to see more of that. That will be that will be good stuff. Perfect. That will be interesting to see what the like. Are, is there going to be a villain or? A species of villain or whatever, like that will be interesting to see and how it gets flushed out. I'm ex- I I hope that they have thirteen good stories or like one big story. Yeah, that, hopefully that, it will be that yeah. works well over. Thir- I mean, that's a lot of of real. I think space. if it's done well, though, it will be. You know, do we know how long the episodes are going to be? I think they're one hour, right? Like, well, I guess if it's going to be on, they said two hour pilot though. I believe. Okay, I'm pretty sure they confirmed two hour. Because pilot. like a lot of streaming shows aren't necessarily like the, the typical length anymore. No, I guess you get a full hour a lot of times now, right? Or closer to like yeah. I know like the the Marvel Netflix shows have been like forty five to fifty five depending yeah. on the episode, right? Yeah, which again is kind of cool that they'll be able to, you know, they may not have to necessarily stick to. Because I know, like, for example, on the Blu-rays, which was a really cool addition for mm-hmm. Next Generation, was they had the extended cut of Measure of Man, oh. right? Which was one of those rare things where they had all this extra footage yeah, yeah. that they had to cut down for broadcast, which probably would be able to be aired on it. So if you have an extra 10 minutes of solid, good material. Yeah, for sure. Like, which will be kind of cool. And, I mean, I think a lot of the add-in stuff was really great in that episode. There was a lot of good character moments. It'll be exciting to see, first of all, a new Star Trek TV series at all. Yeah, I'm pumped. Because I mean, by the like, time it starts, how long will it have been? Well, it would have been 2005 was Enterprise. So it'll be 12 so. years since we had... Yeah. Which is, I guess, the longest gap, like, in one way. Like, I mean, if you take out the movies, right? Yeah, yeah. Because the is next it? like the original series to the first movie was 10 years, right? Okay. So it's a... Uh, but between TV series, I guess there was 20 years, but you're right, there was a lot of content in the middle. Yeah, there was... Although t- we have had a lot of content in the middle, too. Well, I guess, uh, you know, if you look at comics and outside of that, it would say, like... I mean, and side. as much as it's a different world, that we have, we have still gotten Star Trek movies, even though they're different. Yeah, I mean, I don't care, again, I this know. is going back to the Prime Universe now, so it's a, so to me, this is... The Prime Universe hasn't been touched since 2005. Yeah, and I think that's part of one of the things that makes Star Trek great, is all its history. Absolutely. So I think that's part of the like again one of the reasons Enterprise I think was stupid like it was a stupid move I get why they did it but I think it was a stupid move when they just called it Enterprise mm, right they not Star Trek and not call it Star Trek Enterprise which they eventually did right to sort of appease the fans yeah, but yeah. it was already too late and that's actually a quick question before we sign off yeah because I think the podcast is almost up to six hours now yeah no problem um, do you do you go back to orchestral theme. Do we... Oh, the theme? Yeah, it was a big contention in the original series. That's a good... Or, sorry, in the uh, Enterprise, yeah. Because they I tried mean, something different. They tried something different. Yeah, again, I don't know. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Well, like, yeah. How do you feel about the Russell Watson theme? 
I mean, I get the lyrics. Why the lyrics were it works? For it works a lot. That's it. Um, so at first, I was like, I what almost, the hell? I almost used the beginning of that for this podcast, like a, somewhere in this podcast, uh, because it's. I, I'm at 400 episodes. That's a long. That's a long road. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, it's true. It's a, I mean, it was. It, it made sense for the series. It, it spoke to the series in a lot of ways. Um, I think the taking Star Trek off the title was even worse than the than the. Okay. I think the 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 theme. Like I don't. I don't really have. I mean, I, I get why some people don't like the theme. But I think the, the lyrics really do speak to the series. So I think it works. Um, now, the new show is Star Trek colon, uh, sorry, um, Discovery? Or is it just Star Trek Discovery? Uh, yeah, I don't know if the colon is there in the title or not. I think no. it's not. I think it's just Star Trek and then below it is Discovery in the, in the official font title. Yeah, you're right. Now, I mean, on its Wikipedia page, it doesn't say much, but it, uh, those people are pretty, like, you know, hardcore yeah, about that stuff. They do have the colon, but you're right. We just have Star Trek and the Discovery underneath it, yeah, so it's so. really unclear at this point in time. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I think orchestral theme would probably be smart. You know, it's sort of, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see if they do it. Now, actually, I didn't even realize this. So, eventually, in the third season of Enterprise, they did call it Star Trek Enterprise? Yes, they did. Yeah, they eventually put it, put it back on, but it was too late already. Right? It was the like, third episode of season three, so that's like... Yeah, which was weird, too, that it wasn't in the first two episodes. Because yeah. I remember, actually, specifically remember sitting down watching that episode and going, oh, shit, they put Star Trek in it. Yeah. Which was, was kind of funny. Now, it's interesting. So, the way that the font is on there is Star Trek and the Enterprise underneath it, but then there it's, is known, no with, there, right? it's known with the colon, though. It, what's that? It's known with the colon. That's right. Like when it's written out, it's a, uh, anywhere else. It's Star Trek. Yeah. Enterprise. But I guess Next Generation is technically the same, right? Yeah. There's no colon. No, in there's the no colon. Title. The actual title on the screen, yeah. but it's so there. It's a, so yeah. I guess we can assume it's the same. It's the same thing. So you think so. they go back to uh, orchestral, and do you think we? I think so. I think it would be smart, and it'd be interesting to see who gets to do that. Who did the? Was it the same person who did the themes for the last like DS9 and and like? Uh, no, Voyager was uh, Voyager was um, Jerry. Uh, so uh, Jerry Goldsmith, okay, who did the like f- movie theme for yeah, uh, yeah. motion picture, and then did a bunch of the the movies, okay. Um, and uh, the Next Generation was an adaptation of Jerry Goldsmith's theme from okay. the motion picture. And what about DS Nine? Uh, and DS Nine was a different composer. I can't remember now who the composer was offhand, but Deep Space Nine was great. I love the theme to Deep Space Nine. I can't even remember. I in my head, I can't remember which one was like which. Like it's terrible. Deep Space Nine had two themes as well because it changed over time as well. Yeah, and it also but, had a short one and a long one, but they both did. DS Nine had a short. Well, one. they had the end credits one and thing, but Deep Space Nine had two opening credits that okay. actually changed, right? Yeah, I yeah, think yeah. it was around season three or four, where it became uh, like because it was just sort of the solo horn. In, yeah, in yeah, the yeah. First couple seasons, and it's sort of a slower. It wasn't as upbeat, yeah. I guess you could say, and then the, they they sort of made it upbeat, and then I guess. I read somewhere, I can't remember what the the sort of excuse was. I guess some people didn't like the theme and stuff, but okay. the sort of un- explanation they gave was that uh, they wanted to show how the, the station was sort of this lonely station okay. out in the middle of nowhere, and then later on how it picked up, it was, you know, and that's why they gave it sort of an upbeat tempo, right? So it looks like uh, the composer for DS9's theme was Dennis McCarthy. That's right, Dennis McCarthy. He and also he, did had the movie adapted, uh, he also did the movie score for Star Trek Generations. Yeah, and he also adapted, I believe, um, the Next Generation like theme. Oh, really? I believe so. I believe it's Interesting. the same guy. Because huh. he was the one that... Because uh, there's actually a theme um, for Next Generation that wasn't the theme that we got. Really? Yeah, so it has the same opening like sort of bit okay. before it goes into the sort of movie theme, I guess you could say. Huh. That's um, available on one of the soundtracks from uh, La La Land Records, if anybody's uh, looking, okay. you know, interested. They got a wow. bunch of really great... Um, they got a bunch of really great what's it uh, like sets 
of original score music from the TNG, Deep Space Nine, really? Enterprise. Yeah, they're really good box sets. I mean, they're a little pricey, but they're uh, they're really good. Hmm. So if you're interested in any of the score music, it's good stuff. I have all of them. They're all really uh, really good. But they have the alternate TNG theme, and it's very nineties. Yeah. Yeah. Like I was so happy it didn't have like Quantum Leap. Like, like it's 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 bad. Because like it, it I would, love I like, love Quantum I mean, Leap, but like I can't go back. To it's dated. That. Like it would be very dated. Where I think the classic score that it has now is not mm. dated, right? So well, and that's that's that brings me back to Enterprise. Do you feel that that, that, that theme is dated? Dates it a little bit more. I mean, it, it was an older song. It was just an adaptation, right? It so was. I don't yeah. Know. I mean. It, I don't. I don't have as much hate for it. Even that song, they changed the tempo on it. They did. They, they had like an alternate version in the third season. Yeah. Now that I have another question about that. So, well, not about the tempo. Um, we have in the first. You know, well, not first. I'm going to put TOS on its own. Uh, Next generation, uh, Voyager, and DS9. You have very kind of classic um, yeah, visuals cl- during this point, like in terms of like. Well, the opening sequence, you mean? The opening sequence, yeah. In terms of what you have during this orchestral music. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess they were all, what's it, like, a lot of them are the ship, or the, the station, The ship, right? the station. Yeah, um, Enterprise the, was the least of that, yeah. Well, in the Enterprise, we got it was a, like history a history lesson, yeah. Which I actually thought was really cool, and yeah. worked with the song. Um, I think so, too, because it was showing, like, you know, from... It was like the, like the Enterprise for, for of the, the Zed, original like sailing the, ship all the way exactly, up to yeah. the, the, you know, the spaceship. Right? Which was, I thought, was, thought that was really cool that you see this progression. Yeah. It actually, it almost reminds me now that I think about it as um, Cineplex in Canada used to have... Yeah, it's sort of, yeah. The, you know, the, the history of flight, kind of, yeah, basically. Yeah. And then eventually have this rocket ship, because it's Galaxy Cinemas. Yeah. Um, it's kind of a weird thought to even have, but um, I, I used to, I like that history lesson aspect of... Yeah, it was kind gen- of... Uh, of uh, Enterprise. So what do you think we'll get this time? Yeah, I mean, who knows? Do you think uh, we get a revert, a revert to form? Go back some, to just the ship? Or do we... I, mean, I know anything? some people don't like the, the current ship. I, we, we touched mm-hmm. on it quickly, but did you, like... I can't remember you, it. You don't it's really terrible. know the design? Take a look at it. It's a, I mean... It's not traditional, that's for sure. It's uh, sort of, you know, a different take on it. I mean, uh, it'll be interesting to see. They did say it's not the final design, right? That there could there okay. could be changes. So it'd be interesting if they do change it up. I don't know. Hmm. Do you think we'll even get a theme? This is the modern. It's true. Era. It could it could be, but I think it seems like themes are coming back. Like yeah, I'm, fi- I'm finding with a lot of like Netflix shows and stuff, they're they're doing themes again, right? Mm. Like it's it's sort of was like it's kind of funny how things are kind of coming back again, right? Like. Yeah, they, there it's a, it is. It seems circular, to be the. Right? I, I think I definitely think it should have a theme. I think it would be cool. I just hope that they do. Um, so that was one of my things with uh, with Netflix, like with is Daredevil. Daredevil does the teaser and then the theme and then yeah. back to. I I kind of hope that if they do the theme, they do it like not teaser theme episode. I'd yeah. rather have the 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 theme right at the beginning. Uh, so if you are watching, you can skip it. You don't yeah, have to watch yeah, yeah, it on yeah. every episode. That's a good point. Jessica Jones right. has it like that. Right? Yeah. Jessica Jones's theme, and then right into show, right? I don't even remember. Whereas, I'm pretty sure, it was, whereas Daredevil was I theme. I thought they had a cold or, open, didn't they? I don't think so. No, right? I think Jessica Jones, I'm pretty sure it was just theme, and then it would skip the theme when you watch the next episode. I like this design. What's what's people's problems? Uh, well, I guess it's not as sleek and, you know, not, not as futuristic. It's a... Um, but I don't. I, I honestly don't think. Uh, well, they'd be trying different things. Well, that's the thing is they're going for something different. It's kind of cool that it's a Ralph McQuarrie uh, callback. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think you it, still have like the saucer kind of disc. Yeah, looking. I mean, it, what's the ship's purpose, right? What does it do, right? Is it, like as long as it can be explained well, I think it, yeah. it could work. I mean. It's Just not at the most sexy ship, but, no, w- but what's like, it doing? You have different cars, like yeah, different like. As long is, as its function is is exactly. I personally think the new design of the Enterprise in the movies is ugly. 
Yeah. I, I don't like it. I don't like no. it. I think the new one, new, new one, the, the new Enterprise A is yes. even uglier. Like, yeah. it's terrible. And we're definitely getting another one of those, right? You, well, I mean, it was pretty much confirmed, though it's tanking at the box office. It didn't do well. It's not doing well. It's not doing no, it's not, they're progressively losing money. Yeah, it's, well, I mean, that's just with most things these days, unless yeah. you're Fast and the Furious. Yeah, and that I mean, just even like this summer, it seems like all the blockbusters are, are struggling, so it could Except be. Except for Cap. Th- Cap did pretty well. Yeah, it's a um, but like a lot of the stuff like is underperforming. Yeah, Ghostbusters didn't do that well. Like Suicide Squad dropped hard after the first weekend. Yeah. So it's uh, who knows, but um, it's tough. Unless you're again, an there's so movie. much media out there that you know it's harder to get people's attention, right? And that's one thing we talked in, about uh, in our episode where we talked about Beyond was uh, for better or for worse. At least they were trying something with the Bronco Escape. Um, oh, the new format format because yeah. at least I mean we don't we don't think it necessarily worked all that well or was that necessary or maybe with a different movie with different mechanics. I think it would work better. Forward. Like we, I think we talked about it was uh, too many know, cuts. That really yeah. If, if you movie. do twenty minutes of it solid or the whole movie like that, then it, it might be work. cool. Yeah. If, if you just do it the way it was with back and forth, back and forth. Can you imagine a movie like uh, Finding Nemo or like Finding Dory, like something where it's like the visuals yeah, could, are really on display like yeah. that and being able to see it all? Like it could that. be cool. I mean. Again, uh, it, I give it's the a signal of the times too, right? That they have to come up with these things now to try to get people in. Makes like sense. I just saw this other thing about like the new 4D thing that they're trying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where like the the chairs really move and like you know, it's like what is this a theme ride or now or like you know, like it's yeah. becoming more of a theme park ride. Well, it feels but, like that to us because that's what we used to equate that with, right? I don't but know though, man. I like it used to be like our t- new are, TV, are the younger it, generation are they really into this? Like, or is it just no. like the gimmick of trying to get people in? Well, they probably try it. I, I mean, I think it's that it used to be. You know, you had kind of shit and shit to watch on TV. Like you didn't have great stuff, and you had the the, the higher caliber material. Was, right, it was in film. Was yeah, in film, it was right? Transition. The that transition has happened, and that more and more people are doing stuff for HBO or whatever these yeah. these more niche places are, or more prestigious places are, I should say. Well, yeah, because those networks are these smaller, like independent, like you know, they put money into stuff, and like, but they they're have, also they care about content, the story, right? They yeah. don't care about oh, does it look visually cool? Like you have people like there's only so much of that that you know works, right? Like For sure. it, we're at the point now too, like where we've seen it all. Mm-hmm. Like how much different can it get? You know what I mean? Like CGI is taking us to all the you know, like you well, can do whatever the, you want now. The problem right? too, right? We had that dearth of like they they leaned so heavily into that. Well, I, that's in one way is thank God Lucas did what he did because it, it showed you know it's not the way to go, right? No. You don't need all the CG. Like it doesn't hold up. Yeah, it doesn't hold up, and also like it's it if, if it helps the story, great. But if it doesn't help the story and you're just doing it for visual, like, oh, ah, uh, the ooh, ah uh, is worn off. Like, people yeah. want good stories. People right? go, well, we talked before also about, like, old TV shows and old movies and why do we go back to them? Is there something about it? Yeah, uh, some of it is because it was good storytelling. They were mm-hmm. limited, right? And Absolutely. sometimes out of limitation, like, you get some of the best stories. Right? They have to innovate. I mean, look at Star Wars, the original, right? Like, part of it was the struggle that he had to build that movie mm-hmm. that made it so great, right? Godfather, you hear about all the behind the scenes yep. stuff that was, you know, going on and how hard that movie was to make. For sure. You know, sometimes out of struggle, you get some of the best stuff, right? Absolutely. So it's a, uh, it's interesting to see. And when you have no struggle, like on uh, Phantom Menace, it ends up like that. Well, the problem there was, I think, was just Lucas is, uh, you know, he, everybody that worked on that was a yes man, right? It was like, okay, George, okay, George, okay, George. Yeah. It's almost like he was too big to fail. Yeah, it was, you know, he had, he had nobody to say, dude, I don't know about that. You and know what I mean? It's interesting because, like, if you think about it, so many things have happened in entertainment industry, etc. If If Phantom Menace had come out now, 
Would it still made the money? I guess it was always going to make money. Yeah, it was going to make money no matter what. It didn't matter. Like Force Awakens almost didn't matter. Exactly. It was the same thing. What's that? And I mean, I'm sure the thing is, like now, I think what's it's just that Star Trek doesn't seem to get that bump. That you know, like it could come out and it's 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 going to be a crazy flop. Yeah, I mean, what's that? Yeah, it's like it's like beyond. It doesn't have the automatic. It's going to no, but why? Because it should have. I guess Star Wars was transformative for an entire generation in a way that Star Trek wasn't. Yeah, possibly. I mean, I don't know. I mean, Star Trek has never had that big ooh ah appeal, like, like you no. know. So is it? I think that's another thing about it is like you know trying to make it to appeal to everybody doesn't necessarily mean it's a good thing either, right? No. Like, you know, it's all right for it to be. It's a tough niche. though, right? Because like comic books run into this all the time is that they're not really set up for the people that like the people who are reading them now are all older. They're all 40s, 50s, 60s, right? Like I'm, I'm young for a comic book reader, and I'm relatively speaking um, compared to most that were much older yeah. and they all got in when they were like kids but there is no entry point comic for kids anymore because they, they're like well kids don't buy comics we're going to so get we're not them. producing it we're yeah. not producing it for that I'm like yeah the but, chicken and anything right yeah like eventually we're all going to die yeah. and no one's buying your content anymore and well, that, it, the kids will be like oh why would I read that comic and I can watch this awesome movie instead yeah but like it's, it's an interesting like I've, at some point someone's got to give yeah, no, it's true. I mean, it's it's a tough thing. Like, I mean, ultimately, all of this stuff is business too, right? Like, you got to. It make is money. a business. You got to make money, or else you're not, you know, you're not getting it, right? No. So, in one way, I'm glad like the movies, you know, did make money. And I mean, they haven't been doing as well as they were hoping, but they're still making money. Right? They're still so making keeping money. The brand awareness out there, and like I say, people have come and discovered other Star Trek as a result. Mm-hmm. So that's a good thing. And now we're and getting this new Star show. Trek conventions, though, are still popular all over the world. Yeah, it's it's weird. Like Star Trek has really stuck around for you know fifty years, which is crazy to think. Like, it's pretty cool though. I mean, it's generational. It's it's. I would say like they have conventions. I don't. Does Star Wars have conventions in the same way? Not the same way as Star Trek. No, Star Trek started the convention format. Really. Exactly. Like, it's a, it, it's kind of wild. Like there is a fucking Star Trek convention somewhere in the world. Almost like, every day. Almost every weekend, right? Like yeah. it's crazy. So I mean, it's cool though. It's awesome that it's still that got that you know it's got that power, right? Like it is a uniting force in a lot of ways because again, when the good Star Trek, the good stuff we're talking about, yeah. the good stuff we want to see is about themes. It's about character. Yeah, and I think about, that's why it resonates so well, right? Like, because it's about mm-hmm. the future. It's about a positive future. It's about mm-hmm. hope, and you know, like that's it's nice to see, right? Like it's a, it's a change. Even now, we get so much so much of it as like you well, know dark and. Yeah. Whatever. I mean, like, well, don't get me wrong. Deuce Nine had some of that dark mm-hmm. element, but like, it still was on level. Well, I think. It's interesting. Like, we think about you know Star Wars, the first one, being yeah. such a you know a romp and exciting adventure, but it's also depressing if you really look at it. Like, there's oh this, yeah, no, there's some dis- yeah, definitely like you know, there's this rebel band fighting against an oppressive empire. Yes, they have a big battle and they win that one, but like, yeah. it's still kind of dark. Well, whereas, well, I guess we'll see some of that in Rogue One, right? Yeah, we'll see some of that darkness there. That I'm super pumped for. Actually, yeah, it looks that, like it could that be might be your next appearance on the show. Maybe we'll see what's it. If there's anything uh, from here act, and there, well, actually, Doctor Strange. Yeah, Maybe Doctor Strange. I'm definitely probably Doctor Strange first, and then uh, Rogue One. I'm super pumped for that. Yeah, it should be. What do you think about the second trailer for Rogue One? Totally uh, off. Topic. Yeah, totally off topic. Although this oh, is episode 400, ma- it's not a. Yeah, there's not a theme here. Technically, I've named this episode. We're talking about all these good themes, and then your your yeah. episode no theme whatsoever. So. Not at all. Whatever. And Star Wars, Star Trek, it's the same thing, right? The theme of the show was tangents. It's the <laughs> yeah. name of the episode. No problem. I named it today. Uh, yeah, no, I didn't mind the second uh, trailer for a real one. That's it. Uh, you know, and again, like it's funny because oh, you know, Star Trek, Star Wars. 
I, you know, I enjoy them both for what they are. Mm-hmm. So, um, I really like Star Wars a lot too. I'm a huge fan. Of the, yeah. Sure. Um, but yeah, I think it could be. There's a lot of potential there. My only concern with Star Wars, with the Disney thing, is that it's going to become saturated, and it's not going to be as special. In yes. Some ways. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think uh, like. Well, the fact that they're, they're pumping out one a year. Yeah. And I know this isn't an episode, but but still. not even that. But I feel like the fact that they are at least trying to differentiate. Like you have episodes, and we're going to have these other ones, but they're going to be fi- like well, the this episodes are supposed to be the Skywalker saga. Right? Yeah, and this, this is this filling is... in a blank. Yeah, we didn't need filled in, but it is hope- a prequel. Yeah, it is a prequel. It is a prequel. I read that somewhere, and I was like, "Oh fuck, yeah, you're right." It, it is, is a prequel. prequel, absolutely. It's a fucking prequel, and then we're going to get more, right? So now we can't just be like, "Oh, the fucking prequels suck." No. The first prequels. Hopefully, well, hopefully, hopefully, we'll be able to say, or we won't be able well, to say. We could the say suck. the prequel Skywalker chapter. Yeah, like well, yeah. I mean, it's just you, funny. Like we're gonna have to di- differentiate the prequel now, now, like, like with the new Star Trek thing. Now, how that's the Calvin. You could say the prequel episodes as opposed to yeah, the, the, the prequel, prequel anthologies, right, yeah. Because the anthology, like we're getting Rogue One, we're getting the Harrison Ford, sorry, not Harrison Ford, Han, yeah, Han Solo, Solo yeah. They aren't the same thing. They're, well, they're not? What? Yeah. How dare they? Yeah, All right. Well, thank you for joining us for this Mammoth Six Hour podcast. There you go. Hopefully, that's some content for that all, is all the content that we're talking about putting out in the universe. Here we are Holy adding shit. to that. Absolutely. And I hope you will stick with us for another 400 episodes. Although I don't, I can't imagine doing 400 more. I mean, four years in, though, so who knows? Um, so, 100 episodes a year? Yeah, well, about because it's fifty. I do two episodes a week, and it's fifty-two weeks a year, so it should be about one hundred and four a year. But I usually take a week or two off. There you go. Wow. So that's that's a lot of. It's a lot of content. Man. I'm developing a lot of content right here. That's um, pretty well. Yeah. So catch us next. Uh, next episode should be a return to form. We should have a conversation, I believe, with Ron Mars. Uh, I think the week after that we might have an episode with uh, Ron Friends because I'm trying to hit all the Rons. Um, any other Rons in comics I've already had Ron Garney maybe we should have him back just to keep it going uh, I have not been able to get an answer from Ron Lim so that's all the, uh, all the illustrators I can think of in comics that are named Ron um, and then in a f- couple months we're going to have some more uh, movie episodes as we look at Doctor Strange and Star Wars Rogue One with uh, Tibor uh, returning for those yeah, episodes and then hopefully we can get our Star Trek uh, oh yeah with Discovery we can do like maybe a weekly or weekly that's what my show is going to become for a while it's just like um, reviews of 13 comics. weeks of Star Trek or maybe my reviews episodes will become both comics and Star Trek there you Discovery, go so so. we can have the like, subsec- like subsections that would be awesome anyways as I mentioned six hours ago you can email us at comicsnetigans <laughs> at gmail.com uh, rate and review us on iTunes subscribe to us on iTunes and you can also listen to us on Stitcher thanks again for joining us and we will catch you next time with our regularly scheduled programming bye bye it's been a long road Getting from there to here It's been a long time But my time is finally And I can feel the change in the wind right now Nothing's in my way And I'm not gonna hold it down